Hi, Ashley. So. We're, we're finally out of the Matrix. We left the Matrix. <laughs> we got out. We unplugged from the Matrix. It took us a little longer than we thought it was gonna. There were cycles. It was, <laughs> it was a whole thing. But now we are on to V for Vendetta. 2005, technically. But it came out in the U.S. in 2006. It was a funny thing that, that I think was hilarious to read about, where they based their whole marketing campaign on it was November actually, 5th. And then it just didn't happen. It got delayed till St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's quite a delay. Apparently they just had needed more time in post, is what I read. Yeah, I guess. Fair enough. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Better to put it out late and complete than exactly. rush it out. So, yeah. oh, yes, fine with me. But this is an interesting one. You, you you may be wondering why are we covering it? Right, we've addressed this in a, in another episode, but you might just be listening to this one. So let's address it. So this movie was not directed by the Wachowski sisters. Nope. Uh, but rather by James McTeague. Yes. In his directorial debut. Who was a frequent assistant director? Yes, on all with the them. Matrix films. First AD on the Matrix trilogy, so he worked very closely with them, and apparently had been working with them on this project <sighs> mm-hmm. during that time. Mm-hmm. And my my understanding is that primarily they just after the huge undertaking that was directing the Matrix trilogy, they need a little break. Yes, they wanted to put this movie out. It was time, but they just didn't want to handle all of that themselves and that's fair it's very understandable very very understandable um so they they did sort of give it to him to direct mm-hmm. so this would be the first in quite a sequence of adaptations yes this is the interesting thing so like we've we had bound and the matrix which were original wachowski projects yes and and this <clears throat> i mean Apparently their first script for V for Vendetta like predates The Matrix even. Yes, they were working on it. Like ages for a ago. long, long, long Clearly time. Clearly this was a pretty formative work for them. Yes. But it's interesting because now we get this big long stretch of adaptations for like the next decade. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. It's like three adaptations in a row. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Because I think the Matrix kind of burned them out. It's a lot of work, especially just given how like it, like philosophically dense those movies are like they put a lot of effort and they were in it from like the mid 90s functionally when Mm -hmm. they started writing the first film to like 2003 yeah it's a good like that's a long time and now that's not to say that that v for vendetta is just a straight up adaptation because i would say it is pretty drastically different from the comic Um, to the point where it is closer to an original work. Right. You know, they take they take the sort of tropes and the bits and the, the trappings of V for Vendetta, but they are really telling their own story and making their own point. Right. Right. Which is, like, maybe somewhat distinct from subsequent adaptations that we'll cover. Potentially. Potentially. Um, um, but also, this is, a, this is a case where you've read the comic, and I have not. Now, this was a long time ago. Well, I haven't enough. read it in many years. I did kind of flip through to refresh myself. But I wouldn't say I am especially up on the events of the comic. It's It's been a long time. Fair enough. But neither of us, to my understanding, have read 
plot atlas, correct? Not read that one, no. So there's a sort of a little difference in how we can discuss it adaptationally. Right. Um, but no, it's just, it's an interesting little thing because it does feel like, even though I haven't read it, I felt like I could sort of tell what things were probably from the comic because they stick out. <laughs> yeah. Versus the sort of Wachowski-esque vibe. Uh-huh. And, and as we go through, I, I will do my best to sort of recall where those delineations happen because I think, by and large, I will be able to at least do that. I don't know that I will remember all the particulars and intricacies of the plot of the comic just because it is rather long and intricate. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'll definitely know what was, like, film original. <laughs> right. And it is interesting, too, because I was reading a little bit about the development of this movie, which had been going on for some time. Because mm -hmm. the studio bought the rights, like, way back when the comic was first being published. In the 80s. In the 80s. And so there were apparently initial drafts that were, like, extremely different, like, maybe more different than this. And then the Wachowskis, when they first wrote their initial script it was apparently much closer to the comic. Right, that is what I read as well. Than this ended up being. Yeah. And you know what? Like, as a pretentious and nerdy teenager, <laughs> I was frustrated with this movie. Right. Because I read the comic. And I have a, I have a different philosophy on adaptations at this point in my life. Right. Uh, and I don't think that an adaptation's goal is strictly to be as faithful as they can manage. Because why adapt in that case? Right. Like, I think it's perfectly reasonable and often the best choice to use a work that you're adapting to make your own point. Absolutely. And especially in this case, it's a somewhat political work. Yes. And... Um, and there was a different political context in the early 2000s than there was in the in early, early 80s. 80s. Exactly. So you have to account for that. And I also do think that the Wachowskis are like using this script to make maybe a bolder slash less couched in metaphor political statement. I don't know. That's arguable. Because on one hand, I can see where you're coming from there. But also, I think Alan Moore did have a point when he said, you know, they never use the words fascism or anarchism in the yeah, screenplay. This is true. That, you know, he, he was coming out and he was saying, like, hey, anarchy v. fascism. Like, yes. this is what we're talking no, about right now. No, let me be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they used this story as a framework to make something that for them was able to be more political than a lot of their directorial work. Yes. For them, certainly. It, it is... Like, I'm just thinking about this as it pertains to their other work. Mm -hmm. And I can see why maybe they felt more comfortable given that someone else was directing it. Right. And also... Um, so yeah, let's just address the whole Alan Moore thing, uh, right, yeah. right at the, up at the tippy top. He wasn't happy with it, but he's never been happy with an adaptation of his work. And, and he, he, he read the script, I believe, but did not watch the film. Yes. And it's interesting because I guess apparently in the first place, you know, he, he did have some interest or enthusiasm for a film adaptation and right. then he sort of became disgruntled about it. And it's, it's hard to tell, at least from what I found, the degree to which he's disgruntled because of anything involved in this actual production versus 
the the movie adaptations of From Hell and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which displeased him greatly. They did, they did him dirty, and and you know I I would say like certainly there's never been a faithful adaptation of his work. Right. Uh, you know I think that this is a a, a good film. Right. But I wouldn't call it a a good representation of the book. Right. Um. You know Watchmen similarly it's like it's got its you know it's an interesting film in and of itself but it pretty widely deviates from the point that moore was making which is funny because i feel like to my knowledge that film has more like slavish visual recreations of parts that's a conversation for another day Fair because <laughs> i could talk about that for a while and now it's not the time or the yes. place but but no uh, you're right he's it's, it's never but but I don't know that Moore would ever be satisfied with an adapta- an adaptation that wasn't slavish. And David Lloyd, who was the co-writer, mm-hmm. well, he was the illustrator. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so he was just the illustrator. As far as I'm aware, I mean, you know, because they're just like listed together on the cover. Yes, and you know, certainly the writer and the illustrator of a comic are right, that's a real partnership, yeah. a real collaboration. But Lloyd was the illustrator, and Moore was the writer. And David Lloyd actually said that. Yes. That, that he said it's not a knock on the movie that Alan Moore doesn't approve of it. He just, he couldn't ever approve. He couldn't ever approve. That's what he said. Yeah, and, and he and, did say, like, we knew what we were doing when we signed away those rights. Like, yeah. and he said that he had seen and liked the movie. Yes, because he seems, like, reasonable. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Big fan of a lot of Moore's work, but he's not a reasonable person. No, <laughs> so. not really a surprise. Maybe he couldn't be to write what he does. Yeah, he's an out there kind of a guy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there are some really, really drastic differences. And uh, it does seem, like, probably politically watered down from the text. Sure. And it's basically, it's just about different politics. Different, different politics. You know, I think, he, you know, he was he was frustrated that Wachowskis essentially were writing about America. Even though it still is in the UK. Yes. But essentially they are, yeah. But you know what? It's a time-honored tradition. Shakespeare wrote about England by writing about Italy. Yes. Like, this is and not something that only cowards do. Like, this is how you sort of play the game. Well, and that's what I think about, like, you can tell that this movie is playing the game. And I feel like I respect it a lot for getting things into the cinema mm-hmm. that, that other movies of that, like, budget level were not able to do at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does that by making compromises in other areas. Yeah. Uh, I just have to, I found the quote that um, David Lloyd yeah. said regarding when they when they sold the film rights. Um, this was in, I believe, the New York Times. He said, We didn't do it innocently. Neither myself nor Alan thought we were signing it over to a board of trustees who would look after it like it was the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he was realistic oh, yeah. about it. Fair enough. And could have been a lot worse, my goodness. Oh, absolutely. It could have been the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it would have been brutal if they'd done that to V for Vendetta though. Oy. Yeah. So, um it's But they are using it to make their own points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's reasonable. It's I valid. think that that's yeah. that's like I said, why adapt unless yeah. you're gonna make a new point. Yeah, and this is the thing like the only parts that kind of give me a question are when I feel like there's stuff in the source material that goes against the point they're trying to make or some sure. of the stuff they felt like they had to do. 
that's still in there and then the story has a little bit of a conflict with itself right and so yeah and i don't think that that's present here i think there might be some sort of like slightly weird sort of like pieces that don't entirely fit together i felt that way about certain things but but i would say that ultimately like the trappings of v from vendetta work yes. to make the point that the wachowskis wanted to make yes no i would totally agree so yeah but why don't we talk about it yeah by talking about the film um oh and and i guess what uh, what else i want to say before we start is i'm gonna be paying much more attention sort of to the script and the and the dialogue yes than i am the sort of like on-screen directorial choices right because ultimately that was somebody else's decisions you know he certainly was receiving their input right and so and even to a degree working in their style sort of but i feel like there are distinctions there are distinctions and i mean like i think it's it's okay to, to address those distinctions like to me watching it i felt like the color scheme is different uh-huh. than maybe anything the wachowskis have really done yes because it's like very just like black and white and gray and red but mm-hmm. there's not really any grading in it that's no. really obvious no it looks pretty natural it doesn't feel matrixy like no, there, it were, doesn't. I, there were even i found like some reviews from when it came out that were criticizing the cinematography for being not atmospheric enough or feeling like television what which doesn't make any sense to me now but i guess maybe in 2006 when people wanted a lot of color grading or something maybe that was why they felt like it didn't have enough i don't know atmosphere i don't know but this is to say, as we go through this, I'm going to be focusing more yes. on, on that stuff and sort of the, the plot and the dialogue choices rather we're, we're than... covering this as a written film rather than a directed film. A first for us. Right. That's going to be weird and hard. But yes. <laughs> let's do it. Yes. All right. So we open um, quite aptly with the voice of Natalie Portman. Yeah. <laughs> Quoting, remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. And then she goes on to talk about Guy Fox, the historical figure that that quotation references. Um, We're but, sort of seeing him. Yes, we see the, the his... Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I will just say, like, I, I think it's a really great image as, like, we see the light come down the tunnel, like, just barely in the distance as Guy right. Fox is you know setting up under the houses of parliament um and it's interesting because like i think the only thing i have to say about this movie visually mm-hmm. at all is that there are like these great sort of almost splash panel images yeah which i feel like is a bit different from the wachowski sisters style of direction where it's more like constant movement right and and this feels like it it knows it's a comic book in that it way it feels less like kinetic and more like this happens and then this happens and then this more happens. imagistic yes yeah and which I, is funny because it's almost more that way than what you've shown me of the comic it's true it's <laughs> kind of funny uh the 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 way that it, it it's set up with these great sort of tableaus it feels more comic booky than the actual comic does in this case yeah um but yeah these great sort of images are are taking me back to like hellboy yeah last season that it like the the movie endeavors in certain ways to evoke the feeling of a comic book. Exactly, even in the way that the fights happen, mm-hmm. like it's These less just great frames. Yeah, and it's like pictures. it's like less kinetic, and it's more like ha ha ha. Yes, you know, of, yeah. it's about silhouettes. Exactly, and sort of, yeah. exactly, and like catching people as they do a thing. Uh huh. Yeah. 
It's yeah, less based in motion. Um, yes. And so, this, so this this opens with a great just visual image of Guy Fox coming down this yeah. corridor um, with this lantern. It's great. So yes, as she's talking about, you know, who was Guy Fox? What was he like? Um, we are told to remember the idea and not the man. And we see Guy Fox being apprehended. We see him being brought to the gallows. Right. Um, and she talks about, uh, you know, a man can fail. He can be caught. He can be killed and forgotten. But 400 years later, an idea can still change the world. I have witnessed firsthand the power of ideas. I've seen people kill in the name of them and die defending them. But you cannot kiss an idea. Cannot touch it or hold it. And this is sort of the first real departure from the comic. <laughs> right. Because certainly there is this struggle in the comic with Evie wanting a relationship from... V that he is not capable of giving her. Sure. I wouldn't call it strictly romantic. Right. It's very complicated in the comic because there, I mean, there's a period of time where Evie suspects that V might be her father. Right. So, you know, she just, she wants this, this personal connection with him and he's not here for that. Right. Because he's not really a guy anymore. He's not a person anymore. And, and. Yeah, I shouldn't say he's not really a guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's Guy Fox. Yeah, uh, but he's not really a person anymore. He's not really a human being anymore the, in the comic. Yeah, the movie the, the movie nods to that. The, his lip service to that, but he is sort of still the movie, a man. Movie V is struggling with that yeah. idea. Yeah, book V isn't. Right. So um, we see, uh, sort of, to underscore this tension, this woman in the crowd right. at the execution. Who seems to be some sort of lover to Guy, to Fox, Guy Fox, watching him be executed. Sure. So that is our Evie. That's very, very Wachowski's to me. Mm-hmm. Like everything they do has to be about this very grandiose idea of romantic love. Yes, they they like it. They like it a lot. They like it, <laughs> especially if like there's a little bit of angst involved. Mm-hmm. The, like, the the the. the difficulties one must surmount for love yes uh so at this point that just feels like a wachowski thing to me this voiceover gives me big del toro energy, <laughs> yes yes continuing to go back to hellboy here because i feel like and we'll not... even have john hurt showing yeah up. but i feel like that's not really something the wachowskis do as much to have like this voiceover prologue no not so much the voiceover bookends but he does yeah, as much as they don't do the, like, narration to open and close, they do the speeches. That's They rude. do the monologues. And oh my, is this movie full of those. Yes, but so is the comic. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you cannot touch it or hold it. They do not bleed. They do not feel pain. They do not love it. It's not an idea that I miss. It is a man, a man that made me remember the fifth of November, a man that I will never forget. And it's a bit maudlin. I was going to say, this one was a bit much for me. It's a bit silly. That's why maybe it felt like Del Toro a bit to me, where I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, okay. All right. There's like a lot of ideas. Very sappy. That are just said, right? Yeah, just Over and over and over in different ways. But this is our sort of prologue. Yeah. And we cut to um, an interesting scene where we are intercutting back and forth between Evie getting ready to go out and V 
getting ready to go out. This movie goes ham on the intercutting. Yes. I just have to say. And I think we can talk about that because I'm. it must be a script thing. Because it the Wachowskis be. do love it. Mm-hmm. We know this. Uh, and these scenes are, these intercuts are tied together because they are both watching the same television program. Yep, from the British television network. Yes. Um, Prothero is a, sur- a sort of a, I mean, he's an obvious Rush Limbaugh analog in this. Yes, yeah, he's a conservative pundit. Yeah. Uh, lots of yelling. And what I noticed with, with the broadcast is that, like, it's cutting to different angles of his face. Mm-hmm. Not even different angles, but different focal lengths of his face. Uh-huh. All the time. All the time. Very Every time dynamic. he says something, it goes to, like, a closer in on his face and then back out. Yeah, but, it's a very bizarre sort of filmmaking that they're doing in this in show. This, yeah. It's I was weird. like, how would they... I don't understand it. But we are getting some interesting sort of world building happening in his... From this obvious unreliable narrator, yeah. Yes, he's talking about the former United States being desperate for medical supplies. It's high time we let the colonies know what we really think of them. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I love... We got some really good Wachowski yeah. stuff in here. I say we go down to those docks tonight and dump that crap where everything from the United Sphincter of Ass Erica belongs. <laughs> and then he gets like all self-congratulatory about having said that. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, you, you know, you hear that USA, yada, yada, yada. Um, 20 years later, the, the world's biggest leper colony. He's right. just saying some really abhorrent stuff. He says it's because of godlessness. Godlessness. Judgment. No one escapes the past. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing Evie sort of getting ready for some kind of a date. She's looking sure. good. She's yeah. looking cute. Um, and V is, like, suiting up. Yeah. To go and do something a little bit more action-packed. He's got some knives. Knives. We love his knives. Um, and... Uh, you know, he's, uh, Prothero's going on about Muslims, homosexuals, terrorists, disease-ridden degenerates. Uh, they had to go. Strength through unity, unity through faith. This is their sort of he's, motto, he's their very, creed. He's very Brexit. Very Brexit. Hey, this was a long time before Brexit. But that's um, what he sounds like. Absolutely. Um, he says, I am a God-fearing Englishman, and I'm goddamn proud of it. Yeah. Uh, and... Evie decides to turn off the television. She says, that's quite enough, enough of, of that. that. Thank you very much. Um, and I, I was going to ask you, before we get any further yeah. into it, the whole threat of this government being very Islamophobic, uh-huh. is that a new thing for the film, or is that already present in the comic? I don't really recall much of that in right. the comic, beyond sort of the way that fascism just tends to be xenophobic. Right. I feel like... That felt like it was there because it was topical, which is not a knock on it at no, all. No, no, that was just what was relevant at that time. Well, and in the 80s, I think the, the focus was more on sort of um, anti-blackness. Right, that makes sense, especially in like the British context. Yeah. Yes. There is a lot more stuff. Uh, there, later, there's the, the Storm Saxon program, which is briefly mentioned. Right. Um, and we see more clips in the comic of Storm Saxon, and there's some really racist stuff going on in there it's like extremely fucking racist okay um particularly um against black people right so i think that in the context that alan moore was writing it that was more the sort of 
issue du jour. Right, right. Versus um, in 2005, in, America. Yes. Islamophobia was much more of a, of a, a, a touchstone. Go, yeah, exactly. And it's rare to see a movie from this time calling it out like this. Yes. Uh, so... This also, you know, Evie turns it off. We get the idea that, like, this is what television is, but yeah. she's not, she doesn't feel that way. She doesn't exactly. really care for this. Exactly. So she's not a bigot. She's not a bigot. She says, oh, I don't like, th- I've heard enough. Click. Which is also kind of nice because it sort of implies that that's the only thing on TV. Yes. Which is the case. It is. Uh, that and Storm Saxon. Right. Um, and then she looks at the clock and she says, oh, shit. She realizes it's much later yeah, than she thought it was. Late for something. She's got um, a little scrap of paper that has like Gordon's name on it. Like she, we yeah. see she's meeting up with someone in Gordon. Mm-hmm. This is weirdness number one to me. I just okay. have to address. Yeah. Why is she going to meet Gordon after eleven o'clock at night when there is a yellow code curfew on? Why is was she... she supposed to leave earlier? I don't know. I don't. This so this is this is. We're already deeply departed from the comic. So the comic doesn't have any bearing. Frankly, what it is, is we needed a reason for Evie to be out at night. Right, um, right. To get attacked by the Fingermen. Yeah. And the best that they could come up with is she's going for a date. Like, why did they set their date for this time? Yeah, Why are you going, like, who sets a date for after 11 p.m. now? Well, and especially given that, like, what we later find out is that, like, this is a date that he's set that's supposed to be conspicuous. Mm-hmm. So as like a sort of beard maneuver, right? He the, the, he's he's he wants people to know that he's going on a date with her. Yes, and specifically that they're gonna hook up. Yes. So what? why set it so late when you're not even supposed to be outside? No good reason. It's kind of a funky little plot hole. Yeah. Because in the comic, she's a 16 year old girl who's gone to Whitechapel to try to prostitute herself. Right. So that's why she's out, out late, late somewhere she shouldn't be. Right. Or no, she's not Whitechapel. She's in Westminster. But anyway, she she, yeah. she is yeah. She there's a reason for Book Evie to be out there, and it's because she's up to things she shouldn't be doing. Right in the movie, she's just going to a, a bizarrely late date. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, doesn't make any just sense. Like a, just like a dinner date at eleven p.m. Yeah, was she going over to? I mean, I guess she was going to his house, but yeah. like, who 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 goes on? First date? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's really strange. But fine. This is what's happening. Right. So. We can, we can go with yeah, it. Yeah, we'll go with it. So she's out on the street. She's walking fast. She's trying to get where she's going. and <laughs> Making her way downtown. Yes, she is. Apparently. <laughs> wherever she's going. Wherever Gordon lives. Uh, and uh, we hear on some speakers, a yellow-coated curfew is now in effect. Any unauthorized personnel will be subject to arrest. This is for your protection. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's just silly. Why is she out here? Um, but she's, you know, just trying to get through as quickly as she right. can. And she, there's, like, no one out on the street. She goes down an alley and she bumps into a man. Yeah. Um, and she says, excuse me. And she, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. And he immediately starts skeeving on her, acting like a creep. And she just wants to get away. Um, she makes up a lie. She, he says it's past curfew. And she says, my uncle is very sick. Um... And uh, this guy calls out a, a second creep, and they continue to creep on her. Yep. Um, and there's, you know, they say, uh, you know, that that's that's a load of bollocks. Um, and she's like, okay, I made a mistake. I shouldn't be out. I know that. And they are they're being more um, 
disgusting and aggressive towards her, she takes out some pepper spray, and then they reveal that they are fingermen, which are basically the state secret police. Right. Yeah, you can. You, they don't say it, but you can figure yes. it out. Yes, um, and that is, you know, the more explicit context given in the comic. Right. Um, and so, you know, they are quite uh, amused by her attempt to defend herself, um, but and they sort of imply that they are going to rape her. I think they pretty strongly imply. Yes. Um, and she's, you know, begging for them to let her go. Um, and, ugh, ugh, the yeah. grossest line yeah, ever. Yeah, there's some real, real grody stuff. Yeah, the guy says, because uh, they say, what do you think, lads? And he says, spare the rod, spoil the child. See, this other thing is that, like, even though I didn't know it, mm-hmm. I sort of thought, like, she's clearly an adult in this. Yes. But maybe she wasn't in the comic, and yeah. that's correct. Yes, she's 16 in the comic. Certain things make more sense, I think. Yeah. Within that framework. Yes, they do. But it's also an understandable change. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, so, you know, she starts screaming for help, and this is when V arrives. Yes. With the line, the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. Uh, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution. Um, he is quoting the bloody captain's speech from Macbeth. Yes. Um, and they're like, what the fuck? And, um, he starts, um, just wrecking their whole shit. Yeah. He beats the shit out of them. It's sort of comical. Yeah, yeah, pulls the pants down. Yeah. We really make fools of these guys. Right. Because they're rapists. And so we just really like to see them hurt. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and he, he dispatches with them and I, I we do get a, a, a kind of a good callback to the um, the creepy line from earlier. He, he yeah. says, we are off to blame in this. Tis too much proof that with devotion and visage and pious action, we do sugar or the devil himself. And the guy says, what does that mean? And V says, spare the rod. And just and fucking just kills him. Yeah. Yeah. Just like bludgeons him over the head with like yep. a nightstick. Yep. Just fucking whack. Bashes in his skull. He did. They're all dead. Uh, and Evie is terrified. Rightly. Yeah. And she's like, who are you? And he says, I mean, you no harm. Um, he, we have some fun banter about how the irony of asking a masked man who he is. The loquaciousness ramps the fuck up. Yeah, and I gotta say, this is, I mean, in certain ways, quite a departure. And I, right. I get why we do it here, because... Um, you know, in the comic, we have a whole lot of time to get to know V and sort of what his vibe is. And he is quite loquacious, but we have to, in a film, introduce a character as strikingly as possible. Right. And so to understand, like, this is what V is like, we have to let him do it really profoundly right away. And they do. Yeah. In, in the comic at this point, as I was showing you, um, as he's, like, dispatching with these men, he actually recites a lot more of the bloody captain speech. Right. But after that point, there's actually sort of very, on, very right? few yeah. words exchanged between him and Evie. Mm. Um, so, this, you know, she's, uh, she's like, yeah, okay, but who are you, though? And he does oh my God. the V speech, which is not in the comic. 
That's and a Wachowski I was original. So shook to find that out yeah. from you today. That's a Wachowski original. I was just, just thinking. Imagine that you're Hugo Weaving. <laughs> okay, imagine it. And you've received <laughs> this script. Uh huh. I'd be and delighted. you look at that speech. Oh, it's delightful. <laughs> I gotta say, now that you bring up Hugo Weaving, we're introducing this character. I love everything he's doing. Yes. He's a different man from yeah. the comic V, yeah. but I... And he's different from any other Hugo Weaving I've ever seen in a movie. It's very fun. You you mentioned to me that it's Phantom of the Opera. It's so yeah. Phantom of the Opera. And I really think that, and like, like you say, that this V is very different uh-huh. from comics V, but I think that was sort of like a concession to getting this as like a big budget studio movie is uh-huh. he has to be extremely demonstrative Demonst- to make up for the fact that he has a mask on the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to, well, and, and you know, here's a thought that just occurred to me in a comic, you can much more easily get away with a masked character because you're not seeing anyone's face move. No one's moving. Yeah, exactly. You, no ev- one's ev- moving. Everyone is static from panel to panel. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to sort of frame people and whatever. And they do that to great effect in this film as far sure. as like framing him and lighting him in ways that sort of yes. evoke feelings and sort of imply expressions. Yeah, there's a lot of really stark lighting which is really well used. Yeah, they do a good job of doing this interesting thing with the mask and with his costume. But, but they do have to emphasize that he's the kind of, just the kind of guy who moves around a lot. He's very theatrical. Yeah. Which very, very theatrical. Inherently messes with his personality a little bit, I think. Yes, it does. But he has to be in constant motion. And, frankly, he's got to be more likable. He's got to be endearing. Otherwise, he'd just be creepy. Yes. Really. And he is more creepy in the comic. Right. But it's a Hollywood film, and we exactly. want him to be they, likable. They were just like, they had to, this, I mean, this is a... At the time, a mid-budget. Now it would be a low-budget film at mm-hmm. $50 million. But they had to make that $50 million back. Yes. So he has to be more likable. Uh-huh. And frankly, he is. Like, it, yeah. it's funny. As mad as I was about certain aspects of this movie, and particularly this character, when I was a pretentious teenager. Sure. This portrayal was also, I'm recognizing, deeply formative to me. Right. Right. <laughs> like, reflecting upon my teenage self. Like, and this scene in particular. This scene in particular. It, it stuck with me in ways oh, that yeah. I don't think I recognized at the time. Yeah, no, same. Yeah. Very much so. It's sort of this, it's the swashbuckler Ugh, archetype, though, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And it's... That's just, what he is. Yeah, and I... This. I abs yeah, it was a hundred percent my thing as much as I fought it at the time <laughs> right. for dumb reasons. Because of course, in another context, I would have been a hundred percent all about it. Yeah, but I just had to be mad for pedantic reasons. Yeah, of course, so like I was you got to do sometimes. I was a pedantic little child. <laughs> so, but of course, we have to undercut it because it's funny. Uh, v does his big whole V speech, and it's really amusing. And then Evie says, "Are you like?" A crazy person. (laughs) I love that. And I love that he says, I'm sure they will say so. Yes. Yes. I'm quite sure they will say so. But to whom might I ask, am I speaking? What I I love is that the way that Hugo Weaving delivers it, even with all the $10 words, you can tell what he means. Yeah, you get the gist. But just in case you don't, they have him slash up that poster. Yeah. The propaganda poster. Yeah, this is propaganda, and I am V, zoroing it up over here. So even if you decided not to listen to the speech. If you just couldn't track it. You're just like, oh, he slashed up the poster. I get it. He's (laughs) fighting the state. Got it. 
He doesn't like the state. So they've got, like, layers of insurance baked into this thing. It's helpful. Because, <laughs> frankly, you can get lost in all those bees. Naturally. But, and just in case we didn't get all of that, coming up, it will become crystal clear what he's up <laughs> yes. to. Um, so, you know, he she says her name is Evie, and he's like, oh, of course you are. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. the name is quite conspicuous. Uh, and he, it, she says, what does that mean? And he says, it means that I, like God, do not play with dice and do not believe in coincidence. Uh, he's like, well, all right, this is fake. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, then. We're stuck together, I guess. Um, so, you know, he, he asks if she's okay. She's fine. Um, and he says, do you enjoy music, Evie? Um, and he says, because well, I'm on my way to give a special performance. Um, she asks, uh, what kind of musician? And he says, percussion instruments are my specialty. <laughs> but tonight I intend to call upon the entire orchestra for this particularly particular event and would be honored if you could join me. And she's like, I uh... don't know. And he's like, it'll be cool. I promise you're safe. And she's like, I guess. Right. <laughs> like, it's sort of a, 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 I think for her, a struggle of like, I am terrified and want to go home. But also... But also what is this guy's yeah, deal? Like, yeah. I can't, I have to know what he's talking about. And he does seem about. friendly. And he protected her. Mm -hmm. And he's being, yeah, he's being respectful. Right. And, you know, she seems to be safe with him. Sure. So she's like, so I got, like, okay. I gotta know, <laughs> I gotta know what you're talking about. Um, and so he takes her up to a rooftop. Um, and, she, you know, she's like, I don't see any instruments, and <laughs> your powers of observation continue to serve you well. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's so, the, the, the way that he's written is so delightful. Yes. And I will say, it's a little, it's a little different, I think, from the comic. Um, the, the sort of mode of speech that he employs. Mm. It's in a lot of ways similar, this sort of heightened, right. slightly... But I, I think that the way that he talks in the comic is almost more archaic. Oh, that makes sense. Lots of tizzes and things oh, like that. Oh, that, that would have been too much in the Yeah, movie. a little too <laughs> much. They tone much. it down so he just talks like a fancy lad. Right. Um, but without being too much like, okay, I get it, you're Guy Fox. Can right. Can you talk like a person? <laughs> right. So, yeah, tizzes and these. But, uh... He asks her, um, well, he, he says, um, it is to Madame Justice that I dedicate this concerto in honor of the holiday she seems to have taken from these parts and in recognition of the imposter that stands in her stead. Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie? And she says, November the 4th. And then we hear the bells striking midnight. Yeah. And he says, not anymore. Does he already have his little baton out at this point? I... Don't know. At some point during the yeah, speech, he pulls out, out his little conductor's baton. Yes. He, uh, he starts quoting the 5th of November rhyme again, and then starts conducting. Uh, first the overture, yes, the strings. And she's like, oh no, he's really very yeah. insane. And then he says, now the brass. And suddenly, boom, and we can... And just, she's like, whoa, I, whoa wait, wait, there, there is music. Yeah. Oh my god. And she's actually like really excited. Yeah. Um, and we see that this sound is coming from the speakers on the street. The ones that were talking about the curfew before. Uh-huh. Mm. And we see a little girl, or rather, um, striking. <laughs> with her big glasses, yeah. Yes, the little girl with the glasses and the pigtails. Um, and she says, look outside, Mommy, they're playing music. Why this, like, 12-year-old is awake at midnight, I don't know. Yeah. But. She seems like the type who would be. Yeah. 
I guess. She seems rebellious. Yeah, which is funny. Um, I guess I'll talk about her real quick. Because this girl is drawn from the comics. Right. Um, but the, the her sort of journey through the comics is she's quite a, a meek little girl. Right. And she's, she's continuing, she starts, you know, seeing this V stuff and sort of absorbing it and understanding it and sort of, this rebellion grows in her. Right. And so the big moment of her rebellion is when she's graffitiing, graffitiing the wall. The, yeah. Um, and she's writing the word bollocks on the wall. Well, they have her, like, say it earlier Yeah, and that kind of, that was one of the first things that irked me when I saw this movie was that she just says it out loud. And it's like, no, that was a huge act of defiance for her to use that word. Right. And to throw it away that soon in the story is to sort of disregard this child's entire journey. Yeah, fair enough. She wasn't a rebel at first, but she came to be one through V's message. Right. So... I mean, it's interesting because not having read it, I just found her endearing. Yeah, she's cute. She's not in enough of the movie that I felt like she needed to have such an arc. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, the fact that it's pretty... Like, when she gets got, when she's doing her graffiti, mm-hmm. it seems really tragic because it seems like a pretty ordinary thing for her to do. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just a, it's a different way of using this character. Right. Um, and I think, pro- you know, it may be just that it's, the, the film does not have the time. Yeah. But, exactly. But, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's a weird change. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. But yeah, for whatever reason, a lot of people are up and around. At, at 12. Maybe, yeah. maybe when you're not allowed out after 11, you just stay up later and play board games or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. I don't watch know what they're doing. Watch propaganda on the television. Yeah. Uh, watch Storm Saxon. Right. Um, so, you know, she's oh, mommy, they're playing music. And, um, you know, everyone is like, in their homes is like, whoa. People, yeah. And it is Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. Uh, very iconic at this point. Right. Uh, and uh, Evie's like, well, how are you doing that? Um, and... He says, you know, here comes the crescendo, and Old Bailey explodes. Yep. <laughs> In yep. fireworks. And everyone, and Evie is like, huh? it's very scary. Yeah. Um, but exciting, because yeah. there's fireworks. Yeah. Uh, Book Evie is just delighted. I mean, first she's, like, freaked out because there's an explosion, but then she sees the fireworks, and she just can't even believe she's seeing fireworks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's like, oh my god, it's real fireworks. Wow, okay. But also, I'll tell you this. In the comic, he's blowing up Parliament at this point. Wait, what? It's not Old Bailey. It is Parliament. He blows up Parliament. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a big change. That's a big change. (laughs) Yes. That's very... Okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand what they did with the script and the the change that they made there, but I did think it was very interesting that they were like, now we have to build up the Parliament. Yeah. Because where do you go from there? Downing Street. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe they thought that wouldn't track for an American audience. Uh, probably so. Probably that was they the reason. Like, Americans know what Parliament is. Yes. And, you know, the thing is, like, that's what Guy Fox did, so right. we can't so g- we give that to, away right yeah, away. build up to that. Anyway, so he blows up, he blows up the old Bailey. Um, and uh, he's just, like ecstatic and she's like whoa wait a second yeah this is not what i thought we were doing here terrorism oh no yep um and then we cut to big face angry john hurt face yes 
Yes, he is the Chancellor, uh, Sutler. And he, he's mad, and, and he says, you know, you, you have, you've had four hours, gentlemen, uh, you know, you, you, you better have results, um, and goes to sort of in, in line each of his sort of, like, heads of departments. Now, Sutler isn't his name in the... In the... No, his name is Susan. That's interesting. Well, and I was going to save it for later, but I'll just say, they changed it to Settler because it sounds like Hitler. Yes. No, that's <laughs> literally what I read is that somebody said that, that I don't know if it's one of the Wachowskis or who, mm-hmm. said that they tried to choose a name that sounded ordinary, but also like It Hitler. sounds like an absolutely regular Anglo-Saxon name. But it also sounds like Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, they threaded that needle well. Yeah. And like... Frankly, to just be calling this man Susan through the whole movie would be yeah, it'd quite be a bit comical. Much. It'd be a bit it just much. wouldn't work. Yeah. So he's not Susan anymore. Uh, <laughs> he's Sutler. Chancellor Sutler. Um, also, I think in the comic, he's just called like Leader, not Chancellor. Not Chancellor. He's called Leader. Interesting. Um, but he, he first addresses Mr. Creedy, who is the head of the Finger, which is yep. basically the secret police. Um, they've quarantined the Bailey area and detained witnesses. Um... Mr. Etheridge, who I believe is related to the, um, like, the ears. Um, we only see him very briefly. Very briefly. He doesn't really factor in. Yeah. But they, you know, they found a, a recording device wired into the Central Emergency Broadcast System. Uh, the CD was Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. And Sutler says that he wants it on the blacklist. He never wants to hear that music again. Oof. Very Nazi of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they've, they've doubled their random sweeps, monitoring phone surveillance, um, high percentage of conversation concerned with the explosion, um, asking Mr. Uh, Dashcom what they're going to do about that. He is a representative of the mouth, which is the propaganda arm of the government. Um, they're calling it an emergency demolition. They're putting out spin. Um, people are lined up to testify against the structural integrity of the building. They're right. already figuring out how to sort of spin this and cover it all up. Right, right. Um, and, you know, Sutler talks about, you know, Prothero should talk about the, you know, the dangers of the old buildings, avoid clinging to the edifice of a decadent past. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of an interesting pivot a little bit into sort of like Soviet Right, yeah. Uh, ideology there? Yeah. Interesting. But also I thought it was, a, you could interpret it as like a conservative thing. It is. Um, I think that sort of the Nazi um, preference in artistic expression tended towards the classical. Right. Exactly. So it wasn't necessarily an issue with like beauty and decadence that was a problem right. for the nazis right but certainly that's a that's a, fascism and totalitarianism often will reject the well and, and that's the thing is that this is like a somewhat religious yeah this is a this government. is a this is sort of an anglican yeah <laughs> uh an kind of a ang- totalitarian ang- anglico fascist yeah <laughs> but, but the ideas that i would associate when he says decadent i didn't necessarily think of it in that way but in more of like a sinful or godless type of decadence uh-huh but we are talking about architecture architecture certainly so yeah <laughs> i don't know that you could call architecture sinful, sinful. and godless no, i don't know uh, but you never know but yeah fair point but so i think that that sort of rhetoric tends more towards the sort of yeah soviet yeah totalitarian absolutely. kind of thing 
So, um, yes. Uh, da da da. The new Bailey will become the symbol of our time. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. There's, and you know, it's just gonna be like a, a big like, box. Exactly, a cinder block yes. building. Yeah, brutalist. Very Soviet. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he then addresses Mr. Hayer, which is, I don't know, maybe he's the ears, not clear. Uh, talking about surveillance cameras, um, they couldn't get a retinal scan on V through the mask, but they did get a picture of Evie. But they don't know who she is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he asked Mr. Finch, who is, like, the, the chief detective, and Finch says, we don't know, we're working on several leads. Finch is our most sympathetic member of this crew. Right. And we can tell right away. He and doesn't, like the most prominent, yeah. His heart, it doesn't seem like his heart is in it. Right, yeah. He's, he's not vibing with he's, this he's, scene. He's a little bummed out to be there. Uh-huh. Which, like, this actor, Stephen Rhea. Mm-hmm, he's is, good. He's really good, but he's just especially good at seeming like he doesn't want to be there. Yes. And it's like really something to to make that a good quality to have as an actor and mm-hmm. he does it yes <laughs> because he doesn't want to be in places that we also don't want to be exactly so we're like oh he doesn't look like he's enjoying this we can attach it's to him like a evie bit turning more. the tv off exactly know? so it's like that's how the movie indicates who are we supposed to like is the people who are like i guess this is what's going on Ugh. exactly <laughs> yeah so um you know is, is there anything else um, they located the fireworks um, and, and the explosives, but unfortunately these devices seem to have been homemade with ordinary chemicals, so they can't really trace who set them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's challenging for them. Whoever he is, Chancellor, he's very good. And Chancellor says, spare us your professional annotations, Mr. Finch. They are irrelevant. He's severe uh, in the way that, that John Hurt can absolutely yes. pull off. Um, you know, he starts speechifying moments such as these are matters of faith to fails to invite doubt into everything we believe, everything we have fought for, yada yada. I want them, him to understand what terror really means. England prevails. And they, they all, England prevails. And, and it's Finch very, is kind of like, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He yep. doesn't really like saying it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. that's their that's their their their, their Heil, Heil Hitler, Hitler yeah. kind of phrase. And we, I don't know, they don't say fascism in this movie, Mm-mm. but, but like, it's clearly fascist. They they don't say the word gay either, and you know who's gay in the movie. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, and it was yeah. I mean, I think it was just a point in Hollywood history where you kind of had to tiptoe. About yeah. certain things. I mean, you but, still but have to tiptoe. visually, I don't think it's tiptoeing at all. Oh, no. It's very fascist. They've got, got the, the iconography yeah. on either side of giant John Hurt's head. It is interesting. I think I'm going to save the conversation for the Norse fire party yeah. symbol for later. Yeah. But that that is that does come up a lot. We see this, this symbol. Just the fact that there's a Norse fire party. Oh, yeah. God. That's pretty Nazi of you. Yeah, it's it's pretty blatant. Uh, so um, we cut to the television station yes. at BTN. Yep. And um, the folks, including um, Dashcom, are you know talking about this sort of fix that they are right. doing. Uh, you know, are do you, are you, are people gonna buy this? And, and they're like, so on the yeah, nose. why not? This is the BTN. Our job is to report the news, not fabricate it. That's the government's job. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, yes. Thank it's you like said so it. It's so on the nose, but also this is the kind of shit people say. It is. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not mad about it. It's yeah. just goofy. It is very funny. Um, and, and we get, I am actually particularly amused with the news report that we see next. Yeah. Because that one, honestly, like, we didn't need those two lines. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they, they serve only to show that the people who are making this are well aware that they are putting out propaganda. Yeah. That, that's but, actually one of the more astute things about this movie is that it feels like everyone sort of knows exactly what's going on. And they just don't really have the power to do anything about it. Or they feel like they don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they are just like, I'm going with it. And people have different sort of degrees of like um, comfort with their complicity. Right. But everybody but it's knows that they're complicity rather than enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. But we do get this funny report. On the lighter side of things, it seems that the crew responsible for the demolition of the old Bailey wanted to give the old girl a grand, albeit improvised, send off. And it just sound, yeah. feel, sounds just very, very evening news. Yep, like, yep, exactly. It's, yeah. So they're talking about, oh, it was a planned demolition, but the fireworks were, you know, a, right. a last minute addition. What a fun thing that these, this demolition crew did <laughs> to say goodbye yeah. to this old building. Oh, man. Um... And uh, this young woman is talking with Evie, who apparently works at the BTN. She's some sort of assistant or like a runner. Some kind of, yeah. Yeah. Grunt level worker at the British Television Network. And um, this colleague of hers is like, that's bullshit. Like, I I was there. I saw it. That wasn't a demolition. Uh, Did you see it? And she's like, no, I was... uh, and um, the woman's like, oh, yeah, you went to see Daddy Dietrich, didn't you? <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yep. That's what he's called. Yep. Um, and thankfully for Evie, they get interrupted. Her boss, Patricia, is like, do your work, slave. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, two espressos, three coffees downstairs. Dietrich's ready for his tea. Um, and uh, then we cut to uh the the station where finch works right. whatever his office is and he's i feel wi- like there's a lot of like cutting back to finch's office throughout this whole yes movie. we just have to see how he's doing in his investigation that's what i think is so funny that the b plot of this movie is just a police procedural yes mystery uncovering movie that we already know the answer to though though you know what not all of it no it's actually the function that it serves is discovering the the point yeah the meaning of these events that we see unfold yes and so it's good i like it i think it's i think it's a good way to deliver that exposition it's very functional yes but like it feels very natural and sort of enticing that it's like we're 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 uncovering this mystery with him and yes. so we're we're learning more about V in a more natural way than him just being like well Evie I'll tell you about what happened yeah, to exactly. me yeah exactly like exactly I do think it's one of the things that makes the movie feel more even more serious than most of the Wachowski mm-hmm. directed movies which I feel like don't really cut between an A plot and a B plot mm-hmm. with a procedural B plot like this does yes. You know, yes. it's a difference. It's a difference, um, and I think it works. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was a good way to do it, especially because you know, in the comic, we're we're cutting back and forth between a lot of different characters and right. storylines and things. There's even more characters in the comic, and so this, this feels is a way to streamline everything. Right, we've we've condensed characters, we've t- altered them and their functions, but we do still have that sort of like these characters are up to this and we're learning these things. Meanwhile, these characters are up to this and we're learning these things. Exactly, kind of back and forth yes. storytelling with this larger cast. 
Uh, so Finch is talking to his sort of partner assistant guy, um, yep. Dominic. Yes. Um, saying, uh, and Dominic's is like, I don't get it. He, he, he dresses up like Guy Fox, but Guy Fox <laughs> blew up Parliament. And it's funny, like, they kind of had to address it because in the comic he does blow up Parliament, right. but. And I also feel like Dominic, that's his name, mm-hmm. just exists to be someone for Finch to talk to. Yeah, he's a sounding board. <laughs> yeah. And to ask questions that they presume the audience is asking. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's great. He's a very economical character. Yes. He's, he's, he's Rupert Graves. He's yeah. cute. I you like know. Rupert Graves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and the character does exist in the comic as well. Uh, but, uh, Finch kind of quips, well, you know, he's still got another 16 hours. Maybe he's just getting started. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, they continue to sort of discuss this. Right. Um, cut to Dietrich's office. Gordon's office. He's Stephen Fry. He's Stephen Fry. We're so happy to see yes. him. And it's funny, he's on the phone talking to somebody. Someone about a dead cow? A cow getting crucified. He says, yeah, oh, I, don't get me wrong, I love it. A cow getting crucified. It's hysterical, but you'll never get it approved. Yeah. Having, you know, sketch comedy exactly. conversation. Exactly. It, it has to be approved you gotta by rewind the censor board. Um, it, gotta go. Evie enters to serve him his tea. Um, and he says, I don't recall getting stood up by a more attractive woman. And it's so funny, because you immediately know, like, <laughs> oh, he gay. Like, this is Stephen Fry. He's Stephen Fry, He's yeah. gay. He's, he's definitely... like, doing a valiant effort at, like, a pickup line. Mm-hmm. But, like, it sounds like a gay guy just trying to compliment a woman. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. very Oscar Wilde of yeah, him. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um... You know, she's, uh, Mr. Dietrich, and, you know, she's trying to sort of explain herself, and he says, Gordon, please, I don't need Mr. to make this body feel any older. He's so gay! Yeah. Um, and she explains, like, I was on my way, but there were fingermen, and I went home. Um, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, yeah. He completely lets her off the hook. He yeah. does not mind at all that she yeah. stood him up, and he says, oh, well, you know, I think our curfew's only gonna get worse. Uh, so, we've, we sort of, we've introduced Gordon. Yeah, he seems sweet. <laughs> He's a nice guy. He seems trustworthy. It's a surprise yes. that he does seem yes. that way. Especially given who Gordon is in the comic. Right, he's totally different. He's totally different. And he's like, not a TV he, host. He's, he's, he's straight? He's straight. They fuck. That's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for that. I don't care for it either, but it's <laughs> what Alan Moore does, so... Oh, Alan Moore. Yeah, that's one of the things about him. He could stand to do Alan less. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, you got me with that one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. oh, you got me. Okay, so um, <laughs> we cut to sort of the the lobby of this floor of the TV station. Um, and Evie is wheeling in a cart of parcels. Yeah, just like a ton of them. A whole ton of Identical parcels. Yes. And the guy at the sort of security desk is like, oh, hey, did, uh, did those all get x-rayed? And she, she's so cute. She says, nope, they're filled with bombs. <laughs> and we like her. She's yeah, cute. exactly. She's really quite adorable <laughs> there. They're filled with bombs. Um, and he says, well, wait till commercials to set them off, okay? Um, and he's watching uh, Storm Saxon. Storm Saxon. And she's like, I can't believe you watched that. And he says, what? Laser Lass is banging. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we don't really see much of this program. It just seems like some sort of macho action TV series. Mm -hmm. 
Um, honestly, a little bit Flash Gordon. Yeah, it feels that way. We only see it in like the corner of the screen on this yeah. tiny, tiny TV. But um, he asks, or, or no, sorry. So yeah, that's that's the end of the scene with this this guy for now. Um, and she brings the uh, the cart back to this dressing area where all of these showgirls are right. getting ready to go on. Right. Um, and that's really weird because we don't do that kind of thing in America, but I guess maybe. Well, it seems like they are a part of Gordon's show. Yes. Because oh, yes, they are. Later. We see them later. It's just funny that, like, that's just sort of a thing that he would have on his show because we... Maybe in this world, that's... In this world. And, you know, I mean, it may just be more the, English. That's the state-sanctioned sexuality that is allowed Showgirls. on television. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. It, it just feels yeah, a it's little weird. foreign. Yeah. But that works. Yeah. It, uh, it's supposed to be weird times. In it is weird times. Um, and, and this... Patricia is like, what's all that? And uh, Evie's like, I, I don't know. They're marked for stage three. Um, and she's like, must be Prothero. I wish someone had the balls to tell that brat this station ain't its playground. Um, so it's interesting to hear characters sort of bad-mouthing this guy who is clearly a very important figure. Yeah. Um, well, because he's annoying. He's he annoying. like a dick. He's a dick. He's a complete dick. And so it is, you're seeing sort of the footholds of resistance in just about yes. every character. That's something that I think is interesting. This movie is not interested in anybody who just fully, actually agrees with the regime. Right. Even the people who seem like they would be the most gung-ho about it, like Creedy, he's really just out to get what he can get. It's exactly. not that he believes in the party. He just yeah. is greedy. In, in greedy the... is greedy. <laughs> greedy, greedy. I feel like there's like no one in this story who actually believes in the ideology being espoused. Right. I mean, there are people who maybe did at one point. Yeah. But, like, at this point, it's just a system. Exactly. And people just feel like that's this is the way it is, mm -hmm. or they don't want it to get any worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Um, yeah, they're just like, whatever, just yep. put those masks over there. It's, oh, yeah, she opens it up, and it's like it's, Guy Fox masks. And, and he's like, oh, oh, oh I know what, what that is, means. Uh-oh, I don't want to know. Yeah. What does this mean? What does this mean? What is what is happening? Yeah. Um, and um, we cut back to Finch and Dominic, and they realize some interesting things about Evie's past. They're looking yes. her up. Her parents were political activists that were detained when she was 12. She went into juvenile reclamation, which we don't really hear what it is, but we understand that that is not a good experience. Right. Um, and... Is this where they use the word re-education uh, to describe her? Not... That is not said yet. Okay. Um, just as juvenile reclamation project for five years. Um, and... Yeah, everything they find out, we know is not good because they're like, oh... Oh, no, that's bad news yeah. for our situation. Um... And so Finch is like, all right, we're going to need backup, but keep it minimal. And Dominic's like, are you sure? And Finch says, I want a chance to talk to her before she disappears into one of Creedy's black bags. Oof. So we're we're already, you know, continuing to yeah. set Finch and Creedy against one another. Finch is like, I want to get to the bottom of this. I want to understand people and why, you know, why is she doing this? What is right. her involvement? I care about her as a human being. And, and Creedy's just going to disappear her. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, then we go back to the lobby at the film, 
uh, the TV studio. Right. And, um, the, I didn't write down exactly what the framing of it is, but V arrives in the lobby. He's there. Yeah, he He, just kind of shows up and walks in. This sequence is very kind of frantic. It is really frantic. He just shows up and the security guard is like, hey, who is that? Don't piss me about. Show me ID. I don't think we see him before that. He just walks in. Yeah, but we just kind of know that it's him. And I love that the the security guard says, show me ID or I'll get Storm Saxon on your ass. And then V opens up his cape. And we see he's, he is strapped, strapped with explosives. Yeah. And he pulls out, yeah, he's got his little detonator yeah, in his hand. Yeah, and he like flips it open. Yeah, and the, the guard's like, fucking hell. Yep. Um, meanwhile, uh, we've got some police arriving. Yes. To deal with the situation. Um, you know, cover the elevators, rescue, follow me, attention, attention, will all personnel please evacuate the building? Yeah. They're going into lockdown here. And so people just start... Every, just people start just like streaming out the door. Yes, there is there is an alarm that's been called. And V is doing some weird stuff where he's like sabotaging the elevator. Yeah, he like pumps it full of like... Yeah, there's like this funny shot where he like sticks the thing in there and it like fills with like... Foam of something. some kind to like jam up the elevator it, mechanic. I don't know. It's interesting. It works. Basically, Evie is there and she's trying to get out. <sighs> yeah. And... and so, yeah, they're like, what's going on? It's jammed. Break it down. Um... You know, they're trying to get through. Finch and Dominic are there right. trying to, like, get in and figure out what's going on. And meanwhile, we see uh, Prothero on a TV. I'll, I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you what I know. Right. England prevails. And right. it's just like these, it's like not even, it's, it doesn't even mean anything. Exactly. Um, and meanwhile, like, you know, chaos in the hallways and, you know, they're trying to get through. We see Storm Saxon on the TV. Help, Storm, help. Right. And uh, we are then seeing people in different places watching television. Yeah. And the TV starts blinking out. The channel like, is oh. interrupted and people are like, what's going on? What's wrong with the telly? We see people yeah. in, a, in a retirement community. We see families at home. We see some people in what basically looks like what we would think of as like KKK headquarters. Yes. But it's like a subtler worship joint. Well, I think that that is a retirement home. Is that is that is that the retirement home? I think so. It's just eerie because it's like they have the TV and then like these uh, flags yeah. all over the place but and this like, portrait of subtler That up there. just I mean to me it just looks like like stock standard like state, you know, right. rah rah rah. Like it's creepy because it looks fascist to us yeah but like turn those into american flags yeah exactly and you'd be like oh that's a retirement because it's just like a bunch of old people sitting around on recliners yeah that's true i think i think it's just a retirement community and and the the people's homes have photo little photos of sutler above the tv also it's just something that everyone is supposed to have you know he's He's their dictator. Yeah. Um. But I think yeah, I think it's just a retirement. Just a retirement game. home. It is a bunch of old guys. Yeah. And they're just home. watching TV in their common seemingly room. all the time. Yep. They don't do anything else. <laughs> um. And the kid. And there's like know, a there's like a pub. Right. Yeah. There's a pub. Like this TV is being watched by everyone. Yeah. And so we're we we need to see that like that is. It's the, like these same five locations that we sort of come back to anytime there's a TV related Right, scene. and they are synecdoche for the entire population. Yes. So, um... And at this point, Evie is, like, under a table because she's managed to hide from the detectives. 
Mm-hmm. And um, V has, he's, like, in the, like, booth, the, like, control booth at the station, and he's strapped with this explosive. We hear, like, beep, 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 yeah. from his detonator, just so we know it's armed. Exactly. It's, it's not doing it's anything. It's very funny. Um, and the sort of man in charge gives the nod to the operator to play a little mini disc that V has right. brought. It looks like a GameCube game. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. And they pop it in, and suddenly this is being broadcast everywhere. And it is V sitting at a desk. There's a little uh, icon that says VTV. VTV. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, but it is sort of, it, it's like a, a, you know, a presidential address or something. Yes. Um, and he says, good evening, London. Allow me first to apologize. And, um, Dominic sees this. No, 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 it's not Dominic. It is, um, the guy who's in charge of the TV station. Right. I can't remember. He's like, that's the emergency channel. And he starts running, trying yeah. to, like, intercept this situation. And he starts, um, going through a sort of a speech. Some speechifying, as yes. the, as the Wachowski's like, um... You know, he says, you know, I, I, I also enjoy, you know, everyday routine, um, whereby important events of the past usually associated with someone's death or the end of some awful bloody struggle are celebrated with a nice holiday. I thought we could mark this November the 5th, a day that is sadly no longer remembered by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are those, of course, who do not want us to speak. And, like, uh, meanwhile, they're just trying to figure out, like, how do we stop this? How do we stop this? We, we sort of hear that the emergency channel is meant so that, like, no one can even get they can't, in the door. Yes, they can't turn this thing off. And that was made to be that way. Yes. And that I think that conversation is had a little later. Oh, gotcha. But, um, the, uh, you know, they, they're trying to figure out, like, what do we do? How do we stop this right. broadcast? Um, and... Uh, you know, he V says, even now orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. Um, and they're, like, getting a call. It's Chancellor Sutler. And they're like, damn it, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, this is a disaster. Um, and, you know, V is talking about words have meaning. That's why they want to stop us from having this conversation. Yes, and this is where they say, you designed it. You want it foolproof. You said every television in London. Right. Like, this, you know, they this can't be stopped. This is going out to everyone. Um, you know, once you had the freedom to object, to think, and speak as you saw fit, you now have censors and surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting submission. So this is interesting. I think let's talk for a second. Because, you know, of course, state censorship is historically a very dangerous thing that has really happened right. to right. people. Yes. And it is also a thing that people who aren't experiencing it think yeah. that they are. Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the funny thing about this movie. Uh-huh. And thankfully I think that the Matrix primed us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. People take this movie the wrong way sometimes. It's so funny that not once but twice have the Wachowskis introduced into general popular culture, because um, I won't like, say they invented it, because, you know, the yeah. Guy Fox mask, you know, predates as a, this film. Even as a protest symbol. It yes. Is. Yeah. But, especially to American yeah. audiences, two symbols of resistance that have been appropriated 
by groups that I would say weren't necessarily the intended message no. of those symbols. Not at all. And it's especially funny to think that some... See, the thing is, like, the Matrix was made at a point in time where there's sort of all the gun stuff and, you know, all this... You could understand it a little bit more. Things mm-hmm. are more metaphorical in that movie. Y- you know. Yes. This movie, I'm just like, well, uh, you really have to be selective. Well, and here's where I think that Alan Moore's sort of accusation of this film being in some ways toothless comes into play. Because it is just vague enough. Sure. That, like, you know, it's not what V actually stands for. Other than right. resistance to the people in power. Right. You know, it, it. of course, you know, we do get the extra context of them, you know, discriminating in the way that the Nazi party did. And that's what I and think And that's where so, it breaks down and that's, that's where they is, should know better. It's so funny because it's like, and, and maybe this is, maybe this is just me as a queer viewer mm-hmm. emphasizing that part of the movie in my brain. Or because I saw it at a formative age and that was what stuck out to me because Mm -hmm. it was the kind of theming that I hadn't really seen in movies before. But that whole bit and the whole Valerie thing and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like, how do you square that if you're a freeze peach person, you know, who's probably homophobic? Yes. And 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 it's interesting because I and I think that it, it has a lot to do with sort of when it came out, because I think that if this movie as it is were to come out now. Freeze Peach people would be mad about it. They wouldn't like it. They would not like it. That's what I think this is strange to me. This would be SJW. Yes, but that's clearly what it is. It is already. It was already SJW stuff. But it, that that has become a thing, right? In a way that I think in two thousand and six, it wasn't yet, because of course we hadn't gained as much ground, right? And so they weren't threatened by it. And so right. they could sort of gloss over it. Right. Because they weren't afraid when they saw it that it right. was taking over things. Well, that's the thing. In but way. I just feel like I can see how, like, a super, like, macho, like, Second Amendment person mm-hmm. talking about snowflakes or whatever could still enjoy The Matrix. Yes. I cannot imagine that hypothetical person enjoying V for Vendetta. I think, honestly, this is one of those movies that if they, you know, people would, like, go back to and be like, did you notice that it's full of this SJW crap? Like, (laughs) you know, that they would be shocked in the way that, you know, that has come up a few times recently with people going back to movies. You know, people being like, have you listened to Rage Against the Machine lately? Because it turns out they're saying all this bullshit. It's like they always were. Yeah. Uh, They always were were political in that way. You just didn't notice it before because you weren't worried about it before. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's sort of where it it comes from, you think, people not... I think people were just able to disengage with that part of it. That's so funny. It is funny. that's the part that is emphasized for me. I think that, you know, especially people seeing it when they were younger. They just saw, you know, government bad... They're doing things to me I don't like. But that's so I funny because, it. like, the Wachowskis, I feel like, are extremely clear in this movie about why this government is bad. It's irrelevant. <laughs> Irre- clearly. I mean, because, you know, people were able to latch onto these. these and, and frankly, I think part of it is that they're just very effective symbols. 
Yeah. And so, you know, they, they strike people, they stick with people, and they're able to adapt them to what they want um, because they're just very um, effective but it's icons. Just, it's, it's just interesting because, like, this idea of, like, leveling the accusation of state censorship mm-hmm. to protect your right to spew discriminatory speech mm-hmm. maybe was less of a thing yes. at this time. And I they think were so. drawing mainly on historical examples of fascism. Yes. Yes, I think so. And that's so. why it's framed that way. And I think that, again, I just think it's funny that people miss that, like, within the Wachowskis framework, mm-hmm. which you can say is limited, sure, but they draw a direct line between, like, the reason this fascist government is bad is because they are discriminatory. Yes. Yes. And so it's like, you are missing something to... Well, and that is, I think this is sort of the, the, the beginning of the, of what will be an ongoing part of this conversation, which right. is the way this movie goes down different now. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking because I was like, I still like it. Mm-hmm. Because I know what to take from it. Mm-hmm. But there's things in it where I'm like this, in terms of actual textual events that have happened since it has come out. Yeah, yeah it feels weird. It feels strange. It, it feels really, really weird. And like, I, I gotta say, like, as, watching this, especially towards the end, and we'll talk about yeah. it more towards the end. Like, I found myself being really deeply impacted by what was happening. And not necessarily like, wow, what's happening on screen is so moving but more reflecting on events that have happened in real life since this film came out and, and and comparing them to what is happening in the film and thinking about sort of like what we didn't know yet. Right. Well, that's the thing. What we couldn't have known, what they couldn't have known. We sort of touched like a little bit during the last matrix movie about like, statements that we totally agree with that they make but that maybe seem naive now in light of things. I was having the exact same And this same is like thought. that but huge. Huge. And to the point where I almost feel like this is my thesis and we'll see if the rest of this project bears it out. But I almost feel like after this movie the Wachowskis pull way back on like the direct real world mobily political storytelling thing. I think I probably agree with you And they you do it more on in like an individual slash collective level without talking about, say, the government mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, it, it it's more like the more connections between people, you know, more abstract and philosophical. Because that's their strength. I agree. Because when they try to when they when they try to uh, like tackle an actual system that's supposed to be a real world system, mm-hmm. it can feel a little broad. And I think that that is why you know Alan Moore and other people who who prefer his version are are let down by this because it it isn't as politically pointed um because that's just not their strength no and it's i mean that's the thing too because like you have to take into account the fact that these are white queer people Mm -hmm. and that is their experience of moving through the world Mm -hmm. and that is a political experience to Mm -hmm. have but it can be a limited one uh, so with that, this this vein will continue throughout yes. this discussion. But let's move on to uh, what happens next. So yeah, he's talking about yeah censorship and uh, you know uh, surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting submission. So that's just one of those kinds of things that just hit. It just hits different these days. I feel like within the just the frame of the movie, we can be like, 
sure we can see that this is actually evident in this Yes, case. that is actually a legitimate concern in this society. In this scenario. Yes. Maybe not a great general speech, but in this context, we've seen the, the vans that are spying on people and whatever. Yeah. We're like, sure. Yeah, yeah. There's surveillance happening. So, um, they get the idea that the TV people are like, we need cameras. We gotta, you know, film this. This is this is how we, we spin this. <laughs> right. Um, meanwhile, V is continuing. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Uh, it turns out it's you. Um, but I get it. You know, it's that you, I know why you were complicit in this. You were afraid. Every, anybody would be. Um, and you turned to this government. Right. Which you thought would protect you. Um, and you just had to consent to it. Um, you know, I, I sought to end that silence last night. I destroyed Old Bailey. Um, more than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. Interesting, interesting take on this, on the, on the whole right. gunpowder treason thing. Right. Um... But, you know, we'll talk about Guy Fox. You're right. Uh, so, you know, if, uh, you know, if you don't want to, you know, you, you can let the, the 5th of November pass unmarked, but um, if you see what I see, uh, then stand with me a year from tonight outside the gates of Parliament. Together we shall give them a 5th of November that shall never, ever be forgot. V logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the broadcast is over, and they manage to break through into the TV studio. Mm -hmm. And it is full, it's dark and it's full of kerosene fog that he's using yep. for the smoke machines, which is very clever of him. Um, and the police and the yeah, people filming start sort right. of spreading out. Finch and Dominic are there. They've got some very 2005 camcorders. Yeah, it's cute. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, follow me, spread out. And a guy runs out wearing a Guy Fox mask. And he says, no, don't, don't shoot, don't shoot. And they do. They just they, fucking yeah. plug this guy yep. with bullets um, and then they take his mask off and they realize he's just a TV employee and, um, he's, you know, he, he put masks on all of us and then like more people start shambling out of the fog and they're like, oh masks. God, there's a yeah. whole bunch of Guy Foxes here. How are we ever going to find him? Yeah. That's what the package was for. Um, and so they, you know, quick thinking, they tell everybody wearing a mask to get on their knees um, and they, you know, tell the cops to start getting their masks off. Right. Um, but then they're told that there is a bomb in the control booth. And they're like, oh, fuck, this is the bigger concern. Right. So they say, okay, anyone not wearing a mask, get them out of here. Um, and, um, oh, God, I'm blanking on the TV guy's name. Yeah. He's, oh, Dashcom. Yes. Dashcom. He's, he's like, oh, fuck, I gotta do something about this. And he runs off, like, to the booth to, the, to yeah, like, to find the bomb. figure out what to do yep. about it. Um, so, um, they're, you know, trying to get everybody out, dealing with them, and, uh, I think it's Dominic that's like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, right. you're trying to defuse the bomb, and Dashcom's like, do you have any idea how long it would take to rebuild this facility? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's an interesting man. Yeah. Um, and so he's just, like, trying to defuse a bomb. With, like, this... 
like little pair little, of, like multi tools. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, out in the lobby, um, the the police come across um, a uh, a couple of guys dressed as Guy Fox, a couple of Guy Foxes. And one of them's like, wait, don't shoot me, please, it's him, it's him! And they, you know, start attacking the the one that is being pointed at, and they're like, on your knees! And, uh, you know, they get him, and they tear off his mask, and it's the security guard with a ball gag in his mouth. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, shit! And they turn, and V just kicks the shit out of them. Yep. And this is a movie in which, again... We are okay with hurting cops really I bad. I thought about this. And like... You know, and it's one thing, you know, when it was these rapist fingermen. Yes. This... I do feel like these guys are at least, you know, they're they're cops who are complicit in the fascist state. Yes. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, like, I mean, isn't every cop. But... Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's what I was saying. At least they're cops. They're cops. But, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I did think it. I did think it. I was like, these are just guys, and he's just killing them. Guys, and he hurts them a whole lot. Um, I, I did think about that. I was like, you know, yeah. But he does that, and it's a, it's a, it's a fun moment and a great switcheroo. Yes. Uh, he's a clever boy. And this is a movie that is like not pro gun. No, V doesn't do that. He yeah. just likes to stab people. He just instead. likes knives. <laughs> it's very, is... very English of him. <laughs> yes, but also I think it's funny that the Wachowskis have like clearly they were like fetishizing guns heavily at the beginning. Yes. And now they've moved on to knives and bombs. And bombs. At least these bombs have a reason to exist. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So we're back in the control booth, and Dashcom is gonna snip a wire right. and in the last second he slips another one and the timer bloop, goes down to zero and the bomb has been diffused and he's like oh i did it <laughs> um and uh dominic heads out into the corridor and catches v by surprise yes um he gets his gun on him get your hands on your head do it now or i shoot um, and I got a, I just, I love, he says, he says, I must say that I am rather astonished by the response time of London's finest. I don't, I didn't expect that you, you to be quite so Johnny on the spot. <laughs> uh, very cute. He's talking through the situation. He's trying to get control yeah. of this situation. And meanwhile, we see Evie sort of hiding around a corner. Right. Behind Dominic. And she sees this happen and for some reason, she is compelled yeah. to intervene. Uh, she sneaks up behind Dominic and... Uh, like taps him on the shoulder? Yeah, well, he, yeah, he, Dominic says, uh, we were here before you even started. Bad luck, chummy. And... <laughs> this dialogue. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's very, very English. Um, and V says, I don't know about that. And Evie taps him on the shoulder and then fucking pepper sprays him. Yeah, maces him in the face. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, and that is sort of... Oh, and then then um, she gets knocked out. Yeah. And falls to the floor. And and Dominic and V kind of tussle. They kind of tussle. Dominic gets overpowered. Yeah. Um, But not killed. Not killed. Because then Finch would have no one to talk to. We need to keep our sounding board. (laughs) And he seems like an okay guy. Sure. (laughs) As they go. Right. He's at least like 
with Finch. He's right. like, all right, yeah. well, I don't know about everything you're saying, Finch, but yeah, I'll hear you out. We don't really end up finding out how he feels about any of this ever. No, he's or not like a real what, person. What conclusions he comes to. He doesn't exist for real. Right. He doesn't matter. Um, but we cut to a, uh, a tel- the television program, the broadcast in response to this, um, we see in homes and things, oh, we're interrupting your regularly scheduled program to bring you this terrifying report of a, of a terrorist takeover of Jordan Tower, which ended only moments ago, and they basically say, like, a psychotic terrorist, um, you know, came with high-powered explosives and other weapons used against unarmed civilians, message of hate, right, um, right. footage of a daring raid, and we see... The footage of the guy who wasn't V getting shot full of bullets. Yeah. And they are implying that was the real V and that he has been taken they down. They really basically just say it. They're like, we're pretty sure he's yeah, dead. Yeah, it's, uh, it's believed during this uh, heroic raid that the terrorist was shot and killed. They're just trying to get away with it. Yeah. And a little girl says, bollocks. Which is great. <laughs> I mean, it's like, kind of yeah. It is like throwing that away. A and bit. also, I don't know. Like, it's just a pretty significant swear word for, for a, a, a like British a, child to yeah, say. Exactly. Like, I no, feel I like, thought that too. I was like, you saying that with your parents around? Right there, and they don't seem to mind. They don't react. You know, literally, all they seem to do is watch the television. In fairness, but it's just like Jack Sparrow saying "bugger" all the time. Yeah. Like it doesn't read. You know, to Americans, it's that's not very, a swear word we say. Yeah. So it it reads as very tame, but in England, it it, it hits different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was the thing. I was like, you can tell that this was a movie written by Americans. Mm-hmm. Just because it feels so very British, very English. Yes, and even like. Just Natalie Portman's accent kind of has that flavor to it. It's not the best one I've heard. No, it... Apparently she worked with the same act, uh, dialect coach as Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, interesting. I think Gwyneth's dialect is probably better. A little bit better. I think that Natalie just really sounds like she's trying a little too hard. Yeah. Like, like it sounds very rehearsed. Not very natural. Yeah. But no, I, I agree that the, the little girl saying bollocks is... I like it as a moment. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so and she gets up. She's very upset yeah. about what she's seen. Um, I liked that terrorist. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, the danger is now over. The terrorist is dead. Um, and then we see Finch and Dominic watching some footage from the, like, surveillance cameras in the corridor after Dominic was knocked out seeing V sort of stand over Evie contemplating her. Right. And they're like, what, you know, what's he doing? Uh, is he going to leave her after she just saved him? And Dominic's like, well, he's a terrorist. You know, you can't expect him to act like us. Um, and Finch says, some part of him's human, and for better or worse, she's stuck with him. We got some nice exposition telling us, like, now this is her life. Right. Um, I consider this, audience. Right. This is the dilemma. Um, but also, again, underscoring this idea that V is a person. Yes. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Eh? This is what this is what this movie is. There's some I think there's some debate about it in the movie, but not But a... it is like a subject of but it is a debate. Yes. It is a debate. Right. Whereas I think in the comic it's not. He's like, nah, Evie, I need to tell you. Like I understand your feelings, 
but I am gonna be frank with you. Right. I don't do that. Right. <laughs> Whereas, like, when here in the movie, when he says stuff like that, he's like upset afterwards, and she like he's pushing want it to her away, true. and it's like you know he's he's trying to believe it. It yeah. is something he is aspiring to. Whereas I think Book V is already there. Exactly. He's kind of a he's kind of got a Buddha thing, like a Zen right. thing going on, where he's like, I am beyond earthly matters. I am sympathetic to you and your feelings. I care about you in a certain sense, but right. I do not reciprocate in the way that you would like me to. You'd think that would be something the Wachowskis could communicate, but maybe not in a movie like this. Right. I think that they could do it. I think yeah. that this is just not what this movie is trying to do for whatever reason. Right. They decided that they needed to tell the story of a person who was struggling to be an idea. Exactly. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, they're they're considering this. Okay, so... Evie awakes. Yes. In a bedroom full, full of books. books. I want this room. I was going to say, I love room. it. I was like, I would like to be it there. It is jam packed. Yes. And it's cozy. Yeah. It's a very comfortable, cozy yeah. room. It's very inviting. Um, And she just like wakes in a bed. She's got this um very nasty gash on her head from yeah. where uh, mm. she was struck with the gun. Yep. And she is like, oh, where the fuck am I? Right. And she, like, gets out of bed. And she exits the room into this beautiful space. Yes. The Shadow Gallery. Yeah. It is, it's got a, a piano forte. Beautiful there's works. Of, there's a lot of art. Classical art. Like, f- recognizable art. Yes. There's a lot of sculpture. There's a lot real of shit in here. Big suit of armor. Yes, there's the the Arnolfini portrait is in there. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. just paintings, like classic paintings that you know. It's like the coolest museum ever. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And again, like, really kind of an inviting space. There's some movie posters. Yeah, it's eclectic. It's lovely. And there's a jukebox. Yep. And it is playing music. Yes, playing Crimea River. Crimea River. And uh, she's sort of, like, cautiously creeping through, trying to figure out where she is, and she approaches the jukebox... Uh, and V sort of appears behind her. And it's sweet. He is trying to be respectful yeah. and, like, careful with her. Yeah. Because he, he is there at a distance. And right. he doesn't, like, say anything. He just sort of waits to be noticed. Right. But it still startles her. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's scary. Um, he doesn't have his cape or his hat on. Yeah. But he is in mask, wig, and... Just, just his outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Doublet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Doublet. This is where it gets very Phantom of the Opera to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, she, you know, she turns and she sees him and she's startled. Oh, you scared me. He says, my apologies. Are you feeling all right? Um, you know, what is this place? Uh, it's my home. I call it the Shadow Gallery. Um, she asks where everything came from. And he says that he got most of it from the vaults of the Ministry of Objectionable Materials. Uh, and I love his justification here. Right. She says, you stole them. And he says, heavens, no. Stealing implies ownership. You can't steal from the censor. I merely reclaimed them. I love that phrase. You can't steal from the censor. Right. This is, this is what's so funny to me about this aspect of the movie. Like, if we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole conversation around censorship mm-hmm. is, like, so much more annoying than I would like it to be. Yeah. And I feel like this movie takes me back to, like, a nostalgic place where I was, like, a teenager who was, like, all in on banned books week and whatever. Yes. You know? 
This is the, the... the good conversation about yes. censorship. Yes, exactly. Because it's what censorship actually is. Right. Not not sort of like the way that the word is utilized. Yeah, is people being mad at me for saying what I want to. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not censorship, y'all. Right. Just putting it out there. Exactly. However, so this is like the idea that... Taking art and hiding it away from the world, right. that is censorship. And the idea the of like... The state saying, you can't do that art. And these are the objectionable materials. Mm-hmm. That is censorship. Yes. You can't steal from the censor. So this is like... I don't know, this is my thing with the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you can watch this movie and recognize, you know, what the intentions are in terms of the conversation around censorship and, like, state-sanctioned media. Freedom. Freedom. And the nature of the government that is being rebelled against uh-huh. in this story are. But people selectively ignore those things, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, Evie's like, oh, have they ever found this? And he's like, I, yeah, that's not. Right. <laughs> I'm a terrorist. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's okay yeah. if I have the Arnolfini portrait. Yeah. I'm a terrorist. That's not gonna matter. It's a drop in a bucket. I, I like the contrast between V and Gordon. And we can talk about that in the yes! Gordon part of the movie. Yes! I want to very much. Because Gordon basically says the opposite thing later. Yeah. Because Evie's like, what if they find me here? And Gordon's like, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the fact that I have a, a Quran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, and V's like, I'm not worried about the fact that I have a Quran. I'm worried about the fact that I blew up the old exactly, Bailey yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so there's layers. Uh, there. <laughs> just yeah, tears of of yes. rebellion here. Um. So, uh, she's like, oh yeah, shit, you did that. Oh my god. Oh, what did I do? Yeah, oh no. Like, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. And she's like, no, that's not how I feel about right. it. And, and he's like, are you sure that's not how you feel about <laughs> it? And she's like, I gotta go. I gotta go home. And he's like, don't, you don't want to go home. Right. You you will not be safe anywhere. Yeah. And she's like freaking out. And he has to explain to her like, no, I didn't want this for us, but... I had to take you here to be safe and you cannot leave now or you will be in great danger. Right. So this is life now. Yeah. We're roommates. Yeah. <laughs> until, until, until November the, the 5th. This yeah. is like a year? I gotta stay here a year? Shit. This is some Beauty and the Beast shit. Yeah, she's not about it. Uh-huh. Um, but he's right. Like, yeah. this was the only place she could be safe. Yeah. Um, And she, she just, this is it. This I, is her I, life. I can understand her objection, but it seems like a He's damn wor- cool place. I know. <laughs> like, what was going on in your life, girl? Right. Trying to date a gay guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it's freaky. Yeah. She doesn't know this guy. It's he's true. a terrorist. Yeah, and he's, he's he's basically a stranger. They've yeah. had two conversations. They had two conversations, and he blew up a historic building. Yep. I wouldn't necessarily want to hang and, out and with him a, at this point. And attacked her workplace. Yes. Yeah. He's scary. He's scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we know that we like him and trust him, but yeah. she couldn't. Of course. He's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so she just gets upset and Yeah, and she, yeah she's like, I won't away. tell anyone, and he's like, sorry, no, and... You know, yeah, you, you you have to stay here for a year. I'm sorry I didn't know what else to do. And she's like, why didn't you leave me alone? Uh, and has a tantrum. Yeah. And he's like, oh boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gee whiz. Um, so back to the investigation. Finch and Dominic. Mm-hmm. They're learning more about the parents. 
and we get some hints here. I, I, I'm kind of interested in the way that they sort of drop these breadcrumbs of like, here's a word you don't know yet. And here's a place yeah, you've it's never like heard of. Yeah, it's like one of them will say, here's a word you don't know, and then the other one goes, oh, oh no. no. And all of these things <laughs> will be explained to us later. Yes. I think it made, it made me curious. I yeah, was like, you oh, want to get into yeah, this. Yeah, I was like, what are these and, things? Uh, and it's it's just so refreshing to not have like, what, you don't mean the time that there yeah. was a terrible outbreak of a virus at that elementary school. Yeah, like, exactly. You know. They, they just, just they just say her her brother was at St. Mary's right. and it's like oh, oh no. no yeah so um what we hear in this conversation is um that her parents were interned at Belmarsh that one mostly speaks for itself yeah. um mom died in a hunger strike he died when the military retook the shed I don't know what that means. We don't really get explanations for those things but we don't really need them. We don't need to and that ain't the worst of it her brother was at St. Mary's. Christ. And they're like, oh. Uh-oh. No wonder she's been radicalized. Right. Of course, she hasn't yet. Right. But they have every they reason to believe don't know that this. Yeah. she ought to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's nothing but bad luck here. Now, So we know her story. Now we need his. Uh, and so we got to find out. Now the investigation pivots. Yeah. To who is V. Exactly. Cut to Shadow Gallery. <laughs> this, is the, this is the egg scene, right? Yes. Um, so she she's um, in... Uh, yeah, she comes out of her room. Uh, no, no, we start with yeah. cooking. It's a funny It's a funny cut. It's a funny cut. Because it's like, what about him? And he's this just humming in the guy. kitchen. Da, da, da. He's humming along to the girl from Ipanema. Yep. He's cooking... Um, a dish which has various names. This movie refers to it as Eggy in a Basket. Yeah, I actually <laughs> you know, like paused the movie to Google. What do you call that? Yeah, lots of people call Everybody calls it something different. Yes. I call it Egg in a Basket myself. Yeah, absolutely, sure. But, you know, it's toast with a hole in it and there's with an, an egg, egg cooked inside, inside. Which is like a fave for me. Like, just great. At this point in the movie, I had to pause and go and cook that. Yes! And yes. then... I had it again for breakfast. <laughs> yep, exactly. It will make you want that. It's really one of my favorite dishes. Same. It's so good. It's just delicious. Though I gotta say, it's a little crazy to me that she's eat- she eats it just like with her hands. Yeah, she like picks it up. And it's like, I've never done that. Well, but I do like it runny. Yeah, same a little bit. Like not not solid enough that you could pick it up and nothing would fall out. Yeah, I want a runny yolk in there. That's part of the the joy of it, right? With the bread? Absolutely. Who wants some dry-ass toast? Right. Anyway, irrelevant conversation. It's it's prop food anyway, I'm sure. Yes, but it's beautiful. It is gorgeous But it's super cute. Yeah, we get this, like, top-down shot of cooking this eggy. But you can notice he doesn't have his gloves on. And his hands are fucked up. I was sort of like, the fact that he's cooking around that, like... Yeah, well, at this point, these are old scars. Right, that's true. But they they look... His skin is very pink. Yeah. But these are many, 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 many years true. old. This yeah. is just what his skin is like now. It's just what he looks like. Um. So, yeah, he's got, you know, he's otherwise garbed up, but we do see his, his bare hands. His extremely pink hands. Because who wants to crack eggs with gloves That on? is true. <laughs> Leather gloves. And he's alone. He's alone. And he's cracking eggs. Exactly. So he's cooking. He's got an apron on. It's extremely adorable. Yes. We are endeared to him. Yes. Very much so. She comes out and sees him cooking. 
And she says, you know, I just wanted to apologize for how I acted. I understand what you did. Um, I'm grateful. Oh, shit, your hands. And he's like, oh, uh, oops, sorry. He gets very self-conscious, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but in kind of a, like, I'm sorry you had to it's see like that. It's like a kind courtesy of kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. He goes and he puts his leather gloves back on. There, that's better. Uh, I hope I didn't put you off your appetite. Like, it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah. He's like, sorry, I'm so yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's like, uh, no, it's cool, but like, well, like what, what happened? happened? And he's just like, oh, a fire. A long time ago. Ancient history. You know, he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, not really very good table conversation. Would you care for a cup of tea with your egg? So cute. So domestic. Right. Um, and she says, yeah, thank you. I'm starving, actually. She sits down very ready for breakfast. And he pours her tea. She takes her weird hand yeah. bite of this toast. And she's like, oh, shit, this is made with real butter. And she's like, I haven't had this since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you get it? Uh, a government supply train on its way to Chancellor Sutler. And she's like, you stole this butter from Hitler? <laughs> I like that that's her reaction and not... He gets butter, but we don't. Right. Which is clearly what the audience is supposed to glean from this interaction. But, like, she probably kind of knows gets already it. that's, that that's good, how yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, and probably everyone does. Everyone knows. Um, and that's just how it is. And she's like, oh, my God. And she calls him insane for doing this. Right. It's like, after everything, he's right. insane for stealing, stealing butter. Stealing butter, yeah. Um, and he says, I dare do all that may become a man who dares more is none. And she recognizes it as Macbeth. And we're like, ooh. Hey, Evie. All right, yeah. girl. Um, and she explains that um, her mother used to read Shakespeare to her. She always wanted to be an actress. She played Viola in Twelfth Night when she was nine. Um, he asks where her mother is now, and Evie tells him that she is dead. Um, and she then asks, um, can, you know, if she can ask about what he said on the television. And, you know, he says, she says, did you mean it? He says every word. Um, and she's like, so you think blowing up Parliament's going to make the world a better place? She's a bit small-minded about right. it. Um, and he's like, well... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> like, yeah, he says, no certainty, only opportunity. Yeah. Um, Which is a mature position for him to have. Yeah, he's like, I can't, yeah. I, I Basically, he's, yeah, he's realistic. He's like, I'm doing what I think can be done. I mean, I think this makes him easier to root for. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the sort of frustrating type of, like, revolutionary person mm -hmm. in fiction or... IRL is the person who's like you have to do this one thing or do it this one way and then all problems will be solved. This is the thing that you have to do, and he's just, more just like, like equal and opposite fanaticism. Yes, whereas V is like, well, Couldn't I think hurt. Yeah, I think this will probably do something. Yeah, exactly. This we'll will see, like but, we'll see what happens, but it's something's got to happen. Something needs to change. Well, and that's the interesting thing, and and I think it is it is sort of where this movie is coming up against it. It's it's not quite committing to right what's going on in the book, right? Because in the book, he is explicitly an anarchist, right? 
that's not the case with this one. No. This V is sort of a William Wallace type. Well, and that's, I think, because the Wachowskis are not anarchists. They, I don't think they are, no. They're, like, more doing, like, a radical humanism type of thing. Sure. You know? Sure. Where they're just like, whatever will unite people. Yes. Just love, 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 love. Their thesis for this movie is it's worth blowing up a building if it... Brings us together. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The real revolution was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, that's basically them. That's just (laughs) them. That's just them. That's That's, their whole philosophy. That's their politics. And it's a very sweet one. Yeah, You know, there are worse politics to have than... uh, We'd love it if people could be nice. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like... And I mean, the the way I understand it, like, these, like, anarchist... uh, philosophies are not necessarily portrayed totally positively by the comic right he's an extremist as well yeah. and like you know it, it, it's... it's contrasting one type of extremism with another sure and like i think that we sort of are gonna prefer anarchism to fascism sure sure but it's not that he his system is the correct and perfect one right it's that it is an alternative exactly yeah and and maybe a um effective one at shaking up systems right right you know yeah you can't fight fascism very effectively with With liberalism yeah exactly exactly (laughs) yeah it's not as strong yeah (laughs) well and that's that's the thing i feel like i feel like you can't call this version of via liberal because he's still about blowing up buildings he's he's still an extremist yeah but he's just sort of a vague kind of extremist and again i feel like the thing is that the movie is trying to get you to like him. Very hard. And I think that the fact that he doesn't have any broad, explicit goals for what happens after this... Makes him really easy to imprint on. Makes him easier to like. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing really to disagree with. Yes. Unless Everything... you're just like a full bigot. Yeah, if you're like actually a fascist. Right. <laughs> then he's hard to like. But as long as you're not about fascism... Yeah. And that's sort of the whole like, thing with this movie. People should be free. People should be able to think what they want to and right. do what they like. And that's most people will agree with that you'd, to a point. You'd think so, it's, yeah. It's at least a palatable kind of thing to say. And, that, and that's the thing with this movie. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes. Yes. So, you know, he's he's non-committal. He's just sort of like, probably can't hurt. Can't yeah. hurt. I'll blow up a building. I think it's probably the right thing to do. He's just like, this is probably what we need right now. Yes, what we need is some explosions. And okay. Um, and she's like, well, you can be certain that if anyone shows up, Creedy will black bag all of them. Uh, and that's interesting. Like, the, the, she's thinking very right. small. Yes, yeah. She just She just has no faith that it could be big enough. Right. It doesn't even occur to her that it could be. Exactly. So, um, you know, we get the nice line. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. I mean, true. Uh-huh. Um, and she's like, okay, so again, blowing up a building, though. And he explains that the building is a symbol. Um, you know, it's not about the building. It's about what the building represents and what the action represents in blowing it up. Right. So, you know, we've got metaphor happening here. Sure. Very physical metaphor happening. Uh, And she's like, well, I wish that was possible, but during my whole life, every change that I've seen in the world has been terrible. 
So, yeah. Yeah, so I don't like, like change. Yeah, everything. every time the world changes, it's only for the worst. Yes. And, like, this makes her more likable to me. Yeah. Because it's like, how many revolutions, quote-unquote, succeed, and then something worse just happens? Mm-hmm. That's happened a lot. Exactly. Like, how many dictators are toppled and then immediately replaced with another dictator? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... people don't want to admit or think or talk about how often that happens, unfortunately. It's happened over and over in history. So you can understand her reticence on this point. Very much so. And just, you know, this is her lived experience. She's like, everything... Yeah, she's, ha- she saw... She lived through this. This has been her lifetime. Like, she saw the rise of fascism as a child. Mm-hmm. That'll traumatize you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Cut to, uh, so we've got Prothero in his bathroom, yeah, watching his own program while he's sort of getting around, ready yeah. for his evening. He's he's you know taking his pills. He's taking. He's his got shower. a he's got a medicine cabinet just like full of of pharmaceuticals. Yes. And we'll learn something That's about it. That's significant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lots of pharmaceuticals. He's taking a shower. He's talking along with his program. He oh, just, God, it's disgusting. He's honestly. just real proud of himself. He loves it. Um, and, you know, I, I, he's ta- and on the TV, he's talking about V. He's saying, you know, this is not a man. A man doesn't hide behind a mask. Um, and never has he seemed more like a conservative pundit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's very Rush Limbaugh right yeah. now. Uh so, you know, uh, he also gets on, uh, he's on the phone right. with somebody, um, and he's being racist. Yep. He wants yep. to fire the, uh, the, the, the lighting guy. Uh, it's so funny. I'm looking at the tape right now and he has no idea how to light me. My nose looks like big fucking Ben. <laughs> uh, yes. So... You know, he's he's firing people. He's being racist. He's being gross. Just and, a total blowhard. Yeah, yeah, we hate him so much yeah. in every direction. Um, and, you know, we hear him, you know, that he, he gets off the phone and he starts listening to his program again. I, I wish I'd been there. Just one chance. That's all I'd need. Hmm. Uh, v and his accomplice, Evie Hammond, neo-demagogues, uh, you know, terrorist ultimatum. Uh, an ultimatum that was met with swift and surgically precise justice. And he's, like, talking to his, like, recording, like, sort of echoing it and, you know, yada yada. Um, And we hear, you know, good guys win, bad guys lose, and as always, England prevails. And then V is there. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Like, as soon as the thing goes off, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there. Um... And Prothero is so startled, he slips and falls on his ass. Yep. And V says, good evening, Commander Prothero. And Prothero's like, oh, shit, how'd you get in here? Um, and he's, like, trying to scramble for his phone. And V says, don't worry, I've made sure our reunion won't be disturbed by any pesky late-night phone calls, Commander. And Prothero's like, why are you calling me that? And he's like, well, that's what your title was, right? Uh, you wore a uniform in those days. Um, and we sort of... There's like a flashback. Yeah, there's here. a bit of a flashback. Yeah, it's very, very brief. Very and brief. Unclear. We see Prothero in some sort of facility, dressed yep. in a military uniform. And then it's like in flames. And yes. There's a 
silhouette dude uh, in the flames. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Prothero says, you, it's you. Um, referring to the man in the flames. Yeah. And V says, the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, and it's spooky. I love yep. it. Um, and we cut to Finch. Mm-hmm. Getting a phone call. Um, from Dashcom. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we cut, we, he is being called because Prothero has been murdered. Is dead. Yes, we see the crime scene. We just see the aftermath. We don't see what V does to him. There, this is interesting to me. Well, first of all, it's interesting to me because whenever Finch is investigating crime scenes or looking pensive or whatever, he's always contrasted with the split diopter shot. There are a lot of split and diopters. And it's always Finch, I think. Because we need to see Finch and we need to see what Finch is looking at. Yes, it's like Finch in the rose, Finch in the alarm clock. It happens over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I feel like that's not a Wachowski sourced technique. I don't know that I've seen, seen it elsewhere. That they've never used it. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's just for that character, which is cool. But also, Prothero has a rose on top of his chest. And yeah, he's and laying th- on the ground. And there's some vomit around lots him. Lots of vomit around him. And you're kind of like, Ooh, that's what did confusing he... because it seems like it must have been a violent death, but also not. Right, like V, like we've only seen V kill with like physical violence like so like what did he do to make prothero like throw up a bunch and then die yeah we don't it's unpleasant it's it's a good question yeah so um you know they're talking about you know we have to keep this discreet um you know this could be quite devastating to our credibility a stroke no it's too horrific uh quiet dignified death in his sleep they're talking over his body about how they're gonna cover up his murder yep (sighs) dark um, and they're like, okay, you know, asking about what Finch asked if there's any surveillance. Nope. Um, everything was cut. Um, it's the same MO as before. We got an elevator log ID. Uh, and Finch says, let me guess. He realizes that right. Evie Hammond's ID is how V got in. And we did see that earlier. We did see that earlier. Um, I think it's interesting that, like, they she's a known terrorist now, and they and haven't... And her ID still works they didn't, to like, get, get into... Rid of, like, it's just... To get not into, like, the office, but into Prothero's house. Yeah. Like, even the fact that that any station member's Could ID... just get into his home. Without having to page him or anything. Mm-hmm. He's in the dang shower, like... Yeah, well, and she... The, she seems like she was some kind of a PA. Right. And so it may just be that she would have particular clearance to get into people's homes if she had to, like, go and pick up somebody's dry cleaning sure. or walk their dog or something. Sure. So maybe, you know, her ID in particular. It's funny that they wouldn't have changed it. That is, again, one of those plot holes that Alan Moore may have been irked by. Sure. Because this is not an issue in the, in the novel for whatever Certainly reason. not, because... Evie is not a television right. employee. She's a child. Right. <laughs> yeah. Makes it a, so, little, a little funny. Yeah. Um, I think V just, like, breaks in. Sure. He just breaks in. Sure. So. But they're um, really, the movie really wants to lean on this, like, one, can Evie trust V? Mm-hmm. Making her feel like she can't with various things. And also, like, Evie is getting blamed for all this stuff that she's she didn't getting wrapped actually up in it. do. Whereas in the comics, she's not anyone. Right. Right. She's not anyone. Right. They're she's... not like, who's that girl? Yeah. She's but, just some orphan. But they have to be like, 
who's that girl in this one. And they have to be telling us about her mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't feel obtrusive. Yes. Yeah. We get Evie's basically her whole backstory, like, really early in the comic. Evie's just like, hey, so what's your story? And she's like, well. <laughs> so they needed something a little more slick than that. For a for, movie. For a movie. Yeah. So anyway, they're like, oh, shit. Evie's in deep. Right. Um, back to the Shadow Gallery. Um, Evie is... Uh, in her room there, um, and is this where she, yeah, she is, like, looking at the paper that she has with Gordon's Gordon's address, address. and she's like, okay. I gotta do this. I gotta do something. And we're kind of like, what does that mean? Um, and so she leaves her room, and she hears some clashing sounds. And she's like, oh, no. Oh, shit. Uh, There's a fight happening. Yeah. So she's like, V, um, and we... (laughs) <laughs> See, he is sword fighting with a suit of armor to a scene from the old black and white Count of Monte Cristo film. Yes. It's adorable. <laughs> yes. This is, this is not what he is like in the comic, as I recall. <laughs> I like it, though. Uh, he's very, he's just so likable. Right. Um, and it's really cute. Uh, he's like, my fat metal friend. <laughs> yeah, right. Just very swashbuckling. It's extremely cute. Yep. It, you know, it's almost Kevin Klein. Yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then he sees that she's peeking and he's like embarrassed. He's like, oh yeah. God. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and he says, oh, I hope I didn't wake you. And she's like, no, I just thought something was happening, but you were just playing. And he tells her, oh, you know, it's my favorite film, Count of Monte Cristo with Robert Donat as Edmond Dantes. Um, and we see a little clip from the film and he's like, I love this fucking movie. <laughs> and she's never seen it. And he's like, do you want to watch it? Um, and I love, she says, does it have a happy ending? And he says, as only celluloid can deliver. <laughs> and she's like, okay, fine, let's watch it. Um, and maybe we get the idea that she's kind of trying to make nice with him. Right. Interesting. She's trying to get along. Yeah. Um, so back to our, uh, back to our sounding boards, our, our investigators. <laughs> um, they got forensics on Prothero, nothing. They found nothing, but Prothero had a lot of drugs in his system. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Finch is like, well, that's interesting. And sounding board is like, why? Right. <laughs> and Finch explains that, um... He, uh, Prothero was extremely rich as a uh, stockholder in Viadoxic Pharmaceutical. Yeah, he was a big pharma guy. Yes, big <laughs> pharma. And then Dominic says, uh, Viadoxic and St. Mary's in less than a week. Coincidence? So we are learning there's some kind of connection between this pharmaceutical company and whatever and happened at St. Mary's. Um... And Finch is like, I don't know about coincidence, which is interesting because yeah, he, he talks about he, coincidence exactly. A lot they too. say very similar things. Uh huh. Finch is just like, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Uh huh. Um, I'm just gonna believe that like Dominic is like new to all this. Yeah. He just has no personality yet. <laughs> he has a lot of questions. Lots of questions. So, um, back to the Shadow Gallery, we're seeing the end of the Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, find Drone Tree! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and V asks if she liked it, and she says that 
She liked it, but she felt bad for Mercedes because Edmond cared more about revenge than he did about her. Mm, it's very pointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Count of Monte Cristo, obviously, for is v- very personal to V for obvious reasons. Right. It is about a man who was unjustly wronged by a slew of people, right. and so and he yes. systematically murders yep. them. Yep. <laughs> or, you know, otherwise deals takes, takes revenge, them. yes. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, you know, he's living it. Um, and she sees herself as Mercedes in some way. Yep. She identifies with Mercedes. Yep, yep. We are supposed to identify her with Mercedes. Very clearly. Uh-huh. Um, and then as the movie gets over, we see the news start. And we we see coverage of Prothero's death. And Evie's like, wait, wait, don't turn it off. She's like, this doesn't seem right. Something, I gotta see this news. Um, and she's she is watching the, the anchor talk about, um... Prothero dying from apparent heart failure, and Evie immediately clocks her as lying, and V's like, how do you know? Because <laughs> she blinks too yep, much. Yep, she blinks when she knows that the story is false, which is cool. Yeah. That she has that, like... Yeah, and intent. then we cut back to the lady. She is blinking She is blinking a, a, lot, a lot, but, like, in a way that one would buy, like, yeah. is just a tick that somebody has. But Evie knows. Evie, yeah, it knows what that's about. And I love, I love how the the anchor lady is saying like he died in his office where he stayed late working after everyone else had gone home. I know they're just piling on. The, they're <laughs> yeah. like, we might as well they're just like on a little bit. do some extra propaganda right. while we're at it. Um, and she's like, hey V, I couldn't find my ID. ID. Yeah. Um, and you know, did you take it? And he says, would you prefer a lie or the truth? And so you know, he doesn't have yeah. to say anything else. And she's like, fuck, like, and he he admits it. He says, yes, I killed him. Uh, and she's like, oh my god. And he's like, you're upset. <laughs> I love it. He's right. quite cavalier about this. And he's yeah. like, all right, well, we have to have this conversation. Fine. Right, right. Um, and she's like, you know, you killed Louis Prothero. And he's like, well, I might have killed those fingermen that attacked you. So what's the difference? Um, and she doesn't really know how to respond to that. Right. Um, and he tells her violence can be used for good. Interesting. I mean, like, yeah. you know, there aren't a lot of things that'll just, like, straight up come out and say that thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, I admired about this movie. Mm-hmm. That he is saying some truth. Yes, and and a truth that is often uncomfortable, especially for heroes to say. Right. To be like, no, sometimes you have to kill people for justice. Right. And in, like, a very dispassionate kind of way right you know it's not just like well i had to kill him because it's like a yeah killing is necessary for revolution right and i'm going to do that right like it's a philosophical belief exactly um and and not just like you know in the in the worst case scenario he says violence can be used for good like just to come out in those terms and say it is is pretty unusual yeah because, uh, you know, of course, lots and lots of movies do sort of imply they're, they're that. They're saying it with the actions of the story. But to say it in words is is somewhat unusual. Yeah. To it's, be barefaced about it's it. It's one of those things where I was like, you know, watching it, it can feel quite bold. And then the more you think about it, it can also be seen as a little general, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true of a lot of things in this movie. It toes a lot of lines. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's like... 
She's like, I don't know about that one. I don't know. And he's like, it's justice. And she's like, uh-huh. And he's, you know, he, he explains like there, you know, there's no court in this country for men like Prothero. Um, and he's right. Yeah, like, exactly. He's above it all. No one else could have taken justice on him. Exactly. You know, you have the justice for someone like Prothero has to be extrajudicial. <laughs> like, right. You can't. It right. won't happen in this system. Exactly. Um, and she asks if he's going to kill more people. And he says, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, back to our investigation boys. Yes. Just, we're cutting back and forth between yep. this very much. Yeah, pretty constantly. And they're looking at Prothero's information. He's got a military record. Iraq, Kurdistan, Syria. Twice. Uh, before and after Sudan. And then he was put in charge of a detention facility at Lark Hill. And Dominic sort of takes this as like, oh, they put him behind a desk after all that. And right. Finch is like, mm, I think that something else is going on here. I can't find any other record of Lark Hill. And, and so that's weird. Yeah. What's what happened here? Why is there no record of this place? And we cut to some sort of military records uh, office and they're asking this suit about, you know, Lark Hill, and he's like, oh, I, he just keeps saying the line of, I right. cannot recall any particular facility inspector. I, oh, I cannot recall, I cannot recall, I cannot recall. And they're just like, can you tell us literally, literally anything, anything about Lark Hill? And he's like, well, you just have to, and he's like, no, we checked, we checked. It's weird, there are no records. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. He gets a little touchy. Uh-huh, he he's doesn't, a... because he's being pressed. Yeah. He's trying to push off this issue and sort of work around it, walk around it, talk around it. And, and Finch is determined and he's uncomfortable. Yeah. And he says that the, the guy they're talking to says that thing where he's like, you know, it was a messy time and we all did our best. Yes. Yes. Um, cause Finch says, uh, your records are either deleted, omitted or missing. Uh, and he says, well, before you go any further, let me remind you that things were very chaotic back then right. now we don't have the problems we had back then we all did what we had to do and in those circumstances we did the best we could there's all i have to say about that basically he's like he's Listen, like leave it alone leave please. it in the past we're not gonna talk about right. it uh and okay back to so i was mistaken this is when evie is um looking at her uh, uh, address for Gordon. Um, that it did not happen earlier. It's here that she right. she is in her room and she's yeah. This is when it happens. So she comes out um to speak with V. Um, and she t and he's it's it's very sweet. He's very attentive when right. she starts talking. He doesn't try to like preempt her or inquire. He's just listening and letting her say what she wants to say. Yeah. Um, and she says, you know, I've been thinking. I want to ask you something. But I don't think he'll understand why unless you know a few things about me. And this is where Evie tells him about what happened to her parents. Yep. Um, and, you know, talks about her dad um, and how V would have liked him. Um, her brother died. He, uh, he was one of the students at St. Mary's. So we hear a little bit more about that. We, we get a scene of, like, the brother in, like, a hospital bed with, like, a ventilator. Mm-hmm. So something happened. Some kids got very sick. Yep. And, um, you know, her parents at this point became political, they protested, um, you know, she was always very terrified for them, mom wanted to leave the country, dad refused, um, he said that if we ran away they would win, like it was a game. 
and then we cut to the past. We see um, Evie, little Evie in bed, and her mother runs into the room and says, Evie, quick, hide. And Evie ducks under her bed just in time for the police to bust in yep. and black bag her mom. And we see what that looks like. Um, and then they, they find Evie and drag yeah. her out from under the bed. It's very, very scary. It's like a traumatic moment, yeah. Yeah, and we see her, like, fall, like, yep. in front of the bed, and Evie's just hiding, just sees her face get black-bagged. staging of this moment is significant. Yes, it is. <laughs> Take note of yep. that. Um, and she says, I never saw them again. Um, and V expresses his condolences. Um, and she says, you know, I'm sorry that, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm not a stronger person. I'm not like my parents. You know, I wish I was. Um, but I want to ask if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. So she's sort of trying to become an ally of these. Right. For some reason. Well, yeah, it's interesting. We're mm. like, what, what changed? What changed for you, Evie? Uh, so... Uh, Why was she looking at Gordon's address? What do you? What's your game? Uh, and he says, "If you wish." Uh, so then we're uh, back to uh, Finch and Dominic doing their yes. investigations. They're looking for tax records, um, and he manages to find a hard copy of something. You know, a lot of this is a lot of electronic records were lost during the reclamation whatever mm. that was lots of things went missing but he found our hard copy of some records everything we've got on lark hill is in there it's very suspicious in and of itself uh-huh so back in the shadow gallery evie is like cleaning a mirror yeah um the, I'm not sure why she's just she's interested just in what it says she's just i don't know bored, bored. um yep. but it says v very Venerisum vivis vici. I don't know. I don't. There's a I don't lot know of v's what. and it's Latin. Yeah, it's Latin. But she she reads this aloud as she's sort of cleaning off the mirror, and um. Wachowskis love these characters who have Latin emblazoned in various places in their homes. Yeah, well, it's very dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> um, and V explains that it um translates to by the power of truth, I, while living, have conquered the universe. And she asks if this is a personal motto, and he says that it's from Faust. And she says, well, that's that's about trying to cheat the devil, isn't it? And he says, it is. And speaking of the devil, I was wondering if your offer to help was still standing. Um, so he needs some help from someone with some theatrical skill. And she's kind of like, oh, I get to act. Oh, fun. Um, I'll do my best. And back to um, Finch and dominic doing their research on lark hill yep um and they say another doctor they're like why does this detention facility have so, so many, many doctors like what why so many going? doctors in a prison uh-huh it's a legitimate question and then he says i don't know but the highest paid person at the camp was a priest oh, super weird super weird father lilliman um and we are like cutting we then see yeah said priest walking mm -hmm. through the abby yeah. uh and um they're like yeah that's weird paid almost 200 grand a month um he's a bishop now yeah he's... i believe 
yeah, he's like the Bishop of Westminster or something. Right. So, um, we see sort of a little assistant fellow yeah. approach the bishop. Sort of uh, nervous guy. Yes. Yeah, a snivelly little guy. Yeah. And, um, he thought there, yeah, Bishop Lilliman is like, you know, has everything been arranged? And he says, yes, you, know, you should arrive in Perth in time for mass. And um, he says, oh, yes, uh, thank you, but uh, that was not what I was talking about. Uh, rather, my final remittance, my last little joy. Huh. This is... Okay. Yucky but, vibes. Yeah, already. Um, and, of course, then Dennis goes on to make us feel even worse. Yep. She has arrived, but there was some confusion at the agency. She's a little older than usual. No. And he says, oh dear, not too old, I trust. We hate it. Yeah, well, priests! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, not a surprise. Uh, and Dennis says, that is for your grace to decide. What a fucking <sighs> snivelly little creep. I hate that there's an agency, too. Like, yeah. good lord. Yeah. Things are bad. Yeah. Things are bad here. So, um, the bishop enters uh, his chambers to see Evie dressed up like a little dolly. Yeah, it's like a really outlandish outfit. Big petticoat, knee socks, curly pigtails. It's, it's, really, funny. it's really funny because you showed me the page in the comic mm -hmm. that corresponds to this moment. And it's a very similar costume, but it doesn't read as outlandish to me in that. Because it's a drawing. Exactly. But they've recreated it, like, exactly, and it looks ridiculous. Yeah, well, and they've kind of dressed it up, you know, in the in the comic, it's just, like, a plain purple dress. Right. Whereas in the movie, she's, like, got polka dots and Yeah, all it's kind. extremely... It's very... It's like a costume. Yeah. Um, but she looks like a little, little porcelain doll. Exactly. Um, but, you know... Natalie Portman has a baby face. Right. And that sells it. For him. It sells the effect. And he is just captivated. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just being a weird, gross, creepy pedophile. Yep. My cat's scratching the chair and we can't let him do that. <laughs> so, uh, they sit down on the bed, and she's like, you know, I have to tell you something, we, we don't have very much time, and he's like, oh, the confessional game, I love this. Ugh. And she's like, no, no, someone means to kill you. And he's like, what? And she's like, I just, I, I'm, I'm telling you because I want some kind of protection, I, I didn't have anything to do with this, you know, this, I, I, I maybe this will balance it out. And she's like, what? And she tells him, I'm Evie Hammond, I've been the prisoner of the terrorist V, he's gonna come through the door because I unlocked the window in the room where Dennis told me to get ready. And he's like, oh, a new game. Right. And she's like, no, no fuck, exactly. fuck. <laughs> Trying to save your life. Yeah, she's of like, course, I'm being like, real right now. She, But, it, like, she fucking knows that he's a pedophile. That's what's so weird to me about this moment. And I feel like I've read that this is different than how it plays out in the comic. Right? As I recall. But, you know, she's just a different person. Right. And this is sort of part of her, like, sort of strange dance with V. Mm-hmm. Right? So... It's it's just a, a little confusing because it's like why is she appealing to this obviously terrible terrible man? Yeah, because it, it's expecting just, him to listen to her. Yeah, she just sees a possible way out. Right, but and that's why she was looking at 
Gordon's address and all that stuff. Yes, she wants out. My yeah. cat is really lurking around, and it's... It's very nerve-wracking. <laughs> he needs to well, get what's out. What's he going to do? <laughs> oh, he's going to try to get into your cup. <laughs> Damn. I got to pick him up. Hold on, everybody. Uh, he's big now. Yes. He's big now, and he is more trouble than ever. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he's my little buddy right now. We'll see how long he'll sit with me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she's trying to like warn him and he's just not taking her seriously. Um, it's sort of a convenient way for the movie to let us know that she's being sincere and this is not a bit. Yes. She's not, she's not trying to play him. This is not part of V's plan. She's trying to escape. She's trying to escape and the priest is not He doesn't it. get it at all. Um, and he's just trying to fucking assault her right away. Fully. Fully. Yeah, and she's really like, no. She kicks him in the balls. Yep. We like it. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, he gets mad immediately, because of course he does. And then V arrives to, Hamlet, you gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing now? I don't know, he's playing with something in the table. It's fine. We'll <laughs> just ignore him. Uh, hopefully he doesn't make too much noise. So, uh, V arrives, and the bishop's like, oh god, she wasn't lying. Yep. That's you. Um, and uh, V realizes that she tried to, like, sabotage yeah. him and she's like i'm sorry and runs off and he's like oh uh anyway i have yeah. uh, i can't i can't chase you down right now yeah. uh and he uh he does a more quoting he does his quoting that he do yeah. uh and thus i clothe my naked villainy with odd old odd ends stolen forth from holy writ and seem a saint when most i play the devil mm. uh and he's like the bishop is like have mercy uh, you know, uh, you know, not, not tonight. Uh, you know, I beg of you, I beg of you. And we see a surveillance van. Yeah. That it has bugged the Abbey. Oh my God, Hamlet, you are making noise and I can't <laughs> you do this. My cat is killing me right now. This is an important scene. Yeah, that's right. Get out. <laughs> All right. Um, so we've, we've got the inside of a surveillance van that has clearly bugged the Abbey, yep. and they're, like, listening in on what the priest does. This is more of a thing in the comic that is addressed that basically all of these, like, high-level party members are bugged. Like, everybody's bugged. You, you get that vibe in the movie eventually. Yes. Um, but it's, like... At this point, it's not as clear. It's not as clear, and it's not as much, like, it's not... There's not a... It's not made as much of a thing, Whereas and, in the comic, this, it's, like, yeah. disgust, and it's, like, this whole thing. The surveillance guys seem like, I mean, they're saying pervy stuff, you know, like. Yeah, well, yeah, they're like, oh, it's children's hour at the Abbey. Like, they just know what happens, yeah. and they, like, uh, listen to it. Uh, which is weird as hell. Yep. Um, and they hear V say, open your mouth and stick out your tongue. And they're like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> but then they hear uh, the bishop say, I don't want to die. And they're like, oh, God, What's wait, wait, on? wait, wait, wait. Um, and they um, call in an emergency. Um, and, uh, oh, gosh, I'm, like, getting lost in my notes, but that's okay. It, there's a lot of, like, just so much stuff there's happening. There's a lot of business right. happening in this specific part of the movie. Yes, so Finch wants the names of all the people um, that are listed in this Lark Hill document tonight. Uh, so, yeah, they're talking to Creedy about 
the murder. You know, right. the, the, the priest has been killed. It's, it's, we're in the aftermath again. We're doing that thing. Um, and basically Creedy says, like, um, this is, you know, this is outranking you at this point, Finch. Like, I'm, I'm being called in because you clearly can't handle this situation. Several high member, party members have been murdered. Um, and Finch is like, well, I, it's hard to investigate, um, if you're detaining everybody that I need to talk to. Right. And basically Finch, or Creedy's just like, I don't care. Um. Kind of threatens him. Yeah, threatens him. Uh, the Chancellor suspects there might be an informer. Uh, you know, are you saying I might be under, are you, are you saying I'm under surveillance? And Finch says, uh, or Creedy says, you know, don't stick your nose where it doesn't belong, basically. And yeah. Finch is like, oh, you're talking about Lark Hill. Um, and, you know, Creedy's like that. You know, Major Wilson, the guy they were talking to right. in the records, is a, is a friend of the High Chancellor. His loyalty's not in question. Uh, mine is. And Creedy says, your mother was Irish, oh, wasn't yeah. she? Terrible what St. Mary's did to Ireland, wasn't it? And Finch is like trying to sort of defend himself. He, I've been a party member for 27 years. Um, and, uh, Creedy says, you know, if, if I were to see you, I'd, I'd find that guy as fast as he can. Like, this, your, your ass is on the line here. Right. Uh, back to Evie. She's escaped, and she, uh, has arrived at Gordon's house. Yeah. She is scared. She looks really nervous. She knocks on his door. He answers, and he is quite shocked to see her. Especially given what she's wearing. Yes. This is a very surprising thing. He's um, like, what? He's a good God. And she says, I'm sorry, I didn't know where to go. And he's like, well, better get inside before someone sees you. Um, so, good guy, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, cut yeah. to them inside. She has changed. Yes. <laughs> and cleaned up. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, he's sat her down, taking care of her. It's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, best place to go is Stephen Fry's house. Of course, always. The only man you can trust exactly. is Stephen Fry. Um, and she's like, I'm sorry, like, it's horrible of me to have come here. Um, you know, I, 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 I just didn't know what else to do. And he's like, um, you know, trying to talk her down. Uh, and she's almost like trying to talk him out of like of helping, helping her. her yeah. And he's like, listen, you'd be the least of my worries if the government searched my house. Um. I'm, you know... And she's kind of like, oh, really? Aw, and he's like, okay, you came here, you trusted me, I'll trust you. And he takes her down to a secret door in his wine cellar. Yep. Uh, where he's got a bunch of shit, and it looks like a little shadow gallery. Yeah. He has all this subversive art. Yes. Um, and, uh, she sees... Yeah. A, a, a piece called God Save the Queen. Right. Which is sort of a, a pop art depiction of the the high chancellor as the queen of england right uh and it's quite funny and she's like oh my god like my parents took me to see that i thought sutler had it destroyed and he says he believes it uh, he believes he did cost me more than this house but no matter how bad i feel it always cheers me up <laughs> so we're like oh he's like uh, he's like fully he's he's radicalized yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's he's there's cool. a wild like flag that has or poster that has like the u.s and uk flags merging with a swastika. with a swastika yeah there's some really cool subversive stuff in there um 
and she sees this book in a glass case and she asks what it is and it's a copy of the Quran uh, from the Middle Ages. And she's like, what are you, a Muslim? And he says, no, I'm in television. Which <laughs> is really cute. Uh, it's a very Stephen Fry right. kind of a yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, but why would you keep it? And he's, you know, he says that he finds it beautiful. Um, and she's like, well, is that worth it? And he's like, I told you, like, I'm not worried about you being here. Right. Um, and she thanks him. And then, um, uh, you know, she's like, like looking around. Yeah, looking around, and she's like, you know, I, I, she starts to sort of explain her story, right. and then she sees past him and sees some, some gay, gay kink art, like yes. gay kink photography, and she's like, uh, it's like basically just just gay porn on yeah, his on yes. his yes. wall, but very like artful, artful kink, black and whites, yes, leather, you know, bondage. But it's they fun. they leave nothing to the imagination. It's clearly very homosexual. Yes, uh, and she's like, uh, and he's like. Yeah, so about that. (laughs) And he explains, like, yeah, the reason why I invited you over um, being gay is that I can't be gay. I'm expected to entertain young ladies. And so I have to do things like that from time to time um, in order to sort of throw people off the scent. Right. Basically. totally believable. Yes! That's a thing that's been ha- happened in Hollywood for decades. Exactly. And like like we said earlier, we he's Stephen Fry and mm-hmm. it's like we know. So it's like he needs plausible deniability. Mhm. Oh, you know that 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 cute PA from the studio went over to his house last night. Right. He's not gay. He's just in television. But I like how it's <laughs> exactly. But like it's so clear how like tense this is that he can't even say that he's gay uh-huh like he, does yeah, not he doesn't use say that we're words. gay he says uh my appetites were for less conventional fare right yeah it's like a scary thing to even yeah that he can't even say it they can, but neither of them can say it yes and she you know she says that she's sorry she's understanding about it and he says uh you know the truth is after so many years you begin to lose more than just your appetite you wear a mask for so long you forget who you were beneath oh, it. More parallels with V. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think it's well done. Yes. Uh, so, back to Finch. Uh, he's talking to Delia. Yeah. Who is a she's toxicologist. A, like she's a mortician? A, she's, yeah, she's a coroner. Yeah, coroner, yes. Um, and so, um, she's like, I'm sorry, you know, same t- toxicology as Prothero. Uh, but you could get these poisons anywhere. There's no lead here. And that's another rose on the on mm-hmm, the corpse. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, uh, well, actually, yeah, she, he's like, so, hey, could you help me out with something? Because uh, you were a botanist. Right, yeah. Um, and he shows her the rose, and she says that it's a Scarlet Carson. Hmm. Um, interesting little deviation from the comic. The roses in the comic are, are actually called a Violet Carson. Oh, interesting. Um. And that's a real variety of rose named for a person. Oh, whose name was Violet Carson? Yes. Oh, okay. But um, I think they probably were just like, that's going to confuse people because Violet is a color as well as a name. <laughs> and so they'd be like, that's not Violet. Yes. It's red. Yes. Yeah. Because um, roses have weird names. And right. so they just changed it to Scarlet Carson. Just so to... that people wouldn't wonder. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, but she says she funny. she looks rather struck by this rose. She's very startled by it. Yeah. Uh, she says it's a Scarlet Carson. They're believed to be extinct. Um, hmm. And he's like, "Oh, really? Well, anyway, he leaves him at crime scenes. Right? <laughs> um, could you look at it?" And she's like, "Yeah." Um, and uh, Dominic comes and grabs him and is like, "Hey, um, you better, you know, or I think he calls him and he's like, yeah. hey, you've got to get back here." Um, and um, they're like looking at the records and they realize that V has killed like almost all everyone. of the high-ranking officials that were at Larkhill. Except for this one lady. Who is she? Meanwhile, we're seeing Delia, like, digging through an old lockbox. And she, like, finds something in there. Yeah, and so we're like, oh, it's her. Like, right. clearly it's her. We're not even trying to hide that it's her. Um, she, uh, she, but this person, this... Like, changed her name. Yeah, she disappeared for two years. She applied for an overseas visa. Um, her records seemed to stop, so she probably changed her name. Um, and so, you know, you put in a call that haven't heard back yet. Um, Finch is like, call him again. What's, th- I-, I want that name. Um, we get the news back. And he's like, fuck. Dr. Diana Stanton changed her name to Delia Surridge. The coroner, I, I just saw, saw her. Ah, oh, we're racing to Delia's yep. house. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it's the middle of the night. Delia is in bed and it's very, very dark. Yeah. I gotta say, I fucking love this. Yes. Framing. No. This is one of those it's moments great. where it's framed yeah. like a comic. Yeah. Where we see her in bed and, you know, it's all shadows in the room and she just says very quietly, it's you, isn't it? You come to kill me. And the light shifts like a car has gone yep. by outside, and we just see the light hit him it, in the in corner. The and yeah. you're like, oh, yep. he's there! Yep. <laughs> it's very scary. Yep. It's really good. <laughs> and he's just like, yes. Yes. And, and she, she says, says thank, thank God. God. We're like, oh, That's okay. not what you expect. Um, in the car, Finch and Dominic are rushing. I can't get a response from that number. There's a problem with the connection. Jesus Christ, he's, he's there. there. Uh, and we cut back to the room, and... Delia and V are just having a conversation yeah. and she's explaining like, you know, I thought about killing myself after everything, um, but I knew you'd come for me. Uh, you know, I didn't know what they were going to do. I swear, read my journal. Um, and he says what they did was only possible because of you. And she sort of um, invokes Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it wrong to hold on to that kind of hope? And he says, I have not come for what you hoped to do. I've come for what you did. Mm. This idea of like, yeah, intentions are all well and good, but you hurt real people. You destroyed lives and you have to face justice for that, regardless of what your intentions were. I like that this movie goes there Mm -hmm. with that. Like she's our one like complicit character who's like fleshed out right because it seems like at one point she was enthusiastic about what was going on yeah and she was willing to like be cruel and, right because she then, thought it was for some some greater good or what, what yeah she you. was sort of disgusted and uh so anyway well yeah we'll see that um so um she says to him uh you know i i was given one of your roses i didn't know for sure it was you but after i saw the rose um right you know, it was clear uh, that what a coincidence. And she, he says, there are no coincidences, Delia, only the illusion of coincidence. I have another rose. This one is for you. 
and he hands it to her. And she asks if he's going to kill her now, and he says, I killed you ten minutes ago while you slept. And he's got, like, a little syringe. Uh-huh. And she asks if there's pain. He says no. And she says, thank you. Um, and uh, asks if it's meaningless to apologize. And he says, never. And she says, I'm so sorry. This is a really interesting scene. Yeah. Because he does show her a degree of mercy. Right. That, that he doesn't have get, for the yeah. others. Because I think he recognized that, like, you know, there is a difference. Right. Between what she did and what they did. Right. And he, I think, probably, he probably learned all about her and saw, you know, her life and, and right. recognized that she had guilt. Right. And so he didn't want to be cruel to her. He could not forgive her. He could not let her go but he didn't have to be cruel to right. her uh, this makes us like him mm-hmm. he he has compassion right and i mean <sighs> i think that the movie a little bit slightly glosses over like what she thought she was doing mm-hmm. as a good intentioned lark hill person yes because like when we get her flashback it's not totally clear what they were doing at lark hill yet not not totally just that she thought she was doing something good and it turned out she wasn't yeah and it's sort of like what did she think she was doing like she was still experimenting on people yeah you know nazi doctor shit exactly and i mean you know god never imagine that i would ever justify it this way but like nazi science did make huge leaps in medical science like they did right i mean at fucking what cost right exactly yeah absolute atrocities they and, did and, learn and important they, and they erased a lot of other stuff yes. that wasn't politically convenient for them to have out there in the world absolutely so you know and that's how these th- that's how people sort of justify it that's right that's how they say like well but look what like, i'm doing like, and, i and, am you know helping and, cure and, things and I, she was like in the flashback she's like if these people knew what they were doing for their country and all that mm-hmm. stuff, so right, and you know she's like ends justifying means basically. Right, that's her logic. Yes, it's just interesting mm-hmm. because clearly she does feel guilt afterwards. But I'm not sure if I totally buy her excuses. No, yeah, no, no, <laughs> certainly she she had to have been she couldn't have been ignorant of what was happening. Yeah, she had yeah. the choice to do something else and she didn't. Exactly, it seems more like there's a point for her where it went too far. Mm-hmm. But it was. Further than it should have been. Exactly. <laughs> so, again, cut to crime scene. Delia's dead. Yep. Um, but her journal is there. Uh, yes. Uh, and, yeah, Finch realizes, like, he wanted us to have it. Right, otherwise he wouldn't have left it there. Um, and so, cut to Finch talking to the high chancellor asking him um you know so you've read this document inspector he he has has anyone else read it no um and the chancellor's like this can't yeah, be allowed to he exist freaks out about it yeah um you know no one else should read this you should never speak of it um yeah any discussion of this document or its contents will be regarded at the very least as an act of sedition if not a willful act of treason uh, he know. says that, but then he's like, it probably even isn't true. Yes, it's, yes. <laughs> you can't verify The authenticity, it. yada yada, yeah. Just best to just fucking pretend it never existed. Right. Um, and, yeah, you would do well, Inspector, to put it out of your mind. And now we get the contents. Yep. Uh, and so we're hearing sort of her 
narration of the events that happened at Lark Hill. And this, it's so funny because, like, everything you say about her death scene is true. But I think getting that scene, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's good that he's being merciful, merciful. too. But then but th- she's really flashback, quite cruel. This flashback made me dislike her tremendously. Yeah, no, she is completely guilty yeah like there is there 100%. is 100 there is no defending what she did no and she was enthusiastic about it at this time mm-hmm. like and i don't feel like it's super it's not really super clear why she has her like change of heart and like realizes that it was too much other than that there was a big explosion <laughs> yeah and she was like this is crazy and oh out. shit this suddenly i have a conscience right. um yeah but she's like Talking about how Lilliman is there to, like, patrol for, like... Yeah, violation. So, yeah, um, basically, um, you know, she, yeah, she talks, yeah, first thing we see is, um, you know, the first batch of subjects arrived. She's very excited. Dawn of a new age. Nuclear power is meaningless in a world where a virus can kill an entire population and leave its wealth intact. What a ghoulish thing to say. Also, what a... At this point in history... Yeah, it feels like a total, like, fallacy, right? Mm-hmm. Because clearly it would decimate we, the economy, as yes, we've seen. evidenced by real life, pandemics are bad for the economy. Yeah. It, the wealth is not left intact. Not at all. <laughs> so I don't know about that. This is just sort of like what they didn't research or could not have known, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it is... It is demonstrable there had already been examples in history <laughs> yeah Spanish now we just flu. now we just have a more recent one but yes. it is an erroneous thing that's what she said that and i was like that's just not right that's not how it works it's just not a thing yeah like the economy isn't like we're not on the gold standard anymore exactly that's not how it works exactly maybe they figure because well she's talking about wiping out an entire population yes and leaving the country's wealth yeah, that's not like, how, how wealth, that's you... not a, how economies work. No, it's just not. Yeah. Anyway. Anyhow. Not super crucial. No. Um, but we do see, you know, people getting herded off a truck, and we particularly make note of a young woman. Yes. With curly hair. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're being moved along. Uh, we got you know May twenty seventh. Commander Prothero toured the lab with the priest, Father Lilliman. He's here to monitor for rules and rights violations. And she's um, like, that made me super nervous. Made me nervous, <laughs> but the commander was like, don't worry about it. June 2nd, um, you know, she's expressing real um, disgust at these right. test subjects. They never look you in the eye. I find myself hating them. Uh, I wonder who she thinks they are. You they're know? undesirables. I mean, she probably is, you know, like a she, bigot. Like, like she probably knows that they're that they're just like uh, like racial and religious minorities and gay people. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that's uh, definitely yeah. I mean, the Nazi doctors for right. sure knew who were in the that, concentration camps. Yeah, they knew absolutely. That's what she is. Uh, so it's just interesting for a viewer. Like if you haven't seen this movie before, yeah. you would not know that at this time. Right, you're not sure. They're exactly. they're dressed like prisoners. Like, yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know exactly who is who, being put in are. these camps. Um, though we did hear some stuff about like her parents being uh, Evie's parents right. being put in camps and stuff. Right. Um, for being political activists. Sure. So these are political prisoners. We have reason to believe. To believe, yeah. Uh, August the eighteenth. Um, 
Of the original four dozen, over 75% are now deceased. No controllable pattern has yet emerged. September the 18th, um, one case continues to give hope. Um, we, we know that this is V. Especially because as we're, yeah. we're seeing these numbered doors, doors. Yeah. with chalk marked X's on them. One, two, yep. three, four. They're, and they're, then, they're Roman numeral. Yes. Five, V, no X. No X. Um, you know, the, I've, del- I've discovered cellular anomal- anomalies in his blood that I've been unable to categorize. The mutations seem to have triggered the abnormal development of basic kinesthesia and reflexes. The subject said he could no longer remember who he was or where he was from. Um, so, you know, some V was experimented on yeah. at Lark Hill. And something unique about his physiology right. allowed him to survive this. Um, and November the 5th, uh, started last night around midnight, um, explosions, all my work gone, um, and then I saw him, the man from room five, and he's stepping out of the flames, um, and she, uh, she says, um, uh, not with eyes, there were no eyes, but I know he was looking at me because I felt it. Oh God, what have I done? So this is the point. Where she is caused, she, she is made to reflect. On her decisions. It took too long. This is the thing from these flashbacks. Any, like, sensible person with a reasonable amount of empathy could tell you that this is, like, the worst place on Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just grimy and nasty looking. Mm -hmm. And there are mass graves. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how do you not Yeah, throughout this whole um, sort of monologue of the... Uh, diary we see this young woman recurring and yes. you know we see her like you know with her hair all cut off and we see her you know looking yeah. all awful and sick and then we see her dead being yeah. thrown yeah. into the mass grave yeah it's important mm-hmm. but and it's just like it's rough to even get delia's pov because yeah. it's like we show her even coming into the place and she's like i was excited and you're like why would you be excited to be here yeah because she's doing good work. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. this We we now have context for V. We yep. know what happened, what happened to, to him. him. Yep. Cut to Gordon's house. Evie waking up exactly like she woke up in V's yeah. house. Uh, she's laying exactly the same way. She's wearing a tank top. Like, yep, exactly the way that she was. This is all happening exactly the same way. She gets up. She goes out into the kitchen. And he says to her... Bonjour, mademoiselle. Exactly the way that V did. And he's making... And he's making... We called it eggy in the basket. My <laughs> mom used to make them. Um, and she's like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was with V, he did this too. Um, and... Gordon goes on a whole yeah, bit. Yeah, it's cute. Because yeah. uh, she's, she's like, really? And she's like, I swear. And he says, that's a strange coincidence. Although there's an obvious explanation. Yes, Evie, I am V. <laughs> At last you know the truth. You're stunned, I know. Hard to believe, isn't it, that beneath this wrinkled, well-fed exterior, there lies a dangerous killing machine with a fetish for foxy and masks. It's so Stephen Fry. It's like, the... did he write this dialogue? I know, I was wondering if he ad-libbed some of it. Like, the... he must. Well, apparently he actually had a lot of input on the character. Really? So he may have just written it. Wow. Like, he may have just written it. 
Excellent. Because for him. I mean, it's it's yeah, very Stephen. It feels Fry. like him, and it's funny because to us it's hilarious, but Evie is like not amused. Yeah, she, yeah, at yeah all. that's not funny. And, he's, and he says, "Yeah, I know, I'm useless without a studio audience." <laughs> Um, and, you know, she, uh, he's like, well, you know, he was right. There is something wrong with this country. Uh, and so Evie's a little like, oh, like, right. this is, I'm, I'm thinking thing about things. And right, like, exactly. hearing something like this from yeah. you, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe he does have a point. She's like, hearing this from, from, from Gordon who hasn't killed anybody. Yes, a safe <laughs> right. person. Right, exactly. Uh, so back to Finch's office. Finch is sitting there. He don't. He's not well. He's having a bad time. Yeah. Having a bad time because he read the journal. He's like drinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he sets up what seems to be a like a a surveillance scrambling device. Right. Um. When when Dominic comes in, Dominic's like, "Yo, what's up? You don't look good." Um. And um, when oh, he's like looking up all these news stories. About like people. Yeah, dying. we see. Yes, we see information about this this disease. We see eighty thousand people dead, mm-hmm. and I just need to give some context for that. Yeah, because at this point in history, right now as we're recording, yes, the number of deaths in the UK alone, yeah, from COVID nineteen is something like a hundred and twenty five thousand. Yeah, the US it's it's tremendously high. Yeah, globally, it's millions in the millions. And the, the movie wants this 80,000 number to seem extremely shocking. And of course and it time, should it, be. It, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's it's a global tragedy that it that that you that our response to this now is oh seems like a small number. Right, that this this was enough to cause people to turn to fascism. Right. This is not enough to make people wear a mask. Yeah. Like just to get on that soapbox for a goddamn yeah, exactly. second. Exactly. Like it's 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 really disheartening. Yeah. To see like the context, like the naivety that we had yeah. in this in, in this in, year in the mid two thousands. That yeah. like this would be unthinkable that that this would happen and and people would do anything anything in order to make it stop. Right. This is like the the fear that's being exploited supposedly. People won't stop going to Applebee's for it. Exactly. We can attest to this. <laughs> like, like it's, it boggles the mind how yeah. much worse people are than they thought that people were. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a whole thing to deal with that I was not expecting to be confronted with uh-huh, watching uh-huh, Goddamn V for Vendetta. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this movie really hits you with some things that you're like, oh no, oh no, this goes down different now. Oh mm-hmm. shit, oh shit. Like, yeah. I feel things. I feel things. Anyway, that's yeah. the soapbox on that so, moment. And especially if you're you're listening to this years in the future. Know that this is where we are right now. That's and our, it, our it's cultural bad. moment. It's bad. But we're vaccinated. Yes. Yes. We're vaccinated. And it feels good. It does. Now. <laughs> Didn't feel good to me well, yesterday. Yes, but, but it feels good in your in your soul. Oh, yes. It's an Im- immense relief yes. after 15 months of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> we started this podcast right after lockdown. Right after, yeah. And here, here we are talking about it still. Still. Okay. But it's funny if we're talking about naivety because you, rem- I remember us both saying that we thought by the time the first season was over, we would be out of quarantine. How how young we were <laughs> a year ago. Yes. How foolish. How naive. 
<sighs> so we can't really blame people for being naive in 2005. Right. Because God knows we were. Uh, yeah. Anyway, 80,000 dead. 80,000 dead. It's very shocking. Yes. Um, it really should be. It like should be. It, it should is. Be a, it is a shocking number. So um, Finch is like, hey, I want to ask you something and you don't have to answer me. I just need to say it out loud, but you can't ever repeat what I said. And right. Dominic's like, yeah, sure, say boss. <laughs> exactly. He's really sweet. He's like, oh, because of the terrorists. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. He's like, no. He's like, well, what is it then? And Finch says, you know, I've been thinking about St. Mary's and Three Waters, which was... Um, it's like a, like a water plant. Yeah, water plant. Um, and he says, you know... I gotta ask, what if it was our government that did this, not religious extremists? And Dominic's like, but we know it was religious extremists. They were, they were caught. They were, they confessed. And he's like, sure, but I'm seeing all these coincidences, and I don't think I believe in coincidences. So maybe something different happened. What if someone else killed those people? Um, you know, would you want to know if it was somebody working for the government? Right. Uh, if the government was responsible for what happened at St. Mary's and Three Waters, um, our own government was responsible for the deaths of almost 100,000 people. Uh, I know, it's just, I can't, like, I need to just stop thinking about it. Yeah, but it's hard not to think about it, because that's what, the moment we're living in right now. Yeah. I, I do have to say, though, this is one thing that I kind of hate. Just, like... I feel like in 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 the mid two thousands, it was less of a loaded thing to be a conspiracy theorist mm -hmm. than it is now. Because it's so fucking being a conspiracy theorist back then was just like you know harmless. Right, and I mean like the Wachowskis are very what if in their imagination style. Yeah, what if the fucking world was a computer? Like right, what exactly. if? So, like, you know, what if the craziest thing you could imagine is true? Yes. I feel like, unfortunately, though, like, in terms of if we're talking about the current moment, like, we've heard people say, like, you know, what if COVID was created in a lab for this or that there political reason? There are people reason? who believe that. Oh, China did it. Our government is complicit. They're giving it to people. It's not real. And it's, yeah, so that's so difficult it, to square to it, see, like, you know the yeah. angle this movie's coming from, but they weren't thinking about people. It's hard to swallow at this time because, of course, like, that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's not what happened. And, yeah. it, and it, I, like, it, it, it's frightening exactly. to hear someone talk that way. It is, because it, it, it sort of gets a rise out of you in a way that it wouldn't have no. two years ago. And it is interesting, though, because there are other movies that involve, like, pandemics and disease events in mm -hmm. the future that have turned out to be like closer to what has happened mm -hmm. like people talk about the movie contagion because sure. it has like an alex jones type character who's spreading conspiracy theories and stuff mm -hmm. and this sort of happens to fall on the weird side of that mm -hmm. in a way that we couldn't have known about yeah and it's tough because when he says if the government was complicit would you want to know because on a certain level we can understand that mm -hmm. because during the height of this pandemic we had a president who was like doing poorly well and here's handling the, this thing. here's the thing too like think about where we were again we're we have to go back to the post 9 11 exactly world that we were in at the time we talked about this with the matrix and we right. need to talk about it again now because of course at that time the biggest conspiracy theory was 9 11 truthers right the idea that this 
government had cooked up this thing, right? You know, 1984 style, to right get control of the populace. I was thinking that too. I was like, is this a is this a 9/11 was an inside job scene? A little bit. It is. That's, it's got that's a flavor. What it is. It's got yeah. a flavor. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I don't know if the Wachowskis are not eleven truthers. I don't know. Like, I mean, if you know, if I found out they were, I would be like, okay, okay, well. But I mean, as far as conspiracy theories, I remember thinking that one was incendiary mm-hmm. as a younger person, right? And now it feels almost benign. It's quaint, exact compared to the the shit that gets spewed now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it feels scary to talk about conspiracy theories now in a way that it, it just it didn't, didn't at the time. It didn't then. It was more, it, it, it almost does feel quaint. Mm-hmm. Really. Naive. Yeah. But it, it is it is tough because, like, we can talk about government culpability for these things. Or, you know, like, the fact that during the pandemic, like, billionaires have added to their wealth and everyone else has suffered, etc. Et yeah. But those aren't conspiracies. No. Those are documented things that everyone can know. Right. And it's just a question of, like, how morally reprehensible is it? Right. But it's documented stuff. Yes. Or, you know, and, and conspiracy theories are the purview of, of far-right individuals and, and folks who are trying to spread deranged misinformation. That's, that's the style these days. And they couldn't have known that when they were making this movie. No, of course not. S- so yeah, it just it just another one of those things. It just yeah. hits really differently. It's a bit intense. Yes. Uh, so yeah, would you want to know if your government was making the people sick with a big disease? Uh, I guess so. Right. So um, we go to um the council, the people, yep. the big talking head. Yeah, I was wondering like what to call them, but it's yet. Yeah, giant john hurt head big head big brother is yes. here yep um and we're we're learning that 80 percent of the public believe that v is still alive um and you know the chancellor is like mr creedy um you know arrests are as high as they uh, they've been since the reclamation i want more arrests i want results like just ruthless shit right. just real super villain uh <laughs> and right. uh Oh no, my my thumb touched something oh. and now I've lost my place. Ah, I'm a mess. <laughs> we'll get through it. Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yes, that's that's that whole scene. Yeah. We're back at Gordon's house. And um Gordon breaking out the champagne. Yeah, oh, was it, I'm celebrating, celebrating what? He says to her, "I think this could be the best show we've ever done." They sit down in front of the TV, turn on his program um and we see uh, meanwhile around the country people, people are tuning are in watching all those same people we've seen before our tv friends and i do like how like these scenes sort of repeat to us and condition us to realize that these broadcasts are all done on a delay there's no live television in this no world. live television here that's significant this... for later yes well but it... also everything has to be censor approved and... yes you can't put out anything live so somehow this got this got through. Well, he says that like they did it earlier that day, right? But I still was kind of like, how did no one have eyes on this? Nah. Somebody pulled some strings. Guess so. We we yeah we don't need to think too hard about it. But yeah. you know he, he's Gordon's on the TV. You know we got an extraordinary show. You're not gonna believe it. Um, I don't think I do. Please give a very warm welcome to our own Chancellor Adam Sutler. 
and all the people at home were watching are like, what? No way! Whoa! And, uh, Evie's like, what? Um... And he's he's tells her that they threw out the censor approved script and shot one that he wrote this morning. And she's like, Oh shit. Right. Um and basically it's this skit where they're just like poking a lot of fun at the Chancellor. Um, and then uh, somebody playing V comes out and yeah. is like pranking on him in a very rapscallion like way yeah they literally play the benny hill music yeah there's a benny hill chase a gorilla exploding (laughs) cigars it's very very silly it seems like extremely innocuous and i think it's that way on purpose yeah because it's like how could that you know he believed like oh this is nothing i'll just i'll get in a little bit of trouble and it'll be fine right this is just my little subversion here just my one little thing my one little jab and thinking, to us, that seems about yeah, right. Oh, yeah, he should be able to get away with this. Sure. Um, you know, they unmask V, and it's the, also the Chancellor. Oh, arrest that man! Arrest like, that man! Oh, he's the one you want. He's oh, no, it's him! And yes, it's, two Spider-Mans. And it's it's two John Hurts. Yes. It's like, John Hurt is very game to do this it's part very, of the movie. Yeah, it's cute. Um, and the, you know, they both get shot, um, and then um, V is there like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's yeah. very silly um and um cut back to uh gordon on the phone with someone he's like well what are they gonna do find us it's fine you know I, it's the most watched show on television you know you're my age and protect me um and evie's like i can't believe you did this and he's like oh he's you like, know what's the worst joking, gonna happen yeah joking around um you know what if, what if they come after you and he says you know what's gonna happen i'm gonna have to do an apology you know whatever jump through right. some hoops our ratings are gonna go through the roof everything's gonna be fine uh trust me um everything is not fine nope because later that night evie's sleeping in the bed gordon busts in just like her mom says yeah. evie hide she jumps under the bed just in time for the secret police to bust in and Oh, boy. It's really brutal. It's I really... don't like seeing Stephen Fry get, get hurt. hurt. No, it's I don't terrible. like it. He gets cracked in the face and I love him. Yeah. You're not allowed to beat up Stephen Fry. It's shocking. It really is because he is such a sweetie and he's just a funny little character. Yeah. And it's Stephen Fry and exactly. nothing bad happens to Stephen Fry. You're and then he just it. gets got. Yeah. Like, it's... It's really shocking. And it's the exact same thing that happened to her mom. Identical. Yeah. Um, but they don't find Evie because they're yes. not expecting her to be there. Yep. So, like, they sort of leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, she, yeah, she, they leave the room and she sneaks out the window. Yeah. Climbs down. It's very scary. You she, know, like she's falls. falls. She's sneaking around and then someone in police garb comes up. Gotcha. Yep. Grabs snatches her. her. Snatches her. Uh, very scary stuff. Yep. And she, um, we find her in some sort of an interrogation room. She's being interrogated by a shadowy figure. Shadowy figure. One shadowy figure. Yes. <laughs> the, the subtitles in the version I watched called him Man Number Six. Number Six? I wonder how Isn't we that, arrived at that number. I know. It's very interesting. And I'm like, I'm just assuming that, like, the Wachowskis must supervise the captions in some way because uh-huh. all the character, like, names and titles, even the ones that aren't said in the dialogue, seem very uh-huh. intentional. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, I was just like, so man number six. Man number six is interrogating her. Um, and, you know, do you know why you're here? 
You've been charged with three counts of murder, uh, bombing of government property, conspiracy to commit terrorism, treason and sedition, penalty for which is death by firing squad. You know, you, you tell us about V, um, all you have to do is cooperate. She doesn't say anything, so she gets processed. Uh, and it's bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah, first they just cut off her hair, but then, you know, she's being tortured, she's miserable, she's Yeah, in she's cell. having some sort of, like, shower torture thing happening yeah, to her. Yeah, it's it's bad they're giving her gross food there's a rat there's a rat um she's she's just miserable yep she's being abused horribly a lot of time is passing and she's just like laying on the ground in her cell yes uh and then she notices a little rolled up piece of paper sticking out of a hole in the wall it's the hole that the rat came out of a rat hole and she crawls over and opens it up and it is something that someone has written yeah and this is where we get Valerie's story. Yes. Um, we don't necessarily need to go through it beat by beat. But basically, um, you know, Valerie is someone who uh, was imprisoned here. And this is the only autobiography she'll ever write. I love this. This is the only autobiography that I will ever write. And God, I'm writing it on toilet paper. Rough times. Yes. Um, she explains her childhood in Nottingham. She was born in 1985, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, of course, this the film is set in the near future, near future. to yeah. when it was put out. Um, so, uh, yes, she, you know, she talks about her first girlfriend, whose name was Sarah. Um, the teacher said that they would grow out of this phase. Sarah did. She didn't. Yep. Um, in 2002, she fell in love with a girl named Christina. We see this scene of her coming out and her parents are upset. Uh, yeah. Her mother is crying. Her father is yelling. She's standing there with Chris. Um, she gets kicked out. She gets kicked out of her home. Um, it's all, you know, this is all we... Our integrity sells for so little, but it is all we really have. It is the very last inch of us, but within that inch we are free. Um, cut to... Her, evie being tortured some more yeah really really rough rough stuff they say you know it ends whenever you wanted to just tell us where he is and she says i don't know i was thinking that in 2005 this would have been a very confronting uh depiction of torture for an american cinema audience right one that was grappling with the reality of guantanamo bay exactly yes this, and now it's happening to Natalie Portman, and that's not okay. We don't like seeing this happen to a beautiful white woman. Right. Yeah. That's That seems to be the angle, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes, I think they're quite... Um, something people would have been mindful of while watching the film. I think so. Uh, so back to Valerie's story. Um, she talks about how she always wanted to be an actress, and she was in her first film in 2015 the salt flats and we see this filming she's some sort of country peasant woman right uh she's doing laundry it's filmed like a like a period piece epic which i think is sort of what it is yes it's very sweeping yeah it's beautiful uh she looks lovely and she says this is the most important role of my life uh, because this is how i met ruth ruth looks great this whole scene is like the most romanticized it's, thing. And it is 100% the Wachowski's whole yes. thing. Because Ruth looks great. She's wearing a she's wearing men's wear yep. and a bowler hat. She's very attractive. And it's like just like the most 
grandiose. Yes, they kiss in the you know flapping wind and the, like the, the laundry. Is, the sun is like directly it's, behind them. It's very sappy, but great because it's gay. Yes. <laughs> They're like, let's take the thing that's, like, really silly and make it gay, and then it's good. No, like, I saw this movie when I was, like, 14, and I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing a tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, they, um, you know, she fell in love. They moved to London, uh, and Ruth grew Scarlet Carson's for her. Uh those were the best years of her life, but America's war grew worse and worse and eventually came to London. We don't hear very much about the conflict in America. Yeah. It just, America's tearing itself apart. I mean, I'll, I'll buy yeah. that one. That one, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm not calling any bullshit. Um, I do think, I, I do think though, we, we do have to talk and we can talk more about it later. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about this movie very textually in terms of Brexit. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that actually like clawed back some British level relevance to parts of this movie. Definitely. That it didn't have when it came out. Yeah, well, you know, Britain is just like trying to out America America. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. And it's like the idea that like the terrible war in America eventually came to London and I was like, they sort of hit it first. IRL. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. Very interesting. Um, and then we see like some some news about uh you know Undersecretary for Defense Adam Sutler. Right. Yada yada. Um, after that, there were no more roses, not for anyone. Um, back to Evie being tortured. She is being told by another shadowy man. Um, you know, you won't last much longer. You're going to die here. Why protect someone who doesn't give a shit about you? Right. Um, and she immediately crawls over after he leaves her in the cell and yep. continues reading the letter. This is like what she's living for. Yes. Is to read this. Um, you know, the meaning of words began to change, um, Norse fire and articles of allegiance became powerful, different became dangerous, um. This part is a little too real. They took Ruth while she was out buying food, and we see her abduction. And it's really, really awful. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it wasn't too long until they came for her, and we see her just in her apartment waiting, and they just come, and she yeah. doesn't even fight. Uh, it seems strange that my life should end in such a terrible place. And we see her in Larkhill. And we see that she is the woman that we were yep. tracking. But also her experience is mirroring Evie's in strange ways. Mm -hmm. Her head is being shaved. Yes. She's wearing the same outfit. Yes. Uh, and she says, but for three years I had roses and apologized to no one. I shall die here. Every inch of me shall perish. Every inch but one. An inch. It is small and it is fragile and it is the only thing in the world worth having. We must never lose it or give it away. We must never let them take it from us. I hope that whoever you are, you escape this place. I hope that the world turns and that things get better. But what I hope most of all is that you understand what I mean when I tell you that even though I do not know you and even though I may never meet you, laugh with you, cry with you, or kiss you, I love you with all my heart. I love you, Valerie. And Evie kisses the paper. And I want to know, is that ending part of, of Valerie's letter from the comic? You know, that's a good question. Because it seemed to me, like, in a beautiful way, like the most Wachowski thing ever. Yeah, I don't 
strictly recall. I mean, the Valerie's letter is definitely right. a thing. I'm and gonna, it seemed pretty similar. Yeah, I've got it right here. So let me just... Um, I shall, every inch of me shall perish except one, yada, yada. Oh, so it's similar. Okay, um, she I would says, want to yeah. know what it is. Um, I don't know who you are, whether you are a man or a woman. I may never see you. I will never hug you or cry with you or get drunk with you, but I love you. I hope that you escape this place. I hope the world turns and that things get better and that one day people have roses again. I wish I could kiss you, Valerie. Okay. Similar. It is similar. It's been sort of rewritten. Sure. But the uh, point is basically the same. Yeah. Uh, so, Evie sort of changes. Right. In this moment. Uh, it's it's a really, really touching moment when she yeah. kisses the paper and she's just so moved. Um, so, this, she is um, seated at the interrogation table again. Yep, and same one as before. Something has changed about her. She looks yeah. very peaceful. Um, and she's told that, you know, she's been convicted by special tribunal. And unless she wants to cooperate, she's going to be executed. Do you understand what I'm telling you? She says, yes. He says, are you ready to cooperate? She says, no. Uh, and the man says, very well. Escort Miss Hammond back to her cell. Arrange a detail of six men and take her out behind the chemical shed and shoot her. Uh, and she just doesn't respond. Um, yep. She, we see her waiting in her cell. A man comes to get her. It's time. She says, I'm ready. And he gives her another chance. He says, look, all they want is one little piece of information. Just give them something, anything. Like appealing to her as though this right. man cares what happens to her in right, some way. Right, for some reason. And she says, thank you, but I'd rather die behind the chemical sheds. And he says, then you have no fear anymore. You're completely free. And he walks away with the door open. Which... What? 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 She gets up and she looks out the door and no one is stopping her. And she looks down the corridor and the guard at the end of the hall is a mannequin. What? what? And she and... kind of like taps him like to be sure that this is true. Right. Um, And she finds a door and she exits into the shadow gallery. Ooh. and here's a big thing um and v is there and he's like changed his clothes we see him like kind of straightening himself up Talk like about he's... a quick change yeah <laughs> no kidding um and he says hello evie and she's like you it was you and i kind of like his response he says yeah like right. it's guilty like yeah, he doesn't he it better be yeah like he doesn't you know, I you would expect him to say yes, like right. Unfortunately, so, but he's just like he's almost sheepish, because he just right. says, "Yeah," like that's not like him to say right. "yeah." Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It, it really struck me yep. that that was what he said. Come on, Ham. Hey, get down. All right, now yeah. that's my naughty kitty. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, she's like, you know, it was you. Um. Uh, you know, th that wasn't real. And she asks about Gordon, and he says, I'm sorry, but Mr. Dietrich's dead. I thought they'd arrest him when they found a Quran in his house. I, I thought they'd arrest him, but when they found a Quran in his house, he was executed. 
Jeez. Uh, and she's like, I got, oh God. And he says, you know, fortunately I got to you first. And she's like, oh my God, like you did this. Why did you do this to me? You tortured me. And he said, you said you wanted to live without fear. I wish there had been an easier way, but there wasn't. And Oof. like, gone are his sort of uncertainties. In this right. moment, he, this is the V from the comic who says, this is what has to be done. And I think this is what's striking to me, is that this is not endearing. No, this, because this comes from the comic and they couldn't take this bit out. Sure. This was absolutely necessary to the story, but it doesn't fit with, with the what, good, nice boy V. And it, they sort of try to just take a nice long break and then go back to that afterwards uh-huh. and that's the one part of the movie that i'm not sure really convinces me mm-hmm. like they didn't know what to do with him after he does this mm-hmm. as much like yes. they do their best but it's a surprisingly harsh moment within the context of the rest of this movie right and yeah as i recall at this point in the comic evie does her like you know i, I have to leave thing sure um but He's got a lot of other shit to do. Like, his plan is more elaborate. I see. In the comic, there's a lot more going on with him and the other characters and stuff. Right. So he's, like, busy. Right. Uh, right. But, but no, it's... Yeah, I mean, it is... It's a difficult scene. I mean, it's tough because you can basically understand, like, you know, why he felt like he had to do it. Mm-hmm. Within his own internal logic. But it's definitely more of a moment for V, I, the idea versus V, the, the guy. You know, mm-hmm. V the dude. This version of V. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's just uncomfortable. Right. And, and I th- it's it's only uncomfortable because the movie tries to do the romance thing later. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like if they just hadn't tried to do that and it just made their relationship like more cautious or complicated after this, mm-hmm. I would totally buy it. Yeah, and you know, like, book Evie, she does still like deeply care for him which is understandable but like it's not it's not a romantic relationship it's not and this is the thing too is that like he's an extremely traumatized individual Mm -hmm. and he's trying to put her through the specific type of trauma that he experienced yes which is wrong it's wrong but you can see what his thought process was well and like here's the thing in the comic he specifically does this to turn her into him. Right, because that's a whole idea in the comic that this movie yeah, can't this, really go Yeah, like it, it sort of seems that she's going to then choose to carry on his legacy. Right. But, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there right. to the, like, the train business. Right, right. But, yeah, uh, needless to say, the comic, and I think Moore's work in general, invites you at all times to be critical of the choices that the characters are making. Right. We are not supposed to unquestioningly accept a character as doing the right thing. And so exactly. we are we are expected to look at what V is doing and say, I don't know about that. Right. That's part of the intention of the work. Yes. And part of the, the MO of the author. Yes. The thing that's funny to me is that I think this movie does a perfectly adequate job of communicating that about this particular decision that V makes to uh-huh. put Evie through this stuff. Like, I don't think that the movie is actually glorifying or excusing what he does. Uh-huh. Like, they take pains not to do that. But it... But the problem is yeah. that the Wachowskis don't have that kind of authorial thing that you expect, Right. Right, right. Like, and this, the rest of this movie doesn't have that. 
It doesn't. No, we're just we're the rest of the movie has, especially because we've just been through this whole thing where Gordon is a reasonable man who says and does and thinks all the things that V does. And Gordon and V kind of are a contrast that way. Uh huh. But it's it's difficult because ultimately Gordon can't really help Evie and just is killed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it just it it feels there's friction. There's friction. There's friction. And I think it's funny because this was the one part where I was like, I bet this is from the comic and they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Because it had, like you say, it had to be there. You you cannot adapt V for Vendetta and not have this in. It's crucial. But it feels out of place just for how difficult it is. Yes. And it's like the rest of the movie doesn't really want to be difficult. Yes. Especially with regards to V, who the movie really wants you to like. Yeah. Evie in the book goes through a lot more trauma than just this right she goes through a lot of shit that movie evie doesn't this is the one thing that she gets to do and go through that is like on par with what and it's all comic evie does engineered yes it's which just feels bad yeah it doesn't it's it doesn't entirely work no not for me i think this is like the one part of the movie that doesn't work for me and i think it would have worked without the romance it's like those two things together Uh uh-huh but heads with each other for me i agree i agree but you know he's trying to sort of talk her through it and justify he says you know i'm sorry like i i hated doing this to you but you refused to give in and i had to stay strong and fucking continue to torture you it's sort of a shitty thing for him to say yeah i don't like it it's kind of some gaslighting stuff it is yeah it's like yeah i really hated abusing and torturing you for sure yeah, I'm so sorry that I had to, but you invited me to do this. Like, ew! And it's like, we know that he means it and he doesn't mean it that way. Right. But it's that just he's... a skeevy thing to hear. It doesn't sit right. Yeah. It doesn't sit right. And he's like, you know, I hated myself for doing it. Um, and she's like, you're evil. And, he, and he's like, but, you know, you could have ended it at any time and you didn't. Why didn't you? You know, why didn't you give in? Why didn't you talk? Um, and she's like, I hate you, leave me alone. Yeah, it's and like he's... this un- unfair thing that he's saying to her. Right. Well, I mean, and he's like, he's making his ultimate point. He's right. like, you know, why did this work? Right. Consider for a moment what happened to you in there. And she just doesn't want to admit Yeah, it I cause... hate you. And he's like, yes, hate. I understand. I was there. I went through the exact same thing. And I, you know, I, I had a realization, you know, I, I, you know, something happened to me. Um, the same thing that happened to you in there where right. you came to realize something. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. Um, and then he talks about her dad and I don't much like that. It's, it's very difficult, I think, because like the truth is, I think that he just feels justified in like traumatizing someone else in the same way right. that he went through it to this make some... her understand his point. Right. And in the comic, he does this not only to make her understand his point, but to make her him. Yes. Which is... He is replicating his life experience in order to create a successor. It's so difficult because that's reprehensible. Absolutely. But it's a whole thing. It's a whole other thing. And that's sort of the conversation that's being had. Versus I feel like... This movie is just like trying to get you to like him, trying to get you to like him, trying mm-hmm. to get you to like him, and then he loses me here because mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, that's not right though. No, and it's like don't the do that. First slash only thing he does where I really feel like, hey, that's just not right. You shouldn't have done that. You can't justify that. And, and the movie, and they're just trying so hard. Kind of an anomaly. 
And I almost feel like the movie has him just like try to apologize for it a whole bunch <laughs> in the second half. I didn't like doing it, I promise. Yeah. And he's just like, I promise I'll never lie to you again and all this other stuff. Yes, you know, like, come on. yeah, I, she, yeah, he says, you know, what you felt in there, yada yada, I can't feel anything anymore. She's acting her ass off. Yeah. She's very good. Yeah. She's very good in this. She is. Um, and, you know, she says she can't breathe, she had asthma, um, and he says, you know, this may be the most important, and she's ha- starting to have a panic attack, and right. he starts talking her down from it. He says, you know, think about it, this is the most important moment of your life, they took your parents, they took your brother, they put you in a cell, and they took everything they could take except your life. Um, that, that was all you had left, or was it? And... Um, you know, he says, you found something else. Um, you found something that mattered to you more than your life. You would rather die than, than give in to them. Um, you know, feel, try to feel that feeling again. Try to find that place again. Uh, he's just like fully like brainwashing her. Yeah, sort of Stockholm syndroming her a little bit, which is so weird to me that they went there with it. Yeah. Like, did he need to do that in this version of the story? Yeah, I don't know. But she says, you know, she's dizzy, she needs air. She does start to calm. Yeah. It is working to to talk her down. But it's like the movie wants to almost immediately forget that, like, he did all this to her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, To make a point. (laughs) Yeah, well, not just to make a point, to change her. To change her. To change her. Yeah. And, you know, was it his right to do that? I don't think so. I would say no. But but that, you know, not just to make a point, point. but to... Yeah, to make her into something. Yeah. To do and, something and to And now her. he's kind of trying to make his point yes. about why he did it, which sucks. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's dizzy, she needs air, and he says, you know, he takes her to the, the lift to the roof. Um, and they go up there, and there's a terrible storm outside. Yes. Um, and we are seeing this as the foil to V's moment of fire. Evie yeah. is in the rain. Like it literally just cuts between cuts them. Cuts back and forth and, and she's raising her motion. arms and yeah, he's raising his arms. Um and the rain is falling and, and she says God is in the God rain. God is in the rain, which is what was in was in Valerie's letter. Yeah. yeah. Um and it's it's moving, oh, but yeah. also like Because oh. exactly. you know you love to see herself actualize. Yes. But you hate the reason she had to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yep. so we cut to later, um, V is in the shadow gallery and he's listening to the jukebox and yep. Evie, um, comes up behind him and she is dressed and packed. Yep. Uh, and she tells him that he is leaving. Um, and he's just listening to music. He doesn't acknowledge her. He says, there are 872 songs in here. I've listened to them all, but I've never danced to any of them. You're like, dude, this is not the time. Not the time. Well, because we have to do that. He's in love with her thing, and I don't want. See, them I don't to. like that. I don't want them to. Because it's like, if he actually loved her, he would not have done this. Nope. It's pretty like it shows that he's like too far gone in some way, right? Like, right. And again, Book V is not in love with her. Certainly, he's not. That's how he could do it. Right. Uh, and she's like, "Are you listening?" And he says, "Yeah." And she says, "I can't stay here." And he says, I know, you won't find any more locked doors. And then she tries to give him the note from Valerie saying, like, I wanted to keep it, but then I realized you wrote it. And he says, no, I didn't. Um, I want to show you something. And he takes her to his little shrine to Valerie. And there's posters of, of her. The, the salt, the salt flats. flats. And there's 
Scarlet Carson roses. I don't know where he grows. Yeah, he must have a grow room. Somewhere. Some sure. lights. Um, and, uh, you know, she's beautiful. Did you know her? And he explains, no, I found that letter in my cell and I gave it to you the way that I received it. Um, so it really happened. Um, uh, and so that was sort of the final key. Yes. The truth in the lie. Right. That that made this happen to her. Right. And I feel like she accepts, she accepts it more when she hears about this. Right. It wasn't which is understandable. fully a lie. The thing that she felt with Valerie was true. And, like, the fact that he was specifically, like, replicating his experience. Yes. What you went through is a real thing. Right. And the person who wrote that ha- was a real person. Right. So those parts were real. It didn't have to happen. I imposed it upon you. You're right. But, but it, it was, was a, a real thing. A real thing. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's still bad, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she says that it really happened, didn't it? And um, he says, yes. She says, you were in the cell next to her, and that's what this is all about. You're getting back at them for what they did to her and to you. Uh, and he says, what was done to me created me. It's a basic principle of the universe that every action will create an equal and opposing reaction. Oh, my God. We're in the last Matrix movie again. Oh, no! <laughs> Wachowskis! <laughs> Um, cause and defect. I heard them say that and I was like, Merovingian. (laughs) What are you doing here? Um, she says, is that how you see it? Like an equation. Yeah. And then he says, what was done to me was monstrous. And she says, and they created a monster. She's right. Yep. He's on the hook. And he's like, can't argue. Right. (laughs) Fair play. Right. Um, and so he asks where she's going to go. And she says, no, I don't know. Um, that would have scared me before, but I suppose I should thank you. And she comes up, and she uh, kind of like goes to kiss him, and doesn't. It's weird. It's a weird moment, and she says, "Thank you, goodbye." Okay. Um, and she starts to leave, and he says, well, "May I ask you for something? If I had one wish, it would I would wish to see you again, if only once before the fifth. Um, and she says, "All right," and he says, "Thank you," and she leaves. And this is like, for it to go as far as this, fair enough. Yeah. Like, she's leaving. She's leaving. He's he's not trying to say what he did was right. Uh-huh. She's like, not about it. She's like, I gotta leave. Yeah, it's just that final confession that it's, makes it It makes bad. it cringy. And that is the point in the movie that I got mad when I first yes, saw it. And I totally understand. Yeah. I got a little mad watching it this time. <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. You can't do that after this. Yeah, 14-year-old Ashley knew what was out there. I Yeah, I agree. I Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. I think, like, this much is just, like, I'm fine to have, like, complicated, messed up things happen in a movie. You know? Like... Yeah. I don't feel like it's glorified necessarily. Right. Like it almost is, but they stop just short, thankfully. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I guess I'm fine with it being this kind of weird. But then it's like if you say he was in love with her afterwards. I can't square I can't square that. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. Uh so cut to big face room. (laughs) Yes. Angry John Hurt. Angry John Hurt. Um and uh we've He's got like we got to do a propaganda yes yes well i think it's um uh creedy who's yeah. saying like mm-hmm. you know uh we need to be um you know be prepared for any, any eventuality um 
you know, we're talking about what, what could happen on the 5th. They know the 5th is coming and they right. don't know exactly what's going to happen. So they got to figure out, you know, is it going to be an airborne attack? Right. Um, a separate report has been filed suggesting a train, despite the fact that right. the tunnel surrounding Parliament have been sealed shut. Now, this is interesting because, like, why does Finch think it would be a train? He just has a feeling. He has a feeling. He's got these... All of the things that Finch does in the comic that they don't have time for in the movie... It's just, I felt this. I have a feeling. <laughs> Okay. I mean, the one thing about this is that, like, you know, V says that he needs Finch later, and so we get the sense that Finch is, like, exceptional in some way. Yeah, he's got, he's a psychic. And this is, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is sort of, like, the easy screenwriter way to be, like, he's special. He has feelings about these things. <laughs> yep, I don't know. Um, so, yes, Finch is the one who filed that report, and, yes, no, it was just a feeling. I don't have any evidence at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's literally what he says. Yeah, I don't have any evidence. I just feel like it's probably a train. <laughs> Why a train? Uh, so, um, uh, though I got, I gotta, you gotta love John Hurt's sick burn here. Yeah. Uh, if I am sure of anything, Inspector, it is that this government will not survive if it is to be subject to your feelings. <laughs> Hashtag facts, not feelings. <laughs> Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yada, yada. We need to send a message. A must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. Um, we stand on the edge of oblivion. They need to understand how close we are to chaos. I want everyone to remember why they need us. Clearly, they are scared. Right. You don't got to tell people that hard about things that are true. Exactly. <laughs> so is this when we get the wild news montage? News montage. About in... all the supposed bad things that are happening everywhere else in the world? Yes. In the former United States, civil war continues to devastate the Midwest. Yada yada, water shortage, lack of rainfall. Meanwhile, it's raining a lot in this movie. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, water coupon prices are going to rise, whatever oh. water coupons are. Uh, police have arrested nine suspects. Um, yeah, shit's been going on all summer. Evie's living her life out in the world. She seems to just be watching Count of Monte Cristo on her little tiny television yes, somewhere. Yes, and shopping in markets. Yeah. Um, but she's just anonymous with her black umbrella. Yeah. Um, outside the quarantine zone, a new airborne pathogen has killed 27 people, yada yada. Oh, a V has been linked to the viral attack on St. Mary's 14 years ago. Yeah. Um, back to our investigation boys. Um, and Dominic's friend inside the finger came up with something. Um, there were three men, covert intel, black baggers under Creedy, Alan Percy, Robert Keyes, and William Rookwood. Hmm. Um... The day after the St. Mary's outbreak, um, Percy killed himself, Keyes died in a fire, and Rookwood went missing. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Um, it's and, very suspicious. You know, <laughs> coincidences, eh? Right. And Finch is like, wait, how do I know the name Rookwood? And he looks through his email, <laughs> and right. he has a note from a Rookwood saying, like, hey, meet me. Want to meet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
So, basically, Finch is like, oh, shit, he must have known that we looked him up uh, at the finger. And, you know, what do we do? And Finch is like, I gotta know. Um, and so they go to meet Rookwood at, at the, the, the St. Mary's Memorial. Yeah. And it's creepy as hell. There's, like, just a statue of some children playing. Yeah, it's the Ring Around the Rosie thing. And, and then, like, these just, like, slabs with all the names on it. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, yeah, Memorial and, and it, Dominic's, in like, in like, this like place a, creeps me the like fuck out. In, like, a basement somewhere? Like, where is it? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. Or it, I think it may just be at night. At night outside. It yeah. just looks like a set, I guess. Yeah, it looks like a set. We're not clear Because Rookwood are. is on, like, a bench or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it probably is outside. But it just looks like a set. It looks like a set. Um, but, yeah, Dominic's like, this place fucking creeps me yeah. out. Um, and we see Rookwood, an old blind man. Who is extremely obviously Hugo Weaving. He's obviously Hugo And, of course, like, I think we're kind of meant to know that well, in this film. because he sounds more like Hugo Weaving. Than, than all he's... the other fake voiced Hugo Weavings that yes. we've heard up to this point. Because, like, V's voice does not, you couldn't tell it was Hugo Weaving if you didn't know, I don't think. It's more disguised. Yeah. But this is just Hugo Weaving. Yep. But, but old. Old, blind Hugo Weaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a fake beard. Yep. Yep. Um, and he's like, that's close enough, Inspector. He's, yeah, sitting on a bench. And um, he pulls out one of them scrambling devices. Yeah. And he's like, you know, they're like, you know, we're not wired. And he's like, yeah, well, I have to be careful. Right. Um, you have information for us. And Rookwood says, no, you have all the information. You need the story. And, uh... Finch is like, well, f- stories can be true or false. And Rookwood is like, yeah, well, that's up to you to decide. Uh, and sort of goes through the details. He puts he puts all the pieces in place. Right. You know, young, up-and-coming politician, deeply religious, member of the conservative party. We're talking about Sutler here. Mm-hmm. Uh, single-minded, no regard for political process. Whew. Yeah. That hits. That hits. That, that, hits. that, that one hits. Um, you know, the the more power he attains, the more obvious his zealotry, more aggressive his supporters become. Oh, that hits. I mean, that's just how fascism happens. Exactly. So, um, the party launches a special project in the name of national security, a search for biological weapons, um, but they, but the goal, the true goal was power, hegemonic domination, uh... The and we're project. seeing like flashes of all yes, this stuff we see happening. younger Sutler, yada yada. This uh, ends violently, um, but the efforts of those are not in vain. Um, a new ability to wage war is born from the blood of one of the victims. A virus, uh, the most terrifying virus, and you alone have the cure. Uh, how do you use that weapon? At this point, along comes a spider. Now we move on to Creedy's Creedy. uh, involvement. Um, interesting point here. Uh, in the comic, Creedy at the beginning of the story is not actually in that position. He's not the like head oh, of the finger. Um, there's a guy, Almond. Somebody Almond. Almond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he gets like ousted and creedy takes over part way through oh interesting so they i think they just decided like it makes creedy it would, more sinister yeah. if he's just the the big scary guy from, from the beginning. beginning especially if he's like in charge of like putting this virus out yeah so um but of course that's not a thing in the comic right uh but yeah he's a man without conscience men ends always justify the means 
Um, you don't target an enemy with this disease. You target your own people. Um, the targets were a school, a tube station, and a water treatment plant. Several hundred die within the first few weeks. Um, yada yada, we're seeing this happen. The, the old news uh, right. stories on the, the virus outbreak. And again, this is one of those things that just hits weird to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really does. It feels uncomfy. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't know! Yeah, like you could not... It would It would have been shocking to presume the kind of like lack of empathy that we've seen from people. Yeah. So, yeah. in, in response to virus-related news. Yeah, and then just, you know, the whole conspiracy thing of like, they did it. To their people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it takes you back to a different, a truly, we can say, a different time. A really different time. Uh, Rookwood explains, you know, panic spread quickly. D- the country was divided. True goal comes into view. Um, no one before this crisis could have predicted the results of the election that year. Oh. Uh. God. <laughs> Hello from 2021. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, a miracle happened. Some believe it was the work of God himself. It was a pharmaceutical company controlled by certain party members who put out the cure for this miraculous disease. Just, just. And then I kind of hate this too. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know, y'all. Get, get, get your vaccine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get vaccinated. Uh, not uh, not feels I'm, feels weird to conspiracy theorize about cures for deadly viruses. I yes. don't know. Well, and I mean, what we're evoking here is like 1984, right? The idea of like a government attacking its own people in order to and then being like, "Here's the solution." Concentrate power. Yeah, exactly. It's a thing. Sure. But it's not what happened with COVID. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think it's just because like that's what's on the collective mindset right now. Yes. It's just strange. And I mean, it's tough too, because people even weaponized 1984 for like, Oh yeah. Ill- illegitimate discourse. Yeah. Yeah. I think Prager U has a video about it. It very improbably. The, I mean, it's not too surprising. Yeah. But it just makes this whole sequence a lot. It is a lot. Um, so basically, yes, they, they got a scapegoat. Um, they built a memorial, um, and fear became the ultimate tool of the government, um, and Sutler was appointed High Chancellor. The rest, as they say, is history. Um, and Finch is like, can you prove this? You know, I'd like to, we'd like to take you, uh, take you into protective custody. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, if you want that recording, though, you'll do what I tell you. Put Creedy under 24-hour surveillance, and as soon as I'm secure that you got him under your thumb then i'll contact you bye and he just pieces out uh-huh and they're like oh, well okay. yeah he leaves and they're like wait why didn't what were you waiting for why didn't you come forward and he says i was waiting for you i needed you inspector interesting yeah what does and that mean disappears into the dark hmm. so meanwhile someone else is in the dark right we, we see the surveillance on creedy's uh, greenhouse he grows orchids yeah he's sort of like <laughs> doting over them yeah he makes it creepy yeah it's unsettling because it's him um and then uh the lights go out and some classical music starts up and the 
uh, surveillance guys are like, what's he fucking doing in right. there? Um, but V is there. Yep. And Creedy's like, oh shit. He got a knife. Uh-huh. It just right under his yep. wobbly chin. Yep. And, um... V's like, so Sutler can't trust you anymore, can he? Because you want to swoop in and seize power as soon as possible. Creedy's like, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's like, you know, your your ass is on the line, and so you're going to turn on Sutler the moment you can. He's talking about how he's, like, installed people really close to him. We're yeah. just waiting he, for him to say the word. Yes. Um, I know he's being kept underground for security right. purposes. Um, so, um... You know, I, I, you're, it's, it's going to come down to one of the two of you. Um, so, you know, basically implying, like, I want you to take out Sutler. And Creedy's like, well, what do I get out of it? Um, and V says, me. Oh. Wow. Okay. What a deal. Um, and he gives him a piece of chalk. Yeah. And he says, if you accept, put an X on your front door evoking the imagery Lark Hill, of Lark yeah. Hill. Um, and V's like, or it's, Creedy's like, why should I trust you? And V says, because it's the only way you're ever going to stop me. Uh-huh. Like, gotta say, uh-huh. he's a fucking baller here. Yeah, 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 Like yeah. this, we're back into very good and fun V that I like. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, this whole thing, the whole, the whole torture thing, Ugh. feels like such an anomaly in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it it doesn't in the comic. Because, right. like, the whole time you know that this guy is sort of on morally questionable ground. And the whole time he is quite the stinker. You so know? it's like when the twist drops, you're like, oh, that is the kind of shit That's he That's the kind do. of shit he'd pull. And he still gets to be as clever right. of a boy as he ever was. Because that's, you know... If that's what you like him for, that's not hinging on him being, you know, like morally, morally good. okay. Yeah. He's still a clever and funny boy, regardless of if his motives are appropriate. But I think for him to be, like, endearing yeah. and, like, someone you root for... Yes, that's different. That's yeah. a different feeling. Exactly. You, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too, Wachowskis, and I don't think you got it. No. I don't think you can. sort of the big flaw in this movie. Yeah. You can't have both. But it's like, that's that's clearly we're supposed to enjoy him again here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, frankly, he's just, he's much more of an anti-hero in the comic. Right. And they don't want him to be. I don't think, and, and listen, I think that this is a testament to something good-hearted about the Wachowskis. Yes. I don't think anti-heroes are really their strength. No! <laughs> They're far too earnest. Exactly. <laughs> exactly and that's the thing like i feel like this movie is just like they're playing in territory that's a little harsher than usual for them tarantino they are not yeah they don't have it in their hearts yeah they're too sweet exactly <laughs> they're very sweet so yeah and this is a good thing but it's just a strange here mm-hmm. uh, and he disappears into the darkness yep um, cut to Evie watching the Cannon Monte Cristo. Yeah. It is not my sword, Mondego, but your past that disarmed you. And May we like, come up? You'll find your own tree. And she's like, oh. Oh, I miss him. Um, oh, her tiny, tiny little television. Yes. So, um, back to the investigation boys. Um, and <laughs> I love Dominic says, we get, we got creepy, we got creepy pinned like a butterfly for weeks still no word what's he waiting for um phone call oh it's for you 
um, he gets a call from Captain Clark of the 137th Ward at South End. We found him, Rookwood. Um, turns out he was a John Doe that turned up just a couple days after the other guys died. Oh shit, Rookwood's been dead for two decades. And we get this, like, hilarious, yes. like, zoom in on, like, Rookwood's hat and, and, like, a full face mask. And prosthetic, like, in the shadow gallery. Like, look, it was a costume! Exactly. Like, it's, we knew it was It's a... extremely campy. Like, yeah, we knew it was a costume. Cut back to Finch just throwing a like, tantrum. He's like, god yeah. damn it, it was him the whole fucking time! <laughs> I was eating out of his hand! This is one of the funniest moments in the whole movie, Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. And, and Dominic's like, so what do we do? You're right, exactly. <laughs> And he's like, well, we we're doing what we, what we should have been doing. We have to find him. Right. Uh, back to Big Head Room. <laughs> yep. Yep. Big Angry Face is yep. yelling. Uh, every day brings us closer to November. Every day that man remains free is one more failure. 347 days, 347 failures. Um, oh, we don't have ad- adequate force. Um... And I again more sick burns. Hashtag girl boss. We are being buried beneath the avalanche of your inadequacies, Mister Creedy. That is ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we yeah. There's a a a, a new a new delivery is made. Of parcels. People getting masks. Masks, masks, masks are going out everywhere. Um, And they're like, oh shit. Finch is like, how many went out? Um, You know, several hundred thousand at least. Um, Creedy wants anyone caught with one of those masks arrested. There is a little scene. Oh, what did I miss? Where um, Evie is walking down the street and she sees the girl with the glasses. Right, 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 right. Yes. Um, little girl with glasses is doing a vandalism. Yep. She and runs away when she sees Evie. Yes. Um, probably not recognizing her. No, I think she's just like, oh, I've been caught. Uh, by a person. I've yeah. been caught doing a vandalism right. and runs away, dropping her spray paint. And, and she's she, done half of the, the, the V, v insignia. anarchy insignia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Um, meanwhile, yes, masks are being delivered to everybody. Um, and they're like, you know, se- several hundred thousand went out, Christ, um, you know, arrest anyone with one of those masks. We're seeing some sort of chaos happening. There's somebody using a, a, a Guy Fox mask to commit a robbery. Yeah, and he goes, anarchy in the UK, which yeah. is a bit much. It is a, it is a lot, but you know, he's the kind of guy, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, they're realizing like, oh, the city's gone mad. This is exactly what V wants. He's trying to cause chaos. Chaos. Which feels like comic book V much more right. than movie V. Yeah. That's the thing. I was like, oh, he's actually just having people do random crimes. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing. In the comic, there's this, oh, God, how does he phrase it? Because um, he's he's trying to create the land of, like, do what thou wilt. I see. Um, but, um, but meanwhile, we're in the intermediary stage of uh, the land of take what you can. Ah. And so it's sort of like the... The phases of anarchy. First, it's the chaos. And then the idea is it settles into the sort of harmonious equilibrium. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm like, I'm not totally sure that I buy it, but it's interesting. It is interesting. So that's why this works for, like... Sure. Book V's plan. But it is a little startling in the movie. 
Yeah. I think. And I think in the books, as I recall, like it gets much more wet and wild than we see in the film. We're just like, rather than one guy robbing a convenience store. Yeah, it's like riots and f- just fucking madness in the streets. I mean, it's very interesting because the phrase riot or the word riot or pretty loaded riots, right now. Loaded right now, but also it only shows up in this movie in the propaganda. Right. No one who we're supposed to like uses that term, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting. It's true. It's true. It only shows up, like, in, in this movie's view, calling a, an assembly of people a riot is a propaganda tool. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you know, mm-hmm. even last year, I might have been more down with. And I feel like now it's complicated. It is extremely complicated. Uh, but yeah, in the comics, things get a lot more out of hand right. than we see in the film. But um, yeah, energy in the UK. Um, and we're in a montage now. We're seeing, yeah, all these things happen. And um, Sutler says, you know, Mr. Creedy, I'm holding you personally responsible for this situation. So we know, like, Creedy is 100% ready to turn on Sutler. Yeah, and this, I think this is where Sutler says that, like, or maybe it's later. Mm. No, it's later. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so we, we, yeah, more montage. We go, we get to Finch and Dominic and he says, you know, the problem is he knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why I went to Lark Hill last night. And Dominic's like, what? Right. And he says, He's yeah, like, that's outside the quarantine Yeah, I zone. had to see it. There wasn't much left. Um, I had this feeling right. that everything was connected. Which he said it was a drug trip in the... In yes, the- he takes LSD and goes to Lark Hill <laughs> and has this crazy trip and like his life has changed. Um, but you know, I felt, uh, you know, I felt like I could see the whole thing, one long chain of events that stretched all the way back before Lark Hill. And we're seeing like flashes of like things that happened in the past and things that will happen in the future and things that are happening right now. And it's a wild uh, like confluence of images. It is. It is. We see V being killed. We see, it seems like Evie just like hanging out chilling in somebody's house. It does seem like that. Yeah. There's some guy with her. We can't really see who it is. Mm -mm. I thought it might look like it was Finch, but. Yeah, that would be weird. Exactly. But people have different theories about... Yeah, it's not ever made explicit. No, in any they never way. come back to it. But it's, it's in the part of the future part of the uh-huh. thing. But we see V's fire moment and, mm-hmm. and Evie's rain moment in there too. And uh-huh. We stuff. see everything. Everything. Every, everything in the movie is in those... Like, <laughs> it's seconds. summarized. Yes. Um, um, and, and V is putting down dominoes this whole time. Yes. I gotta say, the, the dominoes in the... Um, comic book are much less elaborate i was very impressed with the they, dominoes they, and... there is the domino thing in the comic this it's like a hugely elaborate domino setup whereas in the comic it's just like dominoes set up in a line to make like the v with the circle around like that's no, all this it is, is like extremely this is serious dominoes it was intense. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of dominoes. It makes a great image, but it also is kind of very funny to contemplate him I doing it. I thought it was funny because I thought this must take a long time. Doesn't he have other things to Does do? Does he have other things to do? You know, it's one thing like in the comic where it almost just seems sort of like it, it, it may not even be literal. Well, see, and at first I thought, is this like just a metaphor for all of the actual quote-unquote domino setting that he's doing in terms mm-hmm. of setting his plan into motion and just a visual metaphor but then he takes that one domino out and it's like changing hands for the rest of the movie 
So you're like, obviously it was real, and he just took the time to do this big yeah, domino it's very design. Silly. It's very silly, yeah. but I love it. Yeah, it's great. But it's, it's very it's silly. It's striking, but it's it's just we like our silly, elaborate melodrama. We like and it's it. It's so funny because there are some parts of this movie that seem so serious to me, mm-hmm. and there are other parts that are just like V making a big domino diagram thing, V smashing a mirror because he's upset. Yeah, there's the whole mirror smash. We yeah, we missed that when she's like, I'm leaving. Yeah. And he does this is big dramatic Phantom of the Opera yeah. mirror smash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it I think that it works. I think that this director makes it work. Yes. But it's 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 a lot. A lot of melodrama. Yeah. Yeah. And like I want that V and I want it to be just that V. <laughs> right. Like, give me one or the other. Right, exactly. Give me one or the other. Yeah. We're both <laughs> in the same movie is a lot. It's a lot. Um, so yeah, and then, um, you know, I, it was all laid out like a perfect pattern. We were all part of it and trapped by it. And Dominic's like, you don't know what's going to happen. And Finch is like, no, it was a feeling. <laughs> yeah. But he uh, does have a guess. Yeah. Uh, with so much chaos, someone will do something stupid. And this is where we see the little girl. She's doing her. Well, she's just running around she's, in the oh, guy's box mask. Yeah. And with a the finger man. On the outside, yeah. Which is like taped onto it. Yeah. Um, and a, a finger man uh, is like chasing after her and shoots her. Yeah, really brutally. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a non brutal way to shoot somebody. But it's depicted brutally. Is yes, what I mean it's to say. really quite um, striking. Given what we've seen in the movie so far, it's horrifying. Yeah, we see the bullet pass through yeah, her body. That's what I. Of course, there's no non-brutal way to shoot someone. <laughs> I just, someone. it's like, he, he we, yeah, it, it sounded the like. It, the way that it's depicted yeah. is shocking. Yes, yes, that's true. You are correct. Um, so, uh, you know, he says yeah, someone will do something stupid and we see like the people on the street, like having witnessed this, like start to gang up and he's like holding up his badge. It's like the whole neighborhood, And they're yeah. just like all advancing on him. Uh, and when they do, things will turn nasty. Um, and then, yes, riots, we see riots begin. And right. we hear in the news, rioters were arrest, uh, arrested in Brixton. Um, yada, yada. You know, the city is starting to burn down. Um, and yeah, I, do, I do feel like that's, like, a pretty judicious thing, the way it's shown. Where mm-hmm. it's like these people are ganging up on this finger man who's who's just murdered an innocent little girl. Yeah, that And feels, then the way that gets reported on is, oh, rioters. It feels really real. Yeah. It feels really, 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 really it, too real. Exactly. The only difference is that it is a white girl. A white girl, yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, a thing. it's very real. Um, and Finch goes on. And a sutler will be forced to do the only thing he knows how to do. At which point, all V needs to do is keep his word. Uh, you know. Uh, so. Um. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, the, the, that's that the end of that scene. And we get the big domino thing. Domino thing. And there's like one domino that like is still standing, and V like plucks it out, and it is representative of. Evie, I, sure. I, I expect. Sure. Um, and so V in the shadow gallery comes out into sort of the main room and sees that Evie is there. Yes. And she is standing at the jukebox. Is a weird little scene in mm. between those two things where, where it's another split diopter shot with Finch where he's just like staring at his alarm clock. Right, right. Oh yeah, it's the morning. That's what yeah. happens. Yes. So he, yeah, he's like been up all night and like yep. his alarm clock goes off 7 a.m. And he, yeah, he says, tonight's your big night. You ready for it? Are we ready for it? All right. Yeah. He can't sleep. Yep. So yes, now um, V comes out and sees Evie at his jukebox. Um, and she says, I missed this song. It's Crimea River again. Yes. 
Uh, and he says, I didn't think you'd come. Um, you know, there's this sort of like awkward exchange yeah. between them. And he's like, so how did you avoid detection? And she's, she has a fake ID. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, he, he had been worried about her. And then she tells the story like, yeah, I was worried for a while. And then I ran into someone from who I knew. The, yeah, from the TV station. And I was so nervous. And she looked me right in the eyes and she didn't recognize me. Yep. Um, she's become a different person. Yep. Uh, and she's kept her head shaved the whole year. It's a good look for yeah, her. Absolutely. Frankly. We can see why she, she mm-hmm. kept it that way. She carries it off. Yeah. Uh, and V says that he has a gift for her, but, um, he w- asks her to dance first. I will say it is very sweet. It is sweet. It I is sweet. I just wish that the... Yeah, the torture thing makes <laughs> it weird. <laughs> yeah, it does. The whole, the whole thing where he tortured her before. That whole bit <laughs> makes it weird. Would be great if not for that. We're never gonna stop talking about that. Yeah, Every just because it's we- it makes it weird. It makes it weird. It sort of makes it a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Mm. So she's like, "What dancing right now?" And he's and he says this lovely line: "A revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having." And so she accepts. Yep. It's sweet. Um, and there is a scene in the comic where they do dance together. Oh. And it's nice. Sure. Um. We'll give them that. Yeah. Uh, so, big angry face. Um, yes. You know, I'm going to speak directly Once to the people. Again. Security of the nation depends on compliance. Uh, you know, anybody that fucks around is going <laughs> to find out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um. And Mr. Dash comes like, yeah, but, um, what if, but we should probably talk about what if he, uh, succeeds and they're like, no, nah, that ain't happening. And he's like, yeah, well, sure. I mean, probably not. But like, what if he does though? And yeah, the chancellor's like, like, yeah, if he does and something like happens to that building, it. the only thing that will change, the only difference it will make is that tomorrow morning, instead of a newspaper, I will be reading Mr. Creedy's re- resignation. <laughs> it's like, okay, we get it. Right. Creedy's going to turn on exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> um, so back to Evie and, and V. They're dancing. They're dancing and, um, you know, they're kind of talking about what's going to happen. You know, you've been busy. Uh, you know, Sutler's going to make a public statement. Um, and, you know, he says, well, it's nearly time. She, she says how uh, good a, an idea the masks were. And it was strange to see him everywhere. Right. Um, right. And he says, conceal me what I am and be my aid for such disguises happily shall become the form of my intent. Mm. And she recognizes that from Twelfth, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Twelfth Night. <laughs> I didn't play while. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, she's like, this is, you know, I don't understand. And he's like, what? Um, and she says, you know, you're the most important, one of the most important things that's ever happened to me. I don't know anything about you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you look like. And she goes to try to take his mask off. Very fan of the opera. And he's like, no, 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 no. no." And, but like. I do really like this bit. Yeah, because he says, there is a face beneath this mask, but it's not me. I'm no more that face than I am the muscles beneath it or the bones beneath them. And I like it, and it feels really trans. I, was, I had the same <laughs> thought. I had the very same thought. Yeah. I yeah. was like, that's what that feels oh, like. he has body dysmorphia. Yeah, exactly. Clearly, he has body dysmorphia yep. from his disfigurement. 
And she's just like, I understand. Ah, you're right. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It just like it's just like not a thing. And yeah. it, and I love it that it's addressed and It's very good. It just That scene is very good. It's good. It's good. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Of course Sometimes. they do. Yeah, they, do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they know what they're doing here. Yes. Um so he says, you know, there's some there isn't much time. I there's something I must give you. Um back to our investigation boys um talking about you know how crazy things are over by parliament um you know tanks infantry uh, makes you wish that no one would show up tonight but what do you think will happen if they do and finch ever the cynic says what usually happens when people without guns stand up to people with guns shit um, and that he tells, um, Dominic to pull over and he takes him to, uh, the underground. Um, and, and Dominic's he, like, you're still doing this? Like, we've, we've looked here. Right. Um, and, uh, meanwhile, um, Evie is being taken down to underground tunnels yep. by V. And she's like, oh, I thought they closed this all down. And he says, yes, they did, uh, but it took nearly 10 years to clear the tracks and lay a bit of my own. Um, and she realizes, uh, she, he, he, like, we see the train, and it's full of... It's, like, full of explosives. Full of explosives. And she realizes where these tracks go, they lead to Parliament. Now it's happening. Right. Now uh, we're blowing up Parliament. Um, and she's like, wow, it's happening. And he says, if you want it to. And he tells her this is his gift to her. Everything that he has is belongs to her now, including the train, and it's her up to her what happens. Very interesting. Yes. Um, and she's like, "Is this a trick?" And he says, "Nope, this is not a trick. Uh, you made me understand that I can't make the choice to pull this lever." Yeah, he says, "You made me realize I was wrong." Yeah, so like that's something. It's some, but that's what I mean. It almost feels like they put this stuff in there to to to, to apologize. Yeah. It's really strange. Yes. Like, it's good, but it's a little odd. Yeah, because I think Bookfee is just like, he meant for this to happen this way. Right. Like, this wasn't something that he changed his mind about. Yeah. This was like... always the plan. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. It's interesting, but yeah. it's sweet what he says to her. Yes. That he's, he's just like, you should decide whether or not to do yes. it. Yes, I, I, I can't be allowed to do that. It's um, sort of like a nice concession that he realizes that, like, he can't just turn her into him. Mm-hmm. She has to find her own path or what have you. Right. And it, a total deviation, but... Yes, very much so. Um, but, but if we're supposed to like him, it makes it better. And yeah, basically the point he makes is like, the world that's going to begin tomorrow is not a world that I can live in. And it's not a world that I can... Sure. ...have an impact on. Like, I need to step away now. Basically he's saying like, time for me to die because and I can't go forward in the world anymore. Like, this is very difficult to me because like, she... Just doesn't want to believe that that's the case. Yeah, she's just but, not like, hearing it. We know that this is true, what he's saying. Yeah. Because he just fully tortured her and all this other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he clearly, he clearly is too, I don't want to say too militant, but like, he's, he's, he can't exist in a, in a world that's about like, building something up, right? He is Edmond Dantes, but the version of Edmond Dantes that cannot choose Mercedes over, over revenge. revenge it's like revenge has consumed him and it's like if that's over like what does he do next yeah he can't move forward through yeah. it edmond Dantes decides to move right. forward he decides to choose mercedes right 
V can't be that. He can't do that. And he's at least, and it's like if somebody does things that are debatable, you at least want them to be self-aware. Yeah. So like this just seems like a self-aware moment for him. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, the revolution wins. What is he going to contribute? What He can't live in that world. He's not made for that world. No. Eh. And, and like, I don't know. It does make me like him better that at least he can admit it. You know? Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, and he puts it explicitly in the terms of uh, Canada Monte Cristo. You know, she's like, wait, no, you don't have to do this. We could leave here together. And he says, no, you were right about what I am. I have no tree waiting for me. All I want, all I deserve is at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. She doesn't want to believe it. You'll find your own tree. Right. <laughs> she doesn't want to believe it, but I feel like we know it's true. What he's saying. Uh-huh. There is something really fucking bleak and tragic about it. Because, yeah. like, frankly, what he's saying is, like, I'm too mentally ill to live. Yeah, from that perspective, it's rough. Yeah. To put it into real life terms, yeah. it's bad. In sort of artistic, philosophical terms, there yeah. is something sort of tragically beautiful about it. But in real life terms, it's just really fucked up. Exactly. But but also, I think what what is emphasized to me about it is less, like, this literal idea of, like, he's so fucked up that he has to die. Mm-hmm. Which is not great. But his philosophy is such that mm-hmm. it, there's only constructive things he can do when the country is in an extremely bad way. Yes, he has nothing to offer. A, a hopeful tomorrow. Yeah. Like, after after he blows up Parliament and, and kills the people who need to die. Mm-hmm. Like... That's all. That's all he was made for. There's, there's no way that he could contribute anything positive to, like, a better new government. Mm-hmm. He's only made to break things down. Yes. And, and it's in, like... frankly, in the comic, that's fine, because he's looking for anarchy. Right. In right. this, that's not really explicitly the goal. Which makes the whole thing rough. Yeah. Because it makes it seem like it's more about, like, he's too damaged to be able to live. Yeah, that is kind of cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Not my favorite. Yeah. Not my favorite, y'all. Yeah. We don't care for it. And especially because it is this drawn out, like, no, this is all I deserve kind of thing. Whereas, like, Book V goes to his death very matter-of-factly. He's just like, well, here it is, my death. Anyway. This is the whole, like, melodrama V thing. Yeah, yeah. Book V is just like, okay, Evie, I'm dying now, so I think I set you up with everything you need. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. No, it's funny, too, because I feel like... In his very sort of melodramatic poor me view in this movie, mm-hmm. he's stopped being a man and he's only an idea. Mm-hmm. And I think I agree with his point that the idea of V will not be relevant after this night. Yes. And in relevant nor useful. Book V accepts that without complaint. He's like, here it is, the end of the line. This is how my philosophy works and this is what I always intended. And movie V feels like he... He doesn't really want it to be true. It just sort of has to be true. And I hate that. Oh, my goodness. He's like, oh, no. My philosophy came back to bite me. Like, I'm not really sure. Like, And then then it's like on her to try to be like, well, we could just run away and all this other stuff. No, I can't find my tree. It's just like this. It's it's this tough thing where it's like he's doing the oh, poor me thing. and, And she's trying to be like. But or no. don't. Yeah. You actually don't have to. And he's yeah. like, no, I do. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Yeah, whereas like, yeah, book Evie is like, wait, wait, don't die. Please let me help you. And he's like, oh, no. No, <laughs> it, don't do that. Right. It'll be okay. 
Well, and this is the strange. This is the strange thing is that again, I feel like the Wachowskis are not about antiheroes. No, they and, can't. And they don't maybe know what to make of the idea that he really isn't like a man anymore. They yeah. Like they have to have her being like the voice of reason, being like, "No, it's not too late for you." Mm-hmm. And and book V is like, "No, it really it is." <laughs> right, right. Which sells it, right? Yeah. Because there's no lamenting about it. Like, she's sad because she doesn't want to let go because she's afraid to be without him. But he's like, no, no, no. This was how it was supposed to be. Unfortunately, lamenting is a very human thing to do. Yes! (laughs) Lamentation. Ideas don't lament. Exactly. So, anyway. The the more that I think about that. Moving forward. Uh, so, yes, yes, mm. he's like, oh, no, I have to go and die, bye, and, and, um, you know, it's this very dramatic, and she's like, that's right. so true, and he's like, I can't, ugh. Yeah, and exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and then we get to, um, you know, we're intercutting a lot of things, we've got, um, the, the High Chancellor's speech, you know, my fellow Englishman, yada, yada, grave and terrible threat, they're patrolling, areas clean, yada, yada, um... We do see in this scene that a lot of the uh, televisions that he's uh, broadcasting the speech to, the rooms are empty. Yes. The pub is empty. Yeah, even no the, one is there. Even the old folks' home. Yes, they've gone somewhere. Where have they gone? <laughs> Especially all the old people in this retirement home. Like, yeah, where, where'd they go? They're, they're, they're just joining in. There. Wow, good for them. Yeah, so... um. We see Creedy and his guys down going down into an underground tunnel, mm-hmm. and um, they're like, "Where is he?" Um, and meanwhile, we're still intercutting with the pre-recorded yep. speech, and um, V steps out and he says, "Penny for the guy," and I <laughs> love it because yep. that's a thing. Uh, yep. Oh, I I have it in fun stuff, so um, I'll explain that line later to those who may not be familiar with the phrase. <laughs> Um, and, you know, yada yada, speechifying. Um, V says, I've kept my side of the bargain, but have you kept yours? Um, and Creedy says, bring him down. Um, and speechifying, speechifying, you know, those caught in violation of curfew, uh, prosecuted as a terrorist, yada yada. Um, a man is dragged down the stairs with a bag over his head. Mm. And V says, I want to see his face. Um, and on the TV, Sutler says, Tonight I give you my most solemn vow that justice will be swift, it will be righteous, and it will be without mercy. Hmm. Bag is lifted, and it's a terrified Sutler. <laughs> because no live TV. No live TV. Um, <laughs> of course it had to be pre-recorded. It was a speech. Um, right. But, yeah, I just love that juxtaposition. Yep. Like, he's basically like, sealing his own exactly. death warrant i exactly. i love it he's like oh god no yeah, he sees v just standing yep. there and he knows this is the fucking end for him yep. um and uh v says at last we finally meet i have something for you chancellor a farewell gift for all the things you've done for the things uh you might have done and for the only thing you have left goodbye chancellor uh, and he tucks a rose into his jacket. Right. And turns and walks. And he says, Mr. Creedy. And Creedy takes out a gun. And, and shoots, shoots him, him through the, the head. head. Yeah. And that's like, V doesn't even do it with those, his own hands. Yeah. And I wonder, is it because he feels that he doesn't have ownership of that death? 
Because because Settler wasn't at Lark Hill? Yeah. That's the difference. Oh, that's very interesting. He kills the others personally, but he does not kill the Chancellor. He doesn't kill Settler. Yeah, I it, I don't know. Because he does kill a lot of, like, guards and policemen and people. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not saying that it's a consistent <laughs> right. logic. But, but maybe, it is conspicuous that maybe he that's doesn't the logic, do it. Or maybe he feels like he just doesn't have to bother because Creedy's willing to. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just Maybe he just feels like it's it's more apt for one, like, sordid, greedy, terrible politician to kill another. Yeah. Than for him to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I just I found feel it like interesting. He has a sense of poetry to, poetry to these things. Yes, it may just, just be for artistic just like, reasons. <laughs> he's just like, it's even better if 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 Creedy does it. Yes, which it is. It is better if Creedy does it. Uh, and Creedy and, is completely ruthless, disgusting. And uh, uh, Finch uh, hears the gunshot yes. and just like takes off running. Yeah, he's towards it. somewhere uh, in the tunnels. Yeah, and uh, you know. Uh, Creedy says, now that it's, that's done with, it's time to have a look at your face. Take off your mask. Envy says, no. Um, uh, and I kind of like, Creedy says, defiant to the end, huh? You won't cry like him, will you? You're not afraid of death. You're like mm. me. And V says, yeah. the only thing you and I have in common, Mr. Creedy, is we are both about to die. Whoa. Chilling. Yeah. It that that line does it for me. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> it works I, that, for me. Yeah, raised my eyebrows too. I was like, "Whoa, what that's, a thing to say!" That's baller. That's the best of V. That's exactly. that's that's just, what we want just from the him. Dialogue in this scene generally is yes. top notch. Um, and yeah, how do you imagine that's gonna happen? V responds with my hands around your neck. He's so uh, scary. Yes, I want him to be scary. Yes. I like him when he's scary. Yes. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know, what are you gonna do? We still at this place. You got nothing, nothing but your bloody knives and your fancy karate gimmicks. <laughs> <laughs> we have funny. guns. Uh, this is why I think it's funny. Where, where it's where it's like this scene is almost like making fun of. People being like, ooh, we have guns. Yeah, yeah. Lots of guns. Right. Um, and and be just busting out the baller lines. No, you have bullets. And the hope <laughs> that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer oh standing. Oh my god. Because if I am, you'll all be dead before you've reloaded. <laughs> this scene <laughs> yeah. is not in the comic. Not remotely. Nothing. I did... This is all Wachowski original. And it's so funny because I felt like I could really tell. Because like, it's so fucking cool. It's, it's like, and, and the whole way the fight scene goes and everything feels like, again, more comic booky than it seems like the comic is. Yes. Well, and here's the thing about Alan Moore. I enjoy a lot of his work. Right. It's seldom cool. It almost seems like it's anti-cool. Yeah. Moore is like, fuck cool. Fuck things being awesome. He's like, what if everything was awkward and uncomfortable? <laughs> bad and you don't like anyone That's, that was the confronting experience of reading watchmen for me yeah. i remember this was like there's no cool moments nothing in is cool no one is cool <laughs> everything is awkward and uncomfortable and gross the coolest thing about v is that he's very witty right that's it right he's witty but in kind of a dorky way. <laughs> right. Some of the, You were talking about like some of the stuff he says in, in, in the book, and I'm like, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. We wouldn't have liked him. Nope. 
Nope. We've nope. just been like, who's this douchebag? It works in a comic in the 80s, and that sure. is the only place it works. Exactly. So, um, yes, there, you know, he says this very cool shit, <laughs> and Grady's like, that's impossible, kill him! And they just unfucking load yeah. all of their guns into yeah. his chest, and he's yeah. flying back, uh, but he's still standing, and he kind of breathes raggedly, yeah. and he stands up, and he says, my turn. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you get the very cool scene, the very cool slow-mo knife scene that you all know and love yeah. would never happen in an Alan Moore comic, <laughs> not in a million years. Again, it's so funny because that feels like the most comic booky thing about mm-hmm. this whole movie. But it's also the most Wachowski thing. That's true. It's deeply Wachowski. In terms of the, just the way it goes down with all that slow-mo and slow-mo stuff. Slow-mo and just like really cool action The way that we see fighting. like the sort of swoop of the knives. Mm-hmm. It's very stylish. Yes. It's yes. very gay. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. There's something deeply homosexual about yeah. the way he kills these men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it has nothing to do with homoeroticism. It's just gay. <laughs> exactly. It's like not the old like knife as phallic imagery No, thing. no, nothing like that. It just... It's because it's camp. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And this is where we get this whole, like, you know, frozen images and stuff, like the blood and all that. Yeah, arcs and swirls and cape and hair, and it's great. We love it. We love it! Um, Yeah, V's wig is, like, whew. Yeah, he has that thing glued to his scalp. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And, you know, they're trying so hard to kill him, and they're just really terrified. He's super-duper scary. And, um... Creedy manages to get his gun reloaded and he's firing at it. He says, die! Why won't you die? Why won't you die? And this is where he says the line, mm-hmm. beneath this mask, there is more than flesh. Beneath this mask, there is an idea, Mr. Creedy, and ideas are bulletproof. And I will tell you, that line in a, is, is in, its, in a certain form does actually exist in the comic. Oh, interesting. That is there. And it is this... associated with V's death. Just um, not in this circumstance. Not in this circumstance. Yeah. Not to Creedy. Creedy's right. not there. Creedy's not involved. It's a right. whole other circumstance. But that is what he says when he is fatally shot. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and he fucking chases down Creedy and up against the fucking and, like, gate. Just fully strangles just, him. Well, he strangles and then him snaps and snaps his neck. Ugh, yeah. It's satisfying. Yeah. It's yeah, satisfying, and absolutely. it's he just it fucking came true. He's like, yeah, exactly. what's gonna happen? He's yeah. gonna shoot me full of bullets. I'm gonna kill everyone, and I'm gonna break your neck. <laughs> yeah, and he was right. And he did it. Uh, yeah. So, um, outside in uh, you know, on the streets, the the military's all set up. Yeah. Uh, you know, perimeter one, White House secure. I won't have this getting more bollocked up than it already mm-hmm. is. Um, and, and he does drop his like plate armor that he has yeah yeah is... it was not made to stop bullets no it was enough to like keep him standing through sheer force of willpower he's struggling now he is completely swiss cheesed yeah. like yeah he's... completely <laughs> yep he's super dead um he uh stumbles back to the to the tunnel where yep. Evie's waiting and she sees you know he falls and he's just fucking bleeding out like crazy and she's like oh my god we have to stop your bleeding oh the scene yeah melodramatic so you know please don't I'm finished and glad of it and that's that's fine that's good sure. I like that and she's yeah. like no don't say that 
And then we get his tearful goodbye. He says, I told you only truth. For 20 years I sought only this day. Nothing else existed until I saw you. Then everything changed. I fell in love with you, Evie, like I no longer believed I could. Why did you torture her? I don't know. And she's like, I don't want you to die. And he says, that's the most beautiful thing you could have ever given me. And then he died. Eh, 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 yeah, eh, I wish I felt more about it. Yeah. It reminded me, it was like, it's like the bad version of Trinity's death scene. In, right, in because it's, it doesn't, it doesn't it, it belong. It doesn't belong. No. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. Um, it's very much like the Wachowskis are like trying to do a very emotional romantic death scene. And I just, I just also have to say, I just also have to say. Though the age gap is not as severe as it is in the comic, there's still a significant age gap between these two people because yeah. he's got to be middle-aged. It's true because we know that when he was in Lark Hill, she he was, was an adult man. And she was a child. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. She's definitely in her 20s. It's just just a weird romance to do. Like, he's barely a human man <laughs> also. I know. Honestly, though, I gotta say, like, it's very interesting when you've, in this case, actually out Alan Moore Alan Moore. God. Because he would do that age gap. He would have no problem with doing that age See, gap. See, that's the st- thing is that, like, Alan Moore has some creepy... Like, like Evie is having sex with at least one adult man in the comic, right? Oh, yes, she very does. Uh-huh. Is Alan Moore cringy that way? Yes, oh, yeah. He, like... In, it happens in Watchmen, too. It happens in Watchmen. We get... I mean, you know, we he likes to pair pretty young women up with... Older men. Older men or monstrous men in some way. Yeah. You know, we've got... I mean, in it, 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 the context is a little different in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mina sure. and Alan Quartermain, you know. Right. She's a vampire, so sure. power dynamics are different right. at that point. Right. But, like, like, we've got a beautiful young woman and this old craggy man. Right. Uh, swamp thing, beautiful woman, awful swamp monster. Yeah. Like, and, of course, we, we're fine with the monster fucking. We like yes. a monster fucker. Absolutely. But it just, it carries, you know. This is a thing that he does over and over Part and over. Part of a pattern, yeah. And yet he doesn't do that here. And they went for a romance. Because I guess they thought stay. that there needed to be one. Yeah. Well, and I was saying earlier, like, maybe they thought, or maybe the studio was like, you can only have gay people in this movie if there's a straight romance in it. Yeah. I don't know. Literally, I feel like it squares for me because he dies, and it's not like they quote-unquote end up together. Yeah. There's no actual contact between them in any way. Like, she kisses his mask at one point, and that's whatever. That's whatever. But, like, yeah. 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 Meh. It's, anyway. It's, the, the relationship between them is romanticized more than is comfortable. Yes. But we are nearing the end. Yes. So let's get done with this. Um, so, you know, back out on the streets, um, eyes and ears have detected movement heading to Trafalgar Square. Uh, perimeter one, we may have enemy contact. Um, and meanwhile, Finch finally... <laughs> Right. Finds his way over to where Took anything is happening. Took him a long time. Just wandering around in these tunnels. Yeah. He's very lost. I've been in the underground tunnels. They're complicated. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he uh, hasn't slept in a long time. He hasn't slept in a long time. He's never been down here. It's fine. Uh, flashing back to Mimic. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But he, like, uh, sees Evie standing in the train. She has set up a beautiful Viking funeral yeah. for him with, with roses. Yeah. Um, it's funny, in the comic he explicitly asks for a Viking funeral. 
in the movie she just goes ahead and does it she's just like this seems right this is appropriate i know this man yeah (laughs) um and so finch sees her like at the controls of the train and he's like wait hold on oh god you're evie hammond um it's amazing that he recognizes her but i guess context clues (laughs) who else is she gonna be (laughs) context clues um yeah and, you know, he says, then it's over. And she says, almost. And she's got her hand on the lever. And he's like, stop, don't pull that. Uh, get your hand off that lever. And she says, no. Um, This is another case of her being yeah. faced with death. And she says, no, I'm going to do what I believe in. I don't care what your threats are. Right. Um, It's real now. Yeah. Uh, and outside on the street, we see some Guy Fox mask yeah. action. And then a crowd. And then, oh, it's everyone. Everyone's everyone. here. Everyone's here. Uh, just marching through Trafalgar Square. Uh, and yep. the the army is like, um, what do we do? Uh, General, yeah. what do we do? This is what's so funny to me. Like, this feels slightly naive to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, they're just like, we don't have any orders. Yeah. Better let them just do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these days that doesn't feel super honest. It's interesting because it makes it seem like this, like, militarized police is a totally passive force who don't feel one way or the other about what's happening. Yeah, we know now that that's not strictly likely. Yeah, like, they would they would have feelings about this, probably. Probably. They At very least, they'd panic and do something. Something, by just being, like, swamped with people. Yeah, but nope, they just, nope, yeah, just like, there no, no response from command or from party leader Creedy or from the chancellor. Just no one's here no anymore. No one's here. They're all dead. Everyone's dead. What do we do? Oh, no. Uh, and pe- they're just being flooded. Yeah. Just flooded. Uh, peacefully. Yeah. They just march. They just the walk sort of through. Improbable thing. Yeah. No violence happens here. On either side, which is like crazy. They just walk. They're just walking through. They're, uh, just, they're sort of like, hi. Hi, person with, with gigantic assault rifle. I'm just going to climb over this just, barrier. Just going to pass through. Don't mind me. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, just going to squeeze yeah, by you exactly. here. <laughs> hmm. uh, back down at the train. Um, Finch is like, why are you doing this? Um, she says, because he was right. Uh, Finch says, about what? She says, that this country needs more than a building right now. It needs hope. Um, up up top, people they're like, "Oh my God, stand down!" Uh, what it, what it, what it's everyone. Yeah, it's literally everyone in the whole of London is here, and they're wearing a Guy Fox mask. So they're like, "Better just do nothing." Stand down. Um, and the the bells chime midnight, and Evie says, "It's time." Tell me, do you like music, Mister Finch? Uh, and she she's, yeah, she lever. sends the train off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they, they go up and, uh, do they go up? They, they, they're watching it yeah, happen. Yes. They go out and. They get out like pretty fast yeah. from wherever they are. She's got a way. Sure. <laughs> There's an access yeah. tube. Sure. I don't know, but they get out and, um, uh, we hear the 18th overture. overture and he says that music. And she says, yes, his music. Um, and he asks, who was he? And she's got a nice little ending speech. Yeah. And then Parliament explodes. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and she says, he was Edmund Dantes, and he was my father and my mother, my brother, my friend. He was you and me. 
he was all of us. Meanwhile, we are seeing as Parliament is exploding, the uh, people, the, the mob is taking off their masks, and we see, you know, first people that we've seen right. before around London, and then we see people who have died. Yeah. Uh, everyone is there somehow magically represented. Little, little, little girl with the, the little glasses. The little girl with the glasses, Ruth and, and, and Valerie. Valerie. And, 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 and Gordon is there. Yeah, Gordon is there. Whoa. Yeah, so everyone. They, you Everybody, know, they, yeah. This stands for everyone. This is justice for everyone. This is hope for everyone, for everyone that was hurt. And she says, no one will ever forget that night and what it meant for this country but I will never forget the man and what he meant to me because we had to do that thing. I'll never forget how he tortured me. <laughs> the end. So. And a uh, couple weird things. There are sound bites from Malcolm X speeches. And, yeah. And Gloria Steinem in, in the credits. That is interesting. Yes. I thought the Malcolm X thing was funny because this is an extremely white movie. It is. Like, I think, like, everyone on screen is, like, very white. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's funny. Like, maybe it's just because, well, everyone in the comic is white. Oh, fair enough. Everyone but this movie is, is not close to the comic. Okay, okay but here's, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the reason why. Because all the non-white people got taken away. Also true. This is not it is, it is it is unsettling that way that they all got disappeared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the people who aren't white got disappeared. It, it's 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 textual. The reason. That is that is a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. But it does make the inclusion of Malcolm X sound bites stand out. Yeah. Because he's talking about revolution from the perspective of race, which is not something that is a thing in this film. No. There's no one there to represent that. Yeah. <laughs> no one left. Yeah. And then Gloria Steinem is talking, and that's interesting, too. And, you know, the comic does address race more. Sure. Um, when when Finch is on his drug trip, he, like, has this vision of being surrounded by people of color and being like, my God, you know, they're all so beautiful, all these people with these, you know, beautiful different skin tones, and, like... And it's something that he's, like, not seen before. Yeah, he's, like, overwhelmed by the, the amazing beauty of all of these different-looking people that he's never That's seen. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm sort of sad that isn't in the film. Yeah. Because I feel like the film, like, it it talks about Islamophobia, which is good that okay. it does that. Yeah. And it... it sticks out as something good that they were doing at that time mm -hmm. but also comes up in matrix revolutions but like in terms of like the lark hill prisoners like and so on and so forth the emphasis is more on like queer people yes which like which is personal concern of yeah, the filmmakers exactly yeah totally and like under discussed yes element of talking about fascism and and, and yeah the, the the holocaust exactly. and all of that yeah absolutely uh, so, you know, I get it. Like, yeah. they just, they were, they were doing their thing about it. Exactly. They were doing their thing about it. So, yeah, speaking of which, let's talk about, um, gay and politics. Yes. There's, there's textual gay characters in uh -huh. this movie. Textual gay characters and, like, you know, not just, you know, Ruth and Valerie and Gordon, and Gordon. but, like, we see other people and sort yeah. of they're getting got and stuff. Yeah. We see some men who are taken away. Right. And so, like, that's cool. Yeah. That they just wanted to be like, hey, guess what? 
hate crimes are bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... Let's just take a little time to talk about how hate crimes are bad. No, and it's very interesting because, like, you know, I was, like, a teen when I saw this movie mm-hmm. and grew up in, like, a very homophobic environment mm-hmm. that I, I think only really mostly questioned as it possibly pertained to me. Mm-hmm. So this movie was eye-opening for me in that sense because Hmm. that wasn't stuff that i had been told about or learned about and i was like oh this shit can happen you know right and it was scary (laughs) it is scary it's very scary but but i feel like it it prompted me as a young impressionable person to think about stuff like that and that's great that it can do that for somebody like i'm sure that there were a lot of young people who had that experience when they watched it not and everybody it, it, just brushed off the actual political yeah. messages. Some people definitely did. Yes. But not everybody. Not everybody. It was important to me yeah. for that reason. Yes, and I'm and, sure And as it pertains to self-actualization and stuff of that nature, because I was not seeing movies where lesbians were depicted positively. They're so positively depicted. It's the most romantic thing I've ever seen. Exactly. And then they die, and it's like, oh. Oh, no. Don't but be it helps, it helps you realize things. Yeah. That, like, that is a beautiful thing, and the people who try to take it away are monsters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, I mean, like, unfortunately, I feel like there is there are environments, like, if you are growing up in a homophobic environment, mm-hmm. especially, there's, like, this idea that, that, that spreading that viewpoint is innocuous or a fair game in some way to do. Mm-hmm. And this pushes back hard against that, like few other movies do. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's clearly deeply personal exactly to the writers of the film exactly so that's the the gay content definitely gay content and, um, and the trans symbolism we talked about with yes v, which yeah, is very being like hey guess what my body is not me yeah oh cool yeah and it's like yeah cool and it's right. like there's almost not that much to say about it because it's just like there and it's yeah. cool that they said it it's great um, so, uh, a couple of things I want to mention. Um, so, we've got the great um, line, a revolution uh, the, about, like, uh, revolution and dancing and yeah. stuff. Um, a, a revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having. Um, and it's sort of a paraphrase of American uh, anarcho-feminist Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman. Yes. One of my favorite historical figures of all time. Yeah. Uh, in her autobiography, Living My Life. Um, there is a line uh, attributed to her, if I can't dance to it, it's not my revolution. Yeah. Good on the Wachowskis for quoting Emma Goldman in this movie. Yeah, the, so that quote is not, is, is, it's it not is, actually a direct quote, but it's sort of a distillation that, that has right. gone around. That's It's like, sort of, it's a, it's a paraphrase right. of her sentiment. Good enough. Good enough! Um, clearly good. it's a reference. Very good, Clearly yeah. it's a reference being made. Um, I mean, V, you know, he quote. Yeah. He, he, he do that. He, he quotes. Um, okay. Let's talk about Guy Fox. Let's talk about Guy Fox. Because, like, American audiences particularly may not be super familiar with who this cat was. Right. I mean, it's, it's very interesting because I think I was only familiar with him in terms of, like, like, British TV talking about Guy Fox Day. Yes. And burning the guy and all burning of that Burning the guy. Stuff. That's where that... So... Penny for the guy. Right. So, yeah. Traditionally, children go around town um, soliciting Penny for the guy. They're raising money for the bonfire to burn burn Guy Fox in in effigy. effigy. (laughs) It's a little deranged that that's just like a British holiday. It is. I will say, um, a couple years ago, I was in London on bonfire night, saw no festivities. 
interesting. I don't know if they were happening so elsewhere. Really anymore, I don't possibly. know. I don't know if they were happening elsewhere or what was going on, but I saw hide nor hair of any kind of huh. festivity happening. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just was in the wrong neighborhood. Right. I was in Whitechapel. Hmm. Very, very interesting. I don't know. If, but, if if uh, any of if we have any uh, podcast listeners in the UK, tell us what your bonfire night situation is. Yeah, I want to know if you do know. it. Does it still happen? Yeah, is it a thing? They do it on Sherlock. Right. I was <laughs> going to say on British TV, it seems ubiquitous to me. So that's why I was kind of like, oh no, where's no bonfires, no nothing. Like really? I mean, maybe it's just because I was in Whitechapel. I don't know. Either Probably. that or British TV lied to you. Maybe either could be true. Both exactly. could be true. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but okay quick primer on Guy Vox. So, the gunpowder plot happened in 1605. Basically, Protestants v. Catholics. Sure. Big problem at the time. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, the, the monarch in England at the time was James I. Right. Uh, and he was a Protestant monarch. And under his uh, reign, Catholics were hugely... Uh, disadvantaged, they were discriminated against, right. Catholics were second-class citizens. And so some folks um, under the uh, sort of purview of a, 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 ma- a mastermind named Robert Catesby tried to um, basically assassinate uh, James I, uh, his family, and like basically the entire Protestant aristocracy Sure. By attempting to blow up the Houses of Parliament while they were all going to be there. Right. Uh, he So Guy Fox was the person charged with taking all the gunpowder down underneath Parliament to get ready to blow it up. But he was intercepted and apprehended and the plot failed. Yep. So it's an interesting thing to evoke. I mean, of course, you know, that James I was... Good God, not yeah. not a just ruler. Right, he was pretty monstrous. He was a bad dude. But it is interesting that it was like a religious. It was motivated... a religious conflict, yeah. and of course, every fucking conflict in that time in was yeah. European history was religiously motivated. Right, it's Europe. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> what else did they have? Yeah, that's all they were mad about. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it is kind of interesting that like. Uh, to some degree, of course, the Catholics were looking for freedom, but they were looking for freedom to be in charge of the religion. It's not like they were like, yeah, everybody, let's just do what we, whatever you want to do. And it's not like Catholics have, like like the Catholic Church as a body, I should say, mm-hmm. has no history of authoritarianism. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, you so, know. Hmm. Hmm, hmm. I mean, it's a, Guy Fawkes, especially for an English person right. is a useful icon for right. revolution, for you know the the clearly maybe, maybe not anarchy necessarily not anarchy, but you know for you know taking down people in power. Sure. Uh, and this was Alan Moore's logic. Yes, and it works. You know, it's not like a one to one metaphor, right? But it's a useful shorthand. Exactly. It works. It does. What, the, if you didn't have more to say about Guy Fawkes. Um, sort of. Yes. Do you want to hear the full bonfire prayer rhyme that the 5th, 5th of November thing comes from? Let's hear it. 
it's, it's a bit long, but remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder treason and plot. I see no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fox, Guy Fox, twas his intent to blow up the king and the parliament. Three score barrels of powder below, poor old England to overthrow. By God's providence, he was catched with a dark lantern and burning match. Hello, boys, hello, boys, make the bells ring. Hello, boys, hello, boys, God save the king. Hip, hip, hurrah, a petty loaf to feed the pope, a farthing of cheese to choke him, a pint of beer to rinse it down, a faggot of sticks to burn him. Burn him in a tub of tar, burn him like a blazing star, burn his body from his head, then we'll say old pope is dead. Hip, hip, hurrah, hip, hip, hurrah. That is, it's very deeply anti-Catholic. I was going to say that's extremely violently anti-Catholic. <laughs> I did not know that about that rhyme. I would, oh, yeah. some, some of the rhymes are good, though. Yeah, it's pretty fun. But it's also interesting how the movie repurposes that, uh, that the right. first Well, part. and the, 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 the comic, comic as too. well. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, Guy Fox. Guy Fox was his intent to blow up the king in the parliament. That's too that good. One. That's too good. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue real yeah, nice. It's, it's real good. Yeah. This is like, this would be something that like children would sing or whatever. Yeah, they actually still recite it um, at like bonfire night celebrations, apparently. Including the choking and killing the, burning the Pope thing? Yes, yes. Uh, in, in, in Sussex. Wow. They do that one in Sussex. Okay. Okay, Sussex. <laughs> yeah. Go off, I guess. I guess. You know, it's <clears throat> tradition. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Huh. Yeah. So you were going to say. I was doing a little bit of reading about the use of the Guy Fox mask in modern day protesting. Mm-hmm. And, and Anonymous. Anarch- yes. And I feel like, you know, to some degree it's very frustrating because it's an example of people maybe taking the iconography and not thinking about it. or Red using it for- Yeah, it's that again. In this case, it's especially funny to me. Mm-hmm. What I was reading was that apparently... Hundreds of thousands of Guy Fox masks are sold every year, mm-hmm. which isn't, I guess, too surprising. Right. And it's been the case for like, since the movie came out, which is funny to me. Yeah. More, more money has been made selling Guy Fox, Fox masks than this movie made. <laughs> but you must think somebody must be making money from that. Mm-hmm. Do you know who it is? Oh, tell me. Warner Brothers. <laughs> because of the V for Vendetta film. Warner Brothers owns the trademark for that image mm-hmm. of that Guy Fox mask. Right. So whenever anybody buys one, Warner Brothers makes some money. I'm pretty sure I used to have one. <laughs> that money went to Warner Brothers. It is just funny to think about protesters. Mm-hmm. Specifically people who are protesting like institutions. Yes. Like capitalist institutions, right? Giving their money to Warner Brothers to wear the the Guy Fox mask. It's ironic. It's pretty funny to me. Yeah. The the sad thing, of course, and I guess like the reason why I really do enjoy this movie, and I feel like I enjoy it for what it is saying. Mm-hmm. But like the fucking capital rioters were wearing them. Y'all don't know. Like, Y'all don't what do you, know. What do you do at that point? Yeah. What do you do with that information? Yeah, that's, that's, you know, cultural illiteracy. Exactly. It really is. It is. Yeah. But also, I do think that in terms of this movie having aged well, mm-hmm. the Brexit thing is real. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing about it is, you know, it, it is, it, it, rather than being about anarchy versus fascism, 
they've made it a story about like neoliberalism versus neoconservatism. Basically, yeah. Uh, and... And the idea of, like, isolating the country through fear. Yeah. And certainly that is something that's really been happening and popping off in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, since whenever. Bush era in particular, though. Right. Um, and, uh, has sort of hopped over to to Britain as well. And been a really big deal over there and the whole Brexit thing. Yeah. Is related to that. Yeah. Exactly. So it has, it has valuable stuff to say. It's the whole virus thing that unfortunately dates it. Ooh, boy, do it. Um, hey, so, fun thing. Yes. I mean, not actually, this isn't in the fun stuff stuff. I, I wanted oh, to put it in the God. politics for that reason. Um, interesting thing. So, the Norse fire party symbol. We've yeah. We talked about it at the very beginning. Yeah. So, that is actually, that, that sort of iconography does come from a real heraldic symbol called the... Uh, Croix de Lorraine, uh, the the cross of Lorraine, which is a cross that has two crossbars at the top um, rather than just the one, um, which has been used many times throughout history. Um, It it was a symbol of the uh, French Free Forces between 1940 and 1944, different political parties in France. But I think that it was a really... So it's just sort of an innocuous, you know, heraldic symbol that's been used a lot. Is it sort of like the appropriation of the swastika? I think that it can function in that way. Yeah. And I think that also just sort of the the look of it does evoke the um, flag of England. True. Which is a red cross on a white field. Right. And so it just feels sort of like a weird distortion of that. Yeah, and it also could feel like... like a religious distortion as well. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of Since interesting. It is a cross. Yes, yeah. there's interesting things going on in there. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a thoughtful choice. I don't know who that yeah. idea came from. Like whether it's a script choice or a design choice or what. Or yeah, who 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 that one right. came from? But I like it. Um, and also, so we talked about the the um the sculpture. Yes. The the ring around the rosy sculpture. So it's a copy of um. A, uh, a fountain that's in Stalingrad, um, which, uh, like, survived World War II bombings and stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, but it's actually based on, like, a real monument that exists. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm, this is maybe inflammatory, but I'm let's, glad that. Let's be inflammatory. I'm, I'm glad that the Wachowskis put little nods to uh stalinist uh russia and the ussr yeah to, to show that they're not fucking tankies right <laughs> they aren't they aren't let's let's be inflammatory i mean like you could probably tell because they seem nice but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah are you ready for fun stuff let's do fun stuff <laughs> Okay, so, you remember the beginning of the movie where we see Guy Fawkes' execution? Yeah. That didn't happen! Wait, Guy Fawkes was not actually hanged because when he was gonna be hanged, he fell off the scaffold and died. Wait, no. <laughs> he was supposed to be hung, drawn, and quartered, but he fell off the scaffold and broke his neck. No. And so escaped that. No. Yes! This is, I feel so bad to laugh at that because it's know. a real historical death. But he didn't. But what well, if, you know, he was going to die anyway. And sure. this was not as bad as what was going to happen to him. 
<laughs> he God. fell off the scaffold and broke his neck. I can't with that. Well, that was that a real thing that really happened? Imagine if that had happened at the beginning of this movie. People would have lost. People would have lost their minds. Yeah. Oh, cannot even with it. It's pretty funny. Uh, so um, we mentioned there were a lot of great um, paintings in the shadow gallery. Yes. Um, I mentioned the Arnolfini wedding, but we've got um, Waterhouse's Lady of Shalott. We've got an Edvard Munch. We've got um, Titian's uh, Bacchus and Ariadne. We've got William Blake's Elohim Creating Adam. Like, there's... Just a lot of extremely legit artwork. Real good shit in there. It must have been expensive, because you have to actually, like, license famous art oftentimes to appear it, in films. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, certainly those things are in the public domain. Those Sometimes, are... apparently... I remember researching this actually for a short film project that mm. I was considering doing years ago that didn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Apparently certain artworks, maybe ones that are not that old, mm-hmm. but at least like ones that are really famous are often owned by somebody mm. who has to give you permission. Like even if it's a museum or something. Interesting. To use the imagery in a film. Huh. Isn't that strange? Yeah. I don't know if it's true for all of these, but with a lot of famous art, apparently you do have to get permission to use it. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is quite old. William Blake, less so. But, right. And Waterhouse, less so. Yeah, Mook, I guess that's pretty new. But like Titian and Van Eyck, those, probably those no. are probably free to probably use. Probably no. I think it's mostly stuff from like, I don't know, the last couple centuries. Mm-hmm. So like Mook might be included in there. Probably. But I don't know. The, the person I remember uh, it applying to was Surratt. Apparently his works are owned by somebody who you have to get permission from. Funny. Which makes it wild that Sunday in the Park with George exists as a musical. It does. Maybe <laughs> it's just not that expensive. Maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. People can get it as a postcard or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, our beloved domino scene. Yes. 20, Don't tell me they did it for real. 22,000 dominoes. Oh my I god. I mean, here's the thing. It was, it was 2005. Like, what are they going to do? CG? Absolutely not. I sort not. of assumed that they had. It wouldn't have looked right. It wouldn't have looked real yeah, in 2005. You're, you're they right. wouldn't have been able to do it. That's wild. Yeah. They did try harder back then to make things look like not CGI. It took four professional domino assemblers 200 hours to set it up. Where'd so you get that time, V? What? Didn't you have better things to do? Yeah. Four <sighs> pros took 200 hours. Maybe he's just doing that all year, like one domino every day or something. <laughs> I just hope there aren't any earthquakes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, just start, start over. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> and then you gotta hope it falls right. And then just, oh my god. Yep. So, um, for the scene, when V emerges from Lark Hill, stunt double Chad Stahelski literally walked through fire. Oh, no. He wore special fire-resistant gel and a G-string. Great. <laughs> I thought he looked pretty naked. He's very naked, was, actually, and he's th- really real. This is just totally my own pedantic thing, but do you know what I thought of this time watching the movie? Mm. I was like, how did he get Valerie's letter out of Lark Hill after it, it exploded? Maybe he stashed it somewhere safe and came back for it. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, like, he seems pretty naked. I was like, maybe yeah. he put it up his butt or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. 
It's made of toilet, toilet paper. paper. Would survive? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, he probably just stuck it somewhere. Stuck it somewhere, came back. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to worry about, about it. No, I, it doesn't uh, matter, but it was a funny thought. It that is I had. a funny thought. And I saw something funny in the credits that I was going to tell you about. Yeah. This fun thing. And it pertains to what you just said. Leonora's own fun thing. I know. I know going above and beyond or something. <laughs> but I saw, I didn't know about Chad Stahelski, but it makes sense. Yeah. But the other V stunt double listed in the credits is David Leach, the director of Atomic Blonde oh. and Deadpool 2. Whoa! And uncredited co-director of John Wick. With Chad Stahelski, who is the John Wick director now. They were both stunt people who worked on The Matrix. Fun stuff. Isn't that fun? I saw his name and I was like, he's a director. What's he doing there? But he was a stuntman He was, he was a regular stuntman for the Wachowski projects. That's cool. They're cool people and they worked on cool shit. They're, exactly. I like these guys. And, and it leads to funny things like remembering that in like 2017 or 2018 or somewhere around there, Chad Stahelski, I think it was accidentally leaked the news of the matrix four happening <laughs> Chad, because lana had just told him about it oh and he was just like lana said they're doing matrix four and, and then he was he had to take it back and then like a year later it was announced oh Chad. <laughs> you want to hear what he went through though to shoot this no i was i want to hear yeah Tell so me. yeah yeah fire resistant gel g-string um and then they had to lower his body temperature before the scene was shot and just by luck it was three degrees below zero the night of the shoot. Oh Lucky God. Chad. Oh, my um, God. So 15 minutes before a take, because, of course, they had to do multiple takes. Sure. Um, he would put on ice-cold, flame-resistant clothing um, and then took them off, got covered with gel, which had been icing all day long. So he just, like, fucking walked through fire. Did they, did they like, CGI his look afterwards, do you I think? I mean, they probably touched it up. Because he looks all burned and stuff. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm not sure. But he's mostly in silhouette, I guess. Yeah, you don't see a lot of him. Yeah. Maybe it's just psychologically you're tricked into thinking he looks like he's got a full body burn. But, yeah, because you can't see much of him. It's true. Uh, it's, it's, but man, what a great shot. Like, yeah. absolutely psychotic that they did that. They use it like ten times over the course of the movie. They should. They, they knew what they had. Yeah, they needed to. They are like, make it count. Yep. <laughs> God. So, um. That's intense. Good for him. They actually, you know, sh did, like, film around Parliament and the Clock Tower Big Ben. Um, I read something, and I don't know if this is what you're going to tell me, that mm -hmm. there were rumors that they had help from Tony Blair's son. Yeah, there. I was reading about that as well. Uh, it seemed really convoluted. Yeah, I kind of skimmed like, it. Yeah, like he, they knew him, and he pulled some strings. Someone else denied yeah. that it happened. But um, they had to. So they they did the shoot uh, from midnight to four thirty a.m. And they could only stop traffic for four minutes at a time. Oh no! So they shot this for four and a half hours, four minutes at a time. Was this with the big crowd and everything, or did they do that elsewhere later? That the crowd was Trafalgar Square. Okay. Uh but I'm not. Yeah, but there was some shooting that they had to do near the probably probably the, with the military the people military, and all that yeah. stuff, where you can see the building in the background mm -hmm. and the dudes just like talking and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it just wouldn't have worked to have cars driving by. No. <laughs> Barely see. I don't even think we see, a, like, a car in this movie. Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot of cars. Uh, so, originally cast, we're doing this a little early, originally cast mm. as V was uh, James Purefoy. 
I read about this too. He quit, didn't he? Or four he was... days into filming. No, four weeks. Four, days. four weeks. Four weeks into filming, he quit and was replaced by Hugo Weaving. So they had already filmed some stuff with him. Did they have to reshoot all that stuff? They or did they just... didn't because he's in a mask. So I see, that's what I was wondering. I always wonder whenever there's a character, you know, be it Deadpool or whoever, or V or whoever, who's mm-hmm. mostly usually in a mask. I was wondering, is it really the person? It is, but sometimes it's James Purefoy. <laughs> so he does, I guess, deserve some credit for the movement. He does. He does. Um, and they just dubbed weaving over him in post for those scenes but sure. they had to dub over the whole thing because he couldn't talk through the yeah. mask probably would have um, sounded silly in an interview uh mcteague was asked about that situation of like wit you know purefoy Ooh, versus weaving what he say he said can i tell the difference yeah can <laughs> the audience tell I doubt it. No, I I wouldn't. Be I able wouldn't to. know. Well, I, and certainly, I, I wouldn't know what, what the, who, I, who was who. I watched it with some vague knowledge that somebody had been recast, but I didn't know if it was long enough in that they yeah. would have even. Maybe had it's just of him. sort of like a body shape thing, or like you oh, can tell maybe. based on just like, like their stature. Or like you have to you build. have to think about how like James McTeague has interacted with these people out of costume yeah. and seen how they move, and how they, they probably move, move differently. What their shoulder and when you're directing somebody you're very conscious about how they move Mm -hmm. their body right Mm -hmm. so maybe he can tell because of that yeah but he's like it's fine though yeah (laughs) no one will know and i I think he's right uh yeah so yeah we were talking though about the masks um so yeah he was dubbed the whole movie they tried to design a mask with like a microphone in it um and another one like up by his hairline and it just didn't work Probably so they're just like the scratching oh, and wrestling and stuff. Yeah, it just it just would not sound right. So no. like, fine, we'll just dub you. And they did a good job of dubbing yeah, it. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, to it make it like sometimes that can sound like weirdly ADR'd, but it really it doesn't. Really doesn't. They did a really good job of making it sound natural. Yeah. Uh, so apparently we were talking about Natalie Portman's pulling off that look. Yeah. Uh, she actually really wanted to do that. Like she said, she looked forward to it, and she'd wanted to buzz her hair for a long time. And so it finally looks she great had an on her. She's adorable. And I, what I heard is that 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 she's actually getting her hair cut. Yeah, they did it in scene. one take. And now, is it her real hair before then? I think so. Because sometimes I was like, maybe this could be a wig. I mean, I don't know if they had to pick up some scenes later, right. but I think that they just really did it in sequence that way. That's wild. Yeah. Yep, it's... they did it for real. They caught it from like three angles and just did it for real. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. There's a reason why she she's got no hair on the poster. It's the best look she has. Yes. She, she looks, looks better. Fierce. She looks better without the hair. I agree. Yeah. She's really rocking it. And it's it sucks that it's like such a tough experience when it happens for the character. Right. Because, they, because the whole time I was waiting for it to happen. Yes. But then later she does own it. Yeah. She keeps it. She keeps it. Because it's been a year. Like it, she would got to be shaving it herself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least like it's been a few months because, right. you know, all of those events happen within the one year. Right. Right. So true. she got her hair cut somewhere in the course of that year. But it's been right. some time. It's been some time. That's a good point. Um, but it's enough been long that enough hair, hair would, would grow. Be growing out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so apparently <laughs> this is very silly. So during the uh, the V speech, um, V uses words that begin with V 48 times, mm-hmm. um, but the total number of Vs in the statement is 55. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's just like, that's the dorkiest thing to do. It's it's very dorky. Yeah. It's just the speech is, but it's great. Yes. Um, so, um, they, you know, had to obviously build scale models to blow up uh, the old Bailey clock tower and houses of parliament. Love that. Miss that. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
They were built at one-tenth scale, and they took 20 people 10 weeks to build. Oh, my God. Just to get blown up? Just to get blown up. That's what you do with a scale bomb. Love it. Um, so that, that, that scrambler device we see a couple times, the prop was made out of a uh, pocket reading light. That's exactly what did, it looks like. They just like. put a red bulb on it. That's I've had reading lights like that before, and I'm like, that's exactly what it looks like. Yep, 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 yep. yep. That's very funny. Last fun thing: alternate castings for Evie. I now this will be interesting. Before you say anything, I read a Letterboxd review that claimed that Kira Knightley auditioned for this role. Is she on your list? Yes, I've got two others. I just wanted to make sure that that was true and not somebody joking on me. Right, because, because it's of, so funny. Because of Star Wars, and it's funny to me. That Kira Knightley would lose out the role to her American lookalike. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's very funny. She did audition for it. As much um, as Kira Knightley with a shaved head might not work as well. Right. Well, and you know what? Frankly, I think I don't know that Natalie that that Kira Knightley would have had this role in her the yeah. way that Portman did. Exactly. She wouldn't have had the chops. Love Kira Knightley. Yeah. No, she's great. She she's not strong enough. Probably. Yeah. I just, I just don't it was, see it's it. It's hard to see, yeah, yeah. She's certainly never done anything that would lead me to believe she could do that part. She has a lot of heavy acting in sure, her. Sure, sure, sure. But it's more of like a, just the suffering part. Yes. You know, like she can suffer great. Yes, But absolutely. It, it never turns that corner. Yeah, that, that fucking Freud movie. Yeah. No, she's great <laughs> she's in that. She's great in that. She's great in, in atonement. Yes. Like, but it's a different kind of vibe. It, again, like the suffering you, never turns like a corner. Yeah, I don't believe her as a revolutionary. Yeah, like Natalie Portman has like a hardness to her mm-hmm. that works better. She's a little grittier. Yeah. But who are the other people? Bryce Dallas Howard. No. Yes. No. <laughs> I think yeah. about, I think that she doesn't have it in her. No, certainly not. No, that's what I mean. Like, like yeah. Kira Knightley could have done a better job than Bryce Dallas Howard. Love oh, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard, no shade. But she's super wrong for that. Wrong for that. And, you're gonna laugh. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I f- <laughs> Hmm. 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 It's like, I feel like I have so many things to say that I don't have anything to say. Yeah. It just is, it's just Scarlett Johansson. It would have made the movie weirder. It would have been weird. Especially, like, then. Yeah. Like, she wasn't Scarlett Johansson yet. She was, like, the star of Lost in Translation. Yes! Hmm. Yeah. She wasn't Lucy yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> or Black Widow. Yeah. Not quite. Not quite. Or, I can play a tree if I want to. Nope. So I, w- I would have loved to have seen the the late twenty tens uh, Scarlett Johansson and Wachowski's Twitter feud. <laughs> yes, that would have inevitably resulted from that. But for the movie's sake, Natalie was right. Yeah, certainly of the available options that <laughs> of I've those heard. Four. Yeah, yeah. it's a no brainer, really. Yes. So that's V for Vendetta. <gasps> Is it's... it ever? complicated as a film super complicated i like a lot of things about it same not flawless but yeah I, enjoyable I, I came away like really really liking it and really appreciating it mm-hmm. for what it is and also feeling like it has flaws mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it was definitely worth discussion worth the discussion this very long long long, long discussion long one <laughs> but next time Big, what, shall we say we are changing gears? Oh my god. 
Well, that's just the tone it's gonna be. Like we're we're gonna talk about Speed Racer. Yes, we are. It's good. It's good. It's good, you guys. Watch it. It's good. It. We're okay. Now we are fully into like the period of time where the Wachowskis are back directing and have stopped giving like any iota of. of they a don't fuck. give any single fuck. Yeah. It's all out the window now. They're just doing whatever they want to do, and they can't be told. Like, like for better or worse, and this time it's for better, I for think. For better. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, like, what the fuck were they making when they decided to adapt Speed Racer? And it's so funny to me, like, that they got it made. But also, you know, this was a movie that Warner Brothers had had in development hell for literal decades. You know, yeah. with oh, many yeah. different directors who yeah. weren't interested. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. But they got it done and look what it is. It is something else. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. And we need that after V for Vendetta. I need it a lot in my life. So go watch Speed Racer. I promise it's good. Yeah, have, okay? have some fun with it. You're going to like it. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you better. You're, <laughs> so, until then. Yes. We love you. Stay safe. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Film Broads. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And find us on Twitter at Film Broads Pod.